Mama! Mama! We made it! What it, what it, what it do, though? Always. <laughs> the harmonies are just getting the better. The harmonies and better. are getting there. The like, melodic melodies are just on smash. We're about to release an album, a duet Shh. album, just all harmonies. What it do. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mama We Made It podcast. You got your two favorite uncles with you, Uncle Nushi. Uncle Roushi. What it do, baby. What it is. And we have an extremely special guest. Shout out to all the women that are on our podcast, yes. ladies and gentlemen. Yes. We want all the women in the world to be on here. We, we want everybody to be on here. Yes. There's no discrimination here. We want everybody. Yeah. And without further ado, let us introduce to you Miss Lacey Joy. Hey! Hey! I'm here. What's going on, my welcome, dear? I'm welcome. I'm here. I'm excited. I can tell this is about to be a vibe. It has to be. It's Look, Lacey choice. pulled up. I'm over here eating <laughs> Nutella pizza and some mushroom and sausage it pizza. So With some too. strawberries on top. Yeah, you know I mean, she, she decided she wanted a drink on this episode. We went to the store, got some Hennessy. Yes. Put some her on that chest. Yes. I got to <laughs> drinking Hennessy. I already got I more am. than enough of it on my chest, but it's okay. Yeah, it's been a while since we had it on the show. Yeah, baby. Ooh. I can't believe we almost did this with no alcohol. Hey. Crazy. Hey, <laughs> wilder things have been done. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Water only. <laughs> I know. No. Lacey, where where did you grow up? Where were you born at? I was born in Sarasota, Florida. Okay. Oh. Um, I was only there for I don't even know. It was like not a not a long amount of time. Mm. And then I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. But I did it's funny, I need to figure out like what how old I was when I moved, but I definitely know I was there for like a few years, maybe up until what what age do you start like first grade? Six. Six? Yeah, six. Six? Yeah. Six? Yep. Yeah. So I feel like I was still in Florida, maybe around like five or six. Really? For sure, yeah. What what, what were those years like? Like what was what's the family vibe like? Like how was that like cause Florida it's is weird. As, as, <laughs> as, as kids, we rarely put it into context like that. Yeah. Because it's just like kids living. Right. But what was that experience for you like? So my parents are divorced, which okay. is is interesting. I'm pretty sure we'll like get in this at some point. But especially at a young age, I loved having divorced parents. Really? Like, really? Yes. I was never that child who like it didn't hit me. Like I feel like the effects of having divorced parents didn't hit me until like Maybe like last year, the year before. Really? I loved it. What did you love about it? Okay. So one was being able to like be in different environments. So I would go like, you know, visit my dad for the summer. So he lived in Florida with us. And then like I would visit him in the summers in Florida after they divorced. And then he would, he moved to Huntsville, Alabama, Mm. which just so happened, both his family and my mom's family also from Huntsville, Alabama. So eventually we ended up moving too, but it was like after. Yeah. Or, I don't know, I think I got it actually backwards. Like, he, I used to go spend summers with him, and Mm -hmm. then we moved to Huntsville first, actually, and then I would go back to Florida and visit him. So, um, I love the idea of like just transferring into a different space. That's one. And two, I was very good at like manipulation as a child, and I didn't even know it had a word until like as an adult. 
But as I got older, I knew how to like just play the different side. So if my mom said, like if my mom took my phone from me, like as a child, like when I, whenever I got a cell phone, my yeah. dad bought the phone so, mm. and I know he's going to want to contact me through that phone. I was mm-hmm. terrible. So, <laughs> she, so she take that phone, I'm snitching. And then I, like the phone, like I'm going to get the phone back or like, you know, if, I wanted to go all night skating, which, you know, it's, it could be problematic because you could be doing anything at the skating rink until five o'clock in the morning. And my mom was super strict. So I'm like, I'm just gonna go to my daddy's house and like go. He gonna let me go. Cause of course he wants to be the good parent. Cause you know, it's dad and I'm the, I'm the only girl. I have four brothers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. The youngest. The youngest, and so, the baby girl. Yeah. And wow. so he's like, whatever you want. And especially mm-hmm. since, you know, they divorced, he's like, I'm going to do whatever your mama won't let you do. Cause I know it's going to piss her off one. And then two, <laughs> you're going to like me. And so I, I really played that card for a long time. And especially when I look at it now, it definitely caused more pain than it did good. Like looking at the, combativeness of it for sure and like i'm a i'm an advocate of like mental health like i recently started therapy like i fucking love it and that's something that my therapist pointed out she was like your relationship with your dad is built off conflict she was Mm. like a lot of the times when you interacted with him was because you were stirring up some shit like you know you and him had this this relationship where y'all were close because you were being a brat to your mom for no reason. And he was already fighting with her about like other shit that you probably knew nothing about. So it kind of like gassed him up. Mm -hmm. And that's how your relationship has kind of like folded over the years of like, I know I was like, Oh shit, I'm terrible. How old old were you when your parents divorced? Um, I honestly don't, I don't know. Was it like in the four or fives or was it older? I know. I know when we moved to Huntsville, I started elementary school. Okay. So, so you were already like a a, a little kid and everything. Yeah. It's not like, cause I always think about that with, um, parents who divorce and have kids that aren't just babies that are Mm -hmm. actually like just little kids and how that kind of affects the kids. And it seems that I actually don't know. I've always been curious about it Mm -hmm. of, you know, does it, you know, create like abandonment issues? Like, do the kids feel anxiety and things like that? It's interesting from your perspective. Yeah. As a kid, like you actually loved it. Yeah. It was, it's interesting just how you kind of process that. I know. Cause I feel like I was just, it was manipulation. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. it was being spoiled and, you know, wanted my way. But then at the same time, it was, it was two different worlds. Like my mom was very strict and not like, you know, you see crazy movies and like the parents won't let you go anywhere, won't you do anything. But she she put a lot of parameters on my life that like my friends didn't have. And as I grew up, I learned why. So like my mom is the oldest out of, I don't know, six, seven, something like that. So she's always been a protector. Mm-hmm. And she's also had a lot of shit happen to her. She's going through some shit. Really? Like she basically was the parent at growing up. Like, And it's funny because it's, it's similar to Devin's story of like, she she learned how to cook early she raised her siblings like she had to like go to school and fight for them like literally in fist fights like so many different things she's oh, a protector wow. um and so she had a lot of shit happen to her like you know her mom having like men running through the house and you know Ooh. things happening to her sex being sexually abused different mm. things so growing up i thought it was crazy that like i've been best friends with this one girl for like seven years but you won't let me spend a night at her house but in her mm. mind she's like that one time my mom let that man over my house that was that ruined my childhood wow. so that was like her perspective and so 
being a child, I didn't quite understand yeah, that. Yeah, kids, we don't get that. Yeah, it's, no. you know, she doesn't, she's always like, you know, let me know if someone does anything to you, but she never went into detail of like, this is why I'm telling you this for information. Sure. And it's also like we have to come to an age for that conversation yeah. to really happen. Yeah, for sure. And so, especially young, I didn't quite understand it. And again, she wasn't like the craziest of strict, but, you know, if your friends are going out skating or like doing different things, you're like, well, why can't I go? Or like, you know, why are you so overprotective? As I, and she she still call me like every three months and say was I too strict on you and I'm like no girl you good like I, I <laughs> like you, you essentially taught me discipline which was yes. something that carried over which most people don't have isn't and it sure. crazy that like when we actually grow up and we look back on the shit that our parents said to us and like the rules that they enforced yeah. and just like the specific things that they all did as parents like I look back and I'm like damn like 90% of the things that my parents enacted and said were all true yes but as kids we kind of just want to like find out for ourselves and, right. and build our own paths and i think it's a beautiful balance between you know parents and kids and just that kind of fighting for independence and also just fighting for who we are right because right? at the end of the day we really have to to live to be able to understand it and our parents are there to guide us through exactly because it's crazy because when you think about it like the strictest parents have the kids that are like start finding ways to just go Do around all types it. of shit, oh, to like right? Rebel- you know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to, you know, I think about it now and I'm like, damn, when I have kids, I want it to just have an open communication with them so they can feel like open to just tell me whatever, mm-hmm. right? I can let them know what good and bad is. Like my parents like let me know what good, right and wrong was, but also explicitly told me like, look, we're not going to be with you all the time. This right. is what's right. This is what's wrong. This is what's good. This is what's bad. But you also have to experience it for yourself. Yes. So we're here. If you want to do anything, if anything happens, excuse me, just let us know. Right. You have to live it, but we're here for you. Right. I think my mom was so scared because she's like, I don't want you to experience none of that. She definitely explained everything, for but sure. she's like, I'm going to make sure, you know, keep you on this direct schedule. Like, I was very active in different things. Like, I always had some shit to do. Mm-hmm. Was never bored. Summers were, like, never dull. So, I'm going to keep you, like, up and active. Sure. So, you don't even get into, like, any shit. So, For definitely, sure. like, super strict. And I say that, but I'm like, oh, some people, like, moms who won't let them, like, do anything. anything. Like, won't even be in extracurricular activities. Right. Um. So, yeah, she kept a, she kept a short leash. She's what type like, of uh-huh. kid were you? Huh, that's a good question. <laughs> very, very observant. Like, quiet. It's funny. Like, a lot of my mom's family, I don't know if they still think this to this day, but they used to think I was super stuck up just because I wasn't as talkative as everyone else. Mm. And a lot of things come in a factor. Like, I have four older brothers, but they're older. So we are overlapping. The house was like, it wasn't like a lot of years where we were just in the house together. And so, and there's different brothers from like different marriages. Like my dad has two kids. My mom has two kids. And so a lot of my childhood, essentially while I had siblings was like being by myself and in my own head. So I can easily entertain myself and I don't have to talk to people. Like Mm. I am, especially since I moved to LA, I'm the best introverted extrovert you'll ever meet because most people who don't know me and they just meet me they're like oh girl you're extroverted and i'm like no like when i get done talking i'm going home for like a long time for sure and i'm not talking to nobody about shit like i'm not answering no instagram dms i'm like "Uh uh-uh it's too much like no and so as a child definitely i observe a lot 
and very I don't want to say intelligent because it's like I'm bragging but like very intelligent like I would I would add up things really fast I would ask like a lot of weird questions that you're like like how, what are you like like I'm like where's where's my cousin's dad like just stuff from my mom is like why are you thinking Super about this yeah and so um yeah I, I I ask my mom all the time like how was I as a child or like as a baby and she's like you know you're one of like the chillest people who like, out of all my children that I've had you've just been pretty relaxed and pretty um I keep saying observing but like that's it I would just look at people and figure out. Like I could be at a Christmas family thing and look at a situation go down like way before it happens. Like as soon as I come in the house, I'm like, okay, this person is talking about this person and it's going to lead to a fight probably later on. And then when it happens, I'm just in the corner like, got him. The, y- the young anthropologist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know like, I mean? like saw, like saw that coming. And so, yeah, also very just quiet. Like I didn't, it was, I didn't really want to speak to people that much. Like, I kind of just wanted to keep to myself. I didn't like a lot of attention. And it's still the same now of like, mm. if I get too much attention at one time, it's kind of like, don't, like, don't, don't call me out. It's like, hard to process yeah. that. It's, it's, it's interesting. I have friends. Um, and luckily I do have friends who are like, I call them my agents and like my champions because if I sit with a stranger and they ask me, matter of fact, this happened a couple of weeks ago. I was in the Uber with a friend and it was a talkative Uber guy. He wanted to talk about careers and stuff. And so my friend is like, you know, I work at CA. I do, you know, head of diversity, blah, blah. And so I'm being very quiet. I'm just kind of just amping her up and being like, yeah, she does this. And he's like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, like, you know, I'm an artist. And then she's like, she works with so-and-so and so And I'm like, and he's like, well, tell me about it. And I'm like, no. Because <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's, it's a part of my life, but it isn't my whole life. And I also... You know, it's a place and a time for for, sure. for that. And I just feel like, you know, sir, I'm like faded. I'm trying to go to this insecure black party. Like, I'm not trying to talk about my career and what I do and who I work for <laughs> and being in this. And like, I just, I'm just a regular person. I don't do shit. Like, <laughs> like, but luckily I do have those friends who are like, oh, she lit and she does blah, blah. But me, I'm just like, again, I have those moments at the house where I'm looking in the mirror like, you killed it, girl. Like you, you doing that shit. But yeah, yeah. all the attention, like constant attention, I can't, I can't do it. It's too much. Were you, uh, were you creative as a kid too? Yes, but I didn't know it. I, my mom tells the story every chance she can get, but I remember coming to her as a child and like literally in tears, like, why am I not creative? But on the flip side, why am I not creative? Yeah. Wow. I know. So my, so, okay, four brothers, two, two of my dad, two of my mom. Um, one of my mom's kids, um, like raps, like all, like shit where I can look at it and say like, Oh, you know, you're creative. My mom is like the biggest hustler I know on earth. Like if she, if she had the tools that like a Chris Jenner had when it comes to like management, mm-hmm. she could take over the planet, but that's just, she doesn't, she just doesn't know that world. Mm. But I'm like, Oh my God, like you could, you could take people's careers to the next level. So she's done everything from like, I've seen her do like t-shirt design on like a baking company, um, pan paint ceramics. She had like a little, um, is it a kiln? Whatever it is, the little yeah. where you can fire the fucking ceramics yes. like in our garage. Yes. I like bought it from like somewhere. <laughs> really? And I was like, what is this big ass ceramic thingy? Yeah. Like hand paint, like everything is self-taught. So she's always been very creative. But with me, I never identified with like drawing or like painting. I would do it, but I would always look at it as like, Oh, these are like little, they, they aren't like, this isn't real art. That's how I will always look at it of like, mm. 
even if I'm drawing like a pattern of like stick figures or whatever, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not an artist because I know so and so who can really draw like some shit yeah. with like shading and all like that. A, a peacock with the feathers yeah. out and everything. And the most For interesting sure. thing is like, I didn't realize I was into artwork until one of my brothers went to jail. He was like always mm-hmm. in some gang shit. <laughs> like my family, we ratchet, but he was always in some, <laughs> always in some gang shit. He went to jail, and I remember he would write me all the time. Like that's the brother I was closest to. He would write me all the time, and like the envelopes would be like fully covered in a drawing like I remember one was like a brick wall where it had like roses it was like all types of stuff and I used to look forward to the letters all the time because of the drawings and so I think that's where it first clicked to me of like huh I like this but then I really suppressed it and I just kind of went on with like you know I was in karate, I was in band, and in the South, band is like drumline, I guess. Like, it's hella black, like, it's, you know, you marching, like, you playing all the hits off the radio. Like, it's some real lit shit. So, it was fun <laughs> to be in a band. So, I was in a band, and I ran track, and to me, that was that was fun, but it didn't, I didn't resonate that with creativity. And now, when I look at it, I'm like, I can, like, read and write music. I probably can't write as well anymore at all but like i can read it and i can play so that is creativity but for some reason i never i never put myself in the place of an artist and it wasn't until i like went to school went to college for criminal justice and i had a double minor in political and computer science because again never saw creativity i was like you know i need to go to school for some shit that's gonna pay the bills that's going to be lit. Like I could be an attorney. I can be a, a FBI agent. You know, I love technology. And then after I graduated with that, and we can go through all this shit, but like after I graduated with that, um, or actually before I graduated with that, I interned with the FBI, which is hella random. Really? Yes. <laughs> so weird. Jeez. And one of the, the internship was like a rotation. So I rotate to different departments. Like the first week I was doing like reception and I was answering calls from like crazy ass people that would just call the FBI office every day and just say sure. crazy shit. I'm sure. And um, eventually I ended up going to like, I don't know if it was communications or what, but long story short, I ran across somebody who was using the Adobe suite. And I was like, oh, this is dope. Like, you can basically create, you know, anything. And simultaneously, two of my best friends who I live with were in school for advertising, but they had minors in design. Mm. So I knew what it was and I knew like what the the classes they took. But I just, you know, you in college, you just everybody's kind of doing their own thing. So I never really paid attention to what they were doing. Sure. And so when the thing with the FBI happened, I was like, okay, you know, these programs are super familiar um, I'm interested in it and something just snapped. It was, it's, I can, I can't explain it to this day. It was just something in me that was like, you should, you should take a class in this, like just for kicks yeah. and, and just see like if you're interested. And you can, I ended up doing it. <laughs> I want to take it back because we'll, I want to, we're, we're going to dive into your art side. Yeah, we can get to that but, later. <laughs> we'll get, we'll, oh, we'll get there. We'll, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get to all that good shit. <laughs> but, you know, being a kid, like, it's so interesting, especially when you see yourself now and, and think about the things that you were into and discovering yourself as a kid. And you said mm-hmm. you suppressed your artistry, yeah. your artist side, but still kind of remain active in all these things. Um, 
How did you express yourself if you didn't have that outlet for art? It's interesting because like when I think about what I was doing and I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know what the disconnect was because literally everything that I was doing was pointed to creativity. I don't know if it was because sometimes I can be super literal. Like I need someone to point it out to me. It's like, Lacey, you are doing A, B, and C. And so maybe it was never being told that what I was doing was like equivalent to being creative. So sure. like I would see my mom doing all this stuff, but I'm like, oh, well, I don't paint. So like I'm not creative or I can't draw. But on the flip side, it's like, um, you know, like the little plastic string that people used to make keychains out of that you could mm-hmm. like braid. That was yes like shit like that i would just get go crazy off of like i know how to braid all of them i'm at hobby lobby i got the glitter string i got Mm. the gold string i'm like tying stuff up on the side like i'm selling candy at school i'm hustling like i got my first computer through uh this organization called girls inc which was like it's a story on like how i came to touch with my faith which is like it's a story that i feel like i would tell until i'm off this earth which is Super quick story. Nah, let's. We don't have, it doesn't have to be super quick. <laughs> but it, the story is quick, but like okay. the manifestation cool. of it is like a lot. Let's go. There. So <laughs> I was in Girls Inc., which if y'all don't know, is like equivalent to Boys and Girls Club, but it's just oh, just women. Got it. It's like being strong, smart, and bold. That's a tagline. They've been around forever. And so that was like my after school jam. Like I would go to school, go to Girls Inc. That's where I learned to play space. Like all, all the good shit. I feel like I learned a lot at Girls Inc. And so they had this honor roll program where if you made like all A's or A's and B's, it's this big honor ceremony. You eat like the salad and the dried chicken, like the same like type of like honor food or whatever. And they always (laughs) give out like some type of big ass gift. And this time they were giving out a computer. It was an e-machine, like a PC. And they were talking about it all night. And I literally turned to my mom. I can remember this shit clear as day. I turned to her and I was like, I'm gonna win that computer. Like, super smooth. Like, just, I just knew it. I was like, I'm gonna win that computer. And she was like, girl, how you know? Like, they're gonna pick this name. And it was like one of those, like, little rolling things. So yes. They're gonna pick this, like, the lottery. They're gonna pick this shit out of, like, so many names. And I was yeah. like, I was like, no, like, I, I prayed about it. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it. And I remember her and I doing, like, a quick prayer at the table of, like, you know, my mom was just intrigued because she's like, you know, I've always moved to the beat of my own drum and I've always had my own sense of faith. No matter how deep we were in the church, cause she'll be deep and I'll be like, okay, I'm not going that deep. Like I've <laughs> always just had like my own thing mm-hmm. with God. And so I was like, no girl, I'm about to get this computer. And literally first thing they called Lacey Jordan. And I looked at her and I was like, let me go get this computer real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember looking back at her and she was just shook. She was like, how did you know? And I was like, I just felt I it. Like, I just, I knew, I, I just knew it. I was like, I had been introduced to technology and I don't remember if it was like, this sounds so old, introduced to technology. Like, um, <laughs> like iPhones but and for shit. all of us. Yeah. yeah like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And so I don't know if it was, I don't know where I was introduced to like actually being on a computer, but I knew that like I needed that outlet. And when I think about it, like all I was doing was like being on shit like paint or playing the Sims where I can like essentially create my own world. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I still love the Sims cause I'm a nerd at heart. But, um, yeah, that was, I think between like getting that computer and just other things that I would do on the side and not even realize that I was actually truly being creative, like the string thing or, um, I used to love Lisa Frank. So I would buy all the stationery and like play with the stickers. I try to like design them or try to like draw things or like literally everything. But for some crazy reason, I never related that with being creative. Like I just thought it was just stuff that I was doing. So 
Yeah, it was weird. It's crazy because, like, creativity is way more of an action than it is an identity. Yes. Right? And I feel like, especially as a kid, it's hard to associate yourself with defining that you're a creative at heart. Right. I feel like it's one of those things that really, like, builds and blossoms, and then you understand it as you come of age and and really get to see Mm -hmm. where your creativity is going. Like, and what mediums of creativity that you're really gravitating towards. But I feel like as kids, we're just searching for our identities and also just the things that we're good at and we gravitate towards. And as we get older, we can really start placing them and applying the the labels that we start to bring in, that we start to learn about, that we really start to experience. Um, And that's one of those things. Like, we're naturally all creative it's just like school, right? Like people, some people are really good at math and others aren't. Some people really right. love sciences, others aren't. But like you only really understand that as you're going through the motions. Yes. And then we start finding the things that we connect to and just really start running with the things that speak to us. Right. Right. I want to talk about you, you and your relationship with your brothers. What was, what was that like growing up? Cause you said you guys had an age difference as mm-hmm. well, right? What was that like for you, especially? Also, with the dynamic of having brothers from separate families, like, did all of y'all get along? Like, yeah. was it one big happy family? Like, what was that dynamic like, especially as a kid? Right. I got one quick comment before I answer it. Because to your point before about creativity, I think in my situation, um, geography also plays a part, too. How so? Like, if I, I think if I were in L.A., creativity mm. is something that is fostered here. In Alabama, it's a very, it's very, everything's very technical. Like I mentioned before of like going to school for something that I was going to like get paid for. So it's being a doctor or a lawyer. Mm. And you see that a lot, especially in like people of color. Like they're like, okay, you need to go to school for some shit where you're going to get some money. We don't have to worry about, you know, living check to check. And I think in Alabama, creativity is fostered, but it's fostered in a different way. It's, you know, and especially in the city that I come from, it's more of like, engineering healthcare mm-hmm. um that's just like i i can probably count on one hand how many people i knew that actually were like artists and especially i don't think i knew anyone that was successful in being an artist period for so sure. i think for me geography also played a part because you know no, to this day especially on my dad's side no one knows really what the fuck i do like my brother like people who are kind of like on the same wave but especially older my dad i don't think it connected for him what i do until like I had my picture in essence and it wasn't even about my work. It was literally my picture talking about like beauty shit and like an Instagram handle. And to me, I was like, oh, that's cute. But you know, I want to talk about my work or whatever. Yeah. And he is like, okay, I get it. Like essence, you know how dads <laughs> are like, sure. that's get it. it. Yeah, like, sure. That's my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and so especially being there, I just like, I don't, I think about art classes and like what's offered. And it's not a lot of things that are offered when it comes to creativity and like mm. fostering your art. It Absolutely. may be like band or like different things like that, but it's a, it's a very like literal ladder. Like if you're in band, you know, you do it, let's say elementary high school, elementary, middle high school, then you apply for scholarships and you go ahead and do band, like, you know, in college, but no one ever expresses like, Verse doing the action, what that means on the grander scheme of things. Like, okay, you're, you know, you're being creative. This, these are the things that you're doing. These are different ways it can translate. For totally. sure. And so totally. I just don't think that was, and, and I can't, it's no one to even blame. Cause I, when I look at my mom's skill set to this day, I'm like, 
you don't even know what you have. Like, I'm like, you have some lit, like if I had your skills at like my age, like yeah. there's so much shit you can do. And so I just think that it's, it's very new and things are changing. Like I can see a lot of change happening, Absolutely. especially in the South of like, either people who've gone and left and come back and say like, okay, this is like lit. We should do this. Or people there who are, you know, going into whether it's politics or different things. Like I was telling my mom about the idea of like having a pop-up. She never heard of it. She's like pop-up. I'm like, yeah, it's an idea where like, you know, if I don't have a, a standalone store, even if I do, I can just like literally pop up, build an experience somewhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's stuff that people aren't doing. It's just like, absolutely. And here it's just like, you know, another day in LA, people got like yeah. 10 pop-ups on any given day. Exactly. For sure. And so creativity is such a lack of, in regards of like fostering that with children and letting them know of like, Oh, you don't necessarily have to be a starving artist. Like yeah. you can, you can make this a career path. It is very much so more like, you go be a doctor, you follow these set of skills, mm-hmm. you follow that you go to college and you go to med school, your residency or whatever the, whatever the plan is, that's what you follow. So it's very literal verse like. Absolutely. And the creative. environment plays a very big role. Yes. I feel like especially nowadays though, Huge. with the internet and the digital age that we're in, the expanse and the reach of the possibilities of yeah. all of these things is far greater, right? Yeah. Like yeah. You Accessibility. You, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very accessible. You don't necessarily have to be in a city like L.A., New York, or, yeah. or or these types of places to know that these things exist. Right. But especially back then when we were kids, and also our parents' age, oh, yeah. it was literally just like doctor, lawyer, business. That's it. Whatever, and then whatever was exposed to you in your little community. Yes. Now we all literally have the world at our disposal. That's it, and they just don't Kids get are it. Seeing, like makeup bloggers yes. and bloggers and yes. videographers and cats traveling and entertainers, this, that, and the other. And I also think it's one of those things, creativity kind of scares people, yeah. and especially parents, because it's one of those things where it's so intangible and mm. also it's so hard to put a price tag and also a career path. Yeah, and like on a label it. on it. It's like, what do right. you do? And it's like, so this how shit. would a parent like <laughs> want, wanting the best for their kid be like, just go be creative? Don't worry, be an artist. You're gonna figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's always starving artists. That's always like for the, sure. the narrative, right? For sure. It's like, oh, you're gonna be an artist. Okay, so are you gonna you're gonna have paintings and they're gonna be like in a museum or something? Like it's such a, a linear thought. Versus what it means to be a creative and an artist now right. is incredibly expansive. Yeah, and like yeah, I mean to to the point we talk about this all the time. Just the possibility, based on your geographical location, is so so impactful. Like yeah. paramount, man. I mean, if you like you said <clears throat> in in the south in Alabama is not going to have the same accessibility, the same possibilities as L.A. where it's artists everywhere for so for generations right yeah you know people like your parents came to la as artists and then their kids and then their kids and it's just like it it thrives based on on your location but yeah i think like you said i mean so now the internet it's through social media yeah it's like no excuse now like if you would have told me that i would be where i am now like when I was in high school, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, even like when I moved. That exists? Right. Before I moved to LA, like when I was actually planning to move to LA, I was just 
I was just really going through the motions. I wasn't even really thinking about it. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, it's just, it's probably not even going to work out. We're going to see. Sure. But if you would have told me like, okay, girl, like you can go to LA and you could do these type of things. I would have. There's a lane. There's an actual lane yeah. and a path. For yeah. Sure. That you can I would have never guessed it. Like, <laughs> I'm like, huh, what? So yeah, geography is, is a big thing. And it's something that I'm passionate about, like closing that gap, Ooh. especially being in my situations. Like, okay, I'm in LA and like I'm doing good for myself. Like I'm making moves. I'm doing the shit that I feel like I need to be doing. But I still look back, and I have friends who, like, one of my best friends is a band director at the high school we used to go to. Well, they remodeled it and kind of changed it, but essentially it's the high school we used to go to. Um, and he'll tell me shit like, "Yeah, these kids don't even think that like college is something they can do." And I'm like mind blown because I'm like, okay, wow. I come from these same communities. I understand being broke because like I didn't necessarily know how I was gonna pay for college, but I knew I could go. Sure. And for them to not even know that that's like, to them, that's not even an option. It's like, okay, when I graduate high school, I go get a job down at the like Frito-Lay production, which mm. there's nothing wrong with it because they pay a good check. I ain't going to lie. But you can have that education. Like, sure. It's not anything that's not made for you. You can actually go. So in somewhere in my career, I got to figure out like how to close that gap from like what I've learned from being out here. And then also, you know, giving back to the South in some way, because I'm like, Last time I was at home, which was May, I was like, fuck, I wish I had enough patience to move home for like a short amount of time because it's, I could literally like start so much shit. Like real estate is low. Like it's just so many things, businesses, nonprofits, like so much stuff you can do. But a lot of people don't realize that they have the materials and things at their fingertips to execute things without even being in LA. So. I don't know, so it's a it's some shit. I gotta figure it out. Yeah, no. I want to ask you this: being the the observant, creative being, mm-hmm. but you didn't know it yet. But being the observant, creative being as a kid, I feel like in childhood is where we really start getting introduced to the idea of dreaming and mm. thinking about the possibilities and what do we want to be when we grow up. As a kid, what were your thoughts? Mm-hmm. on what you wanted to be when you grew up i was so stereotypical <laughs> it's funny because it's stereotypical but i feel like um or superficial actually is a better word um because i wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer and it's funny because i don't even know at that point if my parents were feeding that information to me i honestly don't know mm. but in my mind it's like I want to be able to have good things. Mm -hmm. That was like the biggest part of it. And so even when I look at it now, like the type of uh, toys that I had. So I always had like, (laughs) like a Barbie convertible, which translated adult wise to a Mustang. Like that's the kind of car I drive now. Like it's so many things that I see. Yeah. It's so many things that I see tied along. And it's, I don't know if it was me growing up. When I think about my childhood, especially in Florida, like I remember certain things like I know my dad had an old school I forgot what kind of was that was like super fly mm. always wore like gold rope chains like that's all the types of stuff I grew up on so I feel like I saw things I looked at things and yeah. I was like I want these things and then as you know my parents divorced you got to run into shit like child support mm. and I can't recall ever wanting for anything in regards of like, oh, if Lacey's, you know, band fees need to be paid. Like on down the line in high school, yeah. But especially younger, I don't remember actually like, you know, oh, I need to pay for this field trip and can't pay for it. I know my dad was definitely there financially, but Mm -hmm. it was, especially back then when like money went longer than it goes now, 
I knew that we weren't rich by any point, but I knew at least with my dad, he had like a really good job where he can like pay for stuff. Like he somehow had fell into, I think it was technically an engineering job, but he did, he was in the military. He learned how to do like all this electrical work and essentially fell into this role. So he didn't go to school for engineering. He just knew how to like, he was just a beast at, or still a beast at doing electrical work. Mm. Um, And so he had the money. And so for my mind, I don't know, in childhood, I just kind of looked at, you know, the tangible things of like, I just want to be able to grow up and get the things that I need to live without having to worry about money. And as I grew up, interesting, yeah, it's, it's really weird. That's, that's that inquisitive thought. Like, yeah, I'm like, I just want to make sure I can like be good. That's and interesting to have as a kid though, like that, that kind of depth in, in terms really of like, I'm really going to kind of blow your mind. Well, not blow your mind, it. but like, let's do it. What I realized as of the last couple of weeks was, what I really wanted was independence. And what I really wanted was to make sure that in no situation could I be in a position where I was relying on somebody else's money. Cause I also noticed that too. I noticed my mom, like, and like I said, she's a creative. So she, maybe she's not working and she's doing all these other side hustles, but side hustles take like time and patience and money. And so I would notice that, you know, child support check might cover field trips and stuff, but it's also essentially taking care of our well-being. Mm. And in my mind, it's like, I don't, I don't want to have to depend on nobody's money, especially a man's money. I don't, I don't, I just want to be able to like buy and get the things that I want and live a comfortable life. And that way of thinking that I grasped on to when I was a child Mm -hmm. is still here now. That's how I am now. I'm like, I don't, I want to be fully independent. And sometimes it could be, you know, a con of like being too independent, I guess, or not, you know, relaxing at some periods of time or not, you know, telling friends about hard times or, or kind of just being like ego and things play a role in it. But I'm still like that now where mm. it's like I just in no circumstance do I want to have to want for anything. And that's even my stance on kids of like kids are expensive. <laughs> and I know because I saw like child support and all these different things so it's like i would never ever even put myself in that position Mm. until i'm like like perfectly financially stable where i can just if i need they need to go to daycare i don't have to think about the price they're going like it's it's certain things that i can totally tell now as an adult Mm. that i picked up from just observing like whether it's child support fights or you know the chicken come on time or you know sure. what whatever I'm like I don't I don't want to go through none of that shit like it's not mm-mm. those kids those, those things impact you as kids yes. like they they really do and it's it's interesting when um you're you're not like you said you're not poor by any means but like you're still seeing arguments about money yeah right that has nothing to do with being like poor or anything you could just be middle class or yeah or but when you see those things happen. Like I experienced that a lot when I was a kid mm-hmm. and it's definitely impacted the way I see money and, yeah. and also myself and in my independence as well. I, I completely feel you on that because it kind of like it, it kind of like scares you in a, in a, yeah. in a weird way. It's like you don't want, you see like the turmoil and pain and like the conflicts and the fights. And as a kid, and especially for you, someone who, you had older older brothers, which we still got to get to. Oh yeah, the dynamic, but not having like maybe a younger sister or a younger brother or someone really close to your age that you can be in this with. It kind of makes you feel alone. Yeah, from what what I'm gathering, like I know my my younger sister kind of went through that a little bit too, and um, I think those. It, I, I'm always so interested 
the things that happen to us as kids that just the the environments and they're not necessarily like bad like or, or like they're just kind of this is just life but the little triggers that happen that create the people we are today. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so fascinating. It is so many things that translate. Like, even going back to the idea of being alone, I I can't recall a time where I ever felt alone, but it's funny because I think, like, well, last year, I was, like, in a six-year relationship. Like, long distance was a lot of shit. Mm. And we broke up last year, and I remember my ex was in my hometown talking to my mom. And it was funny because she said something to him, and she was like, you know, because one of the issues that I deal with is being selfish and it's something that I've, and I'm the type of person when I learn something about myself or someone calls something out to me that I'm like, okay, I can see that it always sticks with me. And I always try to like work on it. It's always in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And so since I was the youngest and like, we'll get to the brothers, but essentially I was kind of like in the only child role. So sure. being selfish and also being spoiled with like the dad stuff is, yeah. is stuff that I've always had to deal with to some extent. Mm. And it's spoiled in different ways, not necessarily like items or goods. It could be spoiled with like time or like whatever. Attention. Yeah. And um, so um being selfish is is a big thing. And I remember my mom telling my ex and she was like, you know, I she's like, I, I think I did pretty good with Lacey, but I wish I could have taught her how to care more about other things because mm. she was like she she was like, if, you, if I think about it, Lacey never had to care about anything. I never had to care about another person hmm. because there was no, like there was no little sister. Like hmm. I had a little cousin who, and her and I are like super close. And that's someone who I would, if I had to have a little sister, I would look at her, but you know, she at my house and then she gone. It's just like with kids. Like I love other people's kids cause they can leave and go with their parents, but I never had to take care of anything. I never hmm. had to have any, responsibility i can always i was always in a position where i could be selfish because i was by myself so i didn't have to share no toys i didn't have to share no money mm. i was always moving to the beat of my own drum and i never had to include other people in what i was doing because it was just me and so when she when she told me that she told him that i was like oh shit i was mm. like damn <laughs> i was like fact i haven't i haven't i haven't had to like care about another being to that extent so it was something that like has stayed true to me since she brought it up of like all right i gotta focus on you know not being selfish in different situations because that piece of my childhood has rolled over into my adult life so yeah those connections are there it's like i can especially with my family members i can talk to my dad and create direct his are so easy to spot for me direct correlations between like how he grew up and how he is now so like for instance um my grandmother my dad is the oldest and he has a younger brother Mm -hmm. my grandmother had him young she had his brother when she was older so Mm -hmm. essentially my dad grew up with his grandfather my great-grandfather and his brother grew up more with his mom because his mom was ready to take care of the younger child you know when she had my dad she didn't know what the fuck she was doing sure. and so my dad essentially while his mom was in the picture he kind of grew up without a mom in his eyes mm. and so when i look at how he treats women i'm like boom i get it because you never had a mama you had one but you never felt like you had one and my grandma is so tough and my mom everybody's tough which essentially like made me super tough which is a whole set of issues um i was like you're so tough that and she's so tough that she never actually said 
I love you. Ooh. So you've never actually felt loved by a woman. Mm. So you can go treat women like shit. And you think it's okay. Mm. And luckily my dad and I can have these conversations where I'm like, this is what I think. And there's nothing he can do about it. Cause I'm right. <laughs> and so, but as soon as I figured all that out, mm. I can connect it. I'm like, Oh, and you also don't know your dad. Mm. So that's a whole other level of issues. And you're confused about who he is and like whatever. And so I've been able to like tie those issues with my dad and be like, okay, so, you know, this is how you feel. This is the reason why you feel this way about women. So this is in return why you treated my mom like this. And now that I'm an adult woman and I know how it is to be treated by a man, I can see why my mom had these issues. I can just, I can it inspect all sense. the pettiness and confusion. <laughs> like I can dissect everything and be like, oh, okay. I know how we got here. So yeah, it's funny. A lot of the last, I think since I came to LA, it's been a lot of me not only with myself, but like looking at my family and my dad and mom and being like, okay, like, so how did you get to your way of thinking now and really trying to figure out their generational curses so I can in return figure out how I want to move for the rest of my life? Because, you know, I look at my dad, he's single. Look at my mom, she's single. Look at my dad's mama, she's single. Look at his brother. Everybody's single. Mm. No, no one has a grasp on relationships because everything is fucked up. So I'm like, I don't want to live this life. Like I actually want to like, you know, have somebody maybe and like do something. <laughs> and so I've always, I don't know, since I've been out here and maybe it's more of what well, isn't more of it. It's because of when you move, especially by yourself, you have no choice but to learn who you are. You know, you're, when I moved to LA, I, I knew a couple of people from college, but no one that I could like truly rely on. So mm. I spent a lot of time by myself and a lot of time observing things. So it goes back to the childhood. Totally. Thing it's almost like, like a comfort zone. Too. Yeah. And I, being alone is my comfort zone. Like I, I love just reflecting and especially now that, um, I'm more in tune with mindfulness. That's something that I'm working on because even as a child, I mentioned before, I was always involved in things. So you're moving and you're moving and you're moving. And when you're super, super busy like that, a lot of the times it's just like a guinea pig wheel. Like you're you're always rolling, but you're never actually thinking about what you're doing, which is where you miss the connection. And honestly, that's probably how I missed the connection in knowing that I was creative because I was too busy doing the creative and not actually thinking about what I was doing. 100%. And I think like that even goes to, that same concept, that mindfulness, uh, I think also applies to relationships like our parents and their parents. I think I really do think it's a generational thing. It wasn't, I don't think, normal to talk about your feelings and things like that with your children. Right. You know, it was like, it was so much more about almost keeping secrets or keeping up the perception of what you want everyone to to see things as and keep it together and not really address like the miscommunication or um, just the actual problems Mm -hmm. of that. It's just so easy to just, this is what it is and we're going to keep moving forward, keep moving forward. Right. And I think mindfulness now we actually do have an opportunity to change that for the next generation. Right. But it, it's we we have to be more conscious of that stuff now, and I think it's it's great that you know things like mental health, things like therapy are becoming less. Um, there's less of a stigma around it, right? More and more, even though there still is. Versus like our parents' generation, where they're like, "Oh, a therapist? Like what? Like, oh my god, what's my, wrong with you?" That was my dad. Actually, I think like last week, and it's funny because 
I've mentioned therapy to him a bunch of times. Like he he has his own like. Don't say that word. Oh my! It's oof, I could do a whole podcast on my dad. Like I've he has his own set of like health issues and different things that he's going through that put him in a isolated state. So to so to say. And I know when you go from living like a certain lifestyle to being, you know, more isolated, like he had heart issues, all types of stuff. And so I'm like, I know you're probably depressed, but, but in your, in your community and like, it just in you, you don't necessarily know how to identify that, nor do you think that's an issue, especially in black families. Cause it's just not shit we talk about of mm. like, you know, somebody depressed, like, oh, what's something wrong with them? Like, mm-mm, they don't, mm-mm. It's, it's you easily write people off verse actually knowing like i remember and my mom listened well she's not gonna kill me she's not gonna care um christmas one of my aunts like it somehow i don't know somehow like this weird prayer circle happened but she's like i want to pray for my daughter blah blah and i'm thinking like I'm, I'm at home like i'm not usually there and i'm thinking like what the fuck happened like why are we praying for my cousin mm. and she was like you know she's bipolar and blah blah and as the prayer went on, it was funny because I'm like the person, me and my brother, like looking at each other from across the circle, like we gotta go, like it's too long, like we dropping hands, like we gotta go. Um, but through the prayer, I realized of like, oh, this is by being bipolar is totally new to y'all. Like this, it seems like, of course, being bipolar is a is a situation, like it's For a sure. thing to deal with. Absolutely, but in that space they made it way bigger and like scarier than it really was like we don't know how to tackle this and i'm like just google it like like you know <laughs> this this isn't right. abnormal like right. this isn't you know her being bipolar isn't like she's not this like weird person who this is the first time that, like this is it's common most actually all y'all in the room are bipolar and nobody even fucking knows it like I, when she was telling me i was like oh my god like but you're bipolar too and that's like it's just it was funny because i was telling my mom like do y'all know y'all bipolar because everybody's <laughs> fucking crazy and so but like in the best way sure yeah, yeah, yeah and so it was it was just interesting that moment of like oh things like being bipolar is like new it's new it mm. feels it's like new information so when i look at my dad i'm like you gotta be you know to some level depressed and you know i would talk to him about therapy or whatever and i guess he never maybe he didn't listen when i told him i was going to therapy but maybe two weeks ago i was like yeah you know i just left therapy i'm in a good mood blah blah he's like what you in therapy for what's going on I'm like it doesn't have to be anything going exactly. on sure. and i was like but if you want to break it down it's because y'all crazy folks <laughs> but Right, exactly. It's true. Yeah, but I was like, yeah, and I was like, you know, I went to therapy, not necessarily going through anything, but I just knew from like friends and and different things that talking to someone unfiltered who doesn't know you will bring out things that you didn't even know. And every week when I go to therapy, it's like a new revelation. I'm like, I'm like, oh shit! Like she told me I was controlling one week. We came to the conclusion I was controlling, and I was like. Oh shit. And like, I tell a friend, like, she said I was controlling and he was like, duh. And I was like, I didn't even know that. You know? I was like, I didn't even know. So you, you just find out. It's so a very liberating things. thing to be yes. able to be vulnerable. Yes. Right? Like, we're so in our, in our own worlds that we don't notice so, so many of the things. And also, we don't have the outlets that we feel like we can speak on it and not be judged. Yes. And that's a beautiful thing about therapy. It's like, like it really you said, is. like somebody that doesn't know you, that doesn't have judgment, but that's there to listen. And a lot of like times, ima- the imagine is if we felt that with our peers. Yes. Like I could be open with you and not feel like I'm being judged, but just feel like I can speak. Yes. Transparently with one another. Yes. That's, that's really the beauty of if we can all get to that level with one another as peers, 
I feel like the world would be such, such a different a, oh place. Oh my gosh, it, yeah. you hit the nail on the head. Like one of my goals ever since last year. So last year, I mentioned being in a relationship. It was like Lacey's hell week. It was like I was, the relationship was crumbling. Like I had car issues. It was like all this shit. Like grandma went to the hospital for heart issues. Mm. Literally every goddamn thing you could think of happened in this one week. Mm. And I internalized it. I didn't like, you know, it was certain things that I had to reach out and ask for help for. Like my car was in the shop and money was like, Tight wasn't even the word. Um, so it was a couple of coworkers who I really fuck with that lived on the same side of town where I had to be like, hey, you know, can I ride with you, blah, blah, blah. But the, the deeper rooted issues never said anything to anybody. And I remember maybe mm. like a month and a half after all that went down, I had like a friend night and we were all just like talking and I was just. I was just tired of internalizing things. So I was like, I'm just going to start talking. So I was like, okay, y'all. So this is what happened. Me and so-and-so, we done, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, my car was in the shop. I was hitting, like, in- insufficient funds. Some shit was adding up. Like, Wells Fargo. Like, I was going in deep. Mm. And my friend, who at the time was in the Air Force, she was like, why didn't you say nothing? I was gone for duty in a different state for like a month. You could have had my car. You didn't have to go into the negative by Ubering or renting a car because I got you. And it was just that conversation of like, I realized that at that time that everybody in the same room was almost on the same page. Like we were all going through shit. And it wasn't until I opened my mouth and said something that everybody kind of like released of like, oh shit, girl, I'm broke too. Yeah. More, more than not. More than yeah. not. <laughs> and, and, and and look, this is more than not. I mean, this is such a, a a pinnacle thing about this podcast. You realize more than not, everyone's going through the same shit, or yes. has just gone through it, or will be. Like we're all so yes. caught up in putting like the about face on. Like we're all good. Are we strong? No, 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 we're good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Every, yeah, we're working this through shit it. Sucks. We're moving and grooving. <laughs> we good. When in reality, and you know what the craziest thing is, is that. So many of us look at it as like pain mm-hmm. and and also embarrassment at what we're going through. Yes. Where in like in reality, the moment we start opening up about just the realities of what we're going through and also with sincerity, the vulnerability that we're feeling, so many people open up and feel free to be able to express it yes. themselves. It's like a key that unlocks yes. the, the, yeah. the Pandora's box And that's box how I felt in that moment. I was like, oh shit, we, like, literally, we it's all like, here. Damn, they're going through it through. Yes, like, One okay, person I cool. can finally speak to on the same level. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I tell my friends all the time, <laughs> yeah. like, I just had a friend of mine who was in that same conversation. She's just been going through, like, a hard time. Like, long story short. And I'm like... What do you, what do you need? Like, do not suffer in silence. Cause I had to take her back to that moment of like, remember, I didn't say nothing. And if I would have just said something, a lot of my issues would have been taken care of. Cause like, I would have had my friend that would have gave me her car. I would have had this other friend that would have been able, who was doing catering at the time that could have gave me free breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. If I just would have said something. Sure. And I was telling it's her. It's scary though. Yes. It it's is. It's scary. It's but, not, it's not something that just like comes and we're like, okay, yeah. like, let me lay all my problems out on right. you. Right. But I also feel like with friendship is like, that's what the fuck is there for. for sure. And that's a big lesson I learned last year of like, I'm, I don't, I don't think I'm like a super surface level person. Like I try to go deeper than like, you know, most, but 
well, a lot of time we're friends, it's like, oh, okay, you know, we'll talk about, you know, maybe like men or different things and we'll go day parties and brunch and we'll hang out. We'll talk about career goals and stuff. But the real friendship is when the hard times come of like being able to talk about like, you ain't got no money in your account. I For feel sure. you. Let me know so I can help you. And so when my friend told me what she was going through, so at least now I know. So every other day I can be like, are you good? Do you need something? Like, cash out for her some money just because I like come over eat lunch with me so you have to spend money and it was hard to get to that point but then I had to realize of like I don't have friends just to like kick it with for like, sure I don't and I'm not even like a huge kick it kick it type of person but like I need y'all here for when shit get bad <laughs> like and it is not even like can you give me some money when shit get bad but just to be there just to be a listening ear and know that like that's really what friends uh, that's are for it. and people 100%. a lot of people don't tap into like that dimension of friendship sure. and it's just a lot of it's very surface level and people don't even know it's surface level no. they think that like oh this is my ride or die but like you in order to get to that next level it's like like let me know what you're going through because exactly. when she told me i was like girl well let me tell you what i did when i was going through this or like again now i know so if i think of a job that'll be good for you i have like a homeboy who in a similar situation and he's always been like the freelance type of guy and so i've had plenty of like nine to five jobs come across me where I'm like oh okay he probably not gonna want this that's just not his personality and him and I were on the phone for like maybe two hours like two weeks ago and we just talking about all types of shit and it came up and I was like I'm so glad we had this in-depth conversation about what you're going through so now when someone comes to me and say like oh I have this job you know it's like a nine to five situation now I can like give it to you and say like hey let's let's try to do this so we can get on like a good you know a good lane or whatever so yeah, like I, I'm at the point now where like I don't even want people in my life that I can't get to that point to at some, to some extent because now it's just about evolving and like getting to my higher self. So I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, if I can't have a real ass conversation about like real shit, especially in today's world, like absolutely, <laughs> we have to communicate. It's too much shit going on. Absolutely, and, and segueing that. Way back, mm-hmm. way back. How's that relationship, brothers, with, with the brothers? Yes, um, it's interesting. Like, what's okay. the age difference? First of all, and I'm so slow. I can't. Okay, so let me put things in context. I have four brothers, and I counted two days ago. I have 14 nieces and nephews Whoa. that I think I can name. It's still a couple of like people who I'm like. <laughs> Did we get paternity tested? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's real life shit. It's facts. Um, so, okay. Four, four brothers. My youngest brother, who is one of my dad's kids, mm. and I'm 29. I think he might be like 30, 31. So, okay. I tell you, how, like that. I didn't know about him until. I was younger, maybe middle or like high school. Really? Yeah. And y'all are only a year apart. Yeah. Or maybe wow. like year, year, year or two years. So the overlap will let you know there was sketchy shit going on, <laughs> like just in general. Yeah. And it was one, I don't, I really try to remember how I found out that I could have a brother. Cause I knew of like my other three, yeah. but I can't remember how I initially found out I could have a brother. I don't know if my mom, cause my mom and dad did go through a period where they were very combative and things got nasty like at first you know my mom would definitely I can kind of like pick up you could pick up vibes and even as a child I could pick up animosity between her and my dad for sure but she never and this is she a good woman she never said like oh your daddy ain't shit or your daddy did a b and c and that was probably because he was also in my life as well but like as I grew up I started connecting stuff and I'm like huh you know 
some of this shit don't add up. Um, <laughs> and so I don't remember if during that time when things got bad, if my mom said something slick or like, I don't remember how I found out, but I knew I had a brother. Um, and honestly, in that back in the day, in that mind frame, yeah. I was embarrassed. I was like, you know, mm. um, most of my friends at the time were definitely in two parent households. And again, I didn't really, I didn't really connect with being divorced, being in a divorced household thing. Like I thought I had the best life. Um, but when I looked at my friends, I'm like, okay, you know, you in two parent households, like your brothers and sisters are people that you knew that like lived in the house with you. And it felt like kind of ghetto to like have this like discombobulated family. Mm. Now nah, I love ghetto, but like then I was just <laughs> like, this is weird. And so I remember when I found out that I think him and I had mutual friends and I feel like we had met like, like really? like away from our parents like he just met somehow oh, wow. um and we connected and then like it just kind of fell off throughout the years but like now and i would say maybe it's before i moved out here so like in the last six years six seven years i've taken it upon myself especially now to like build a relationship so like when i go home i'm definitely seeing him i keep in communication with mm-hmm. him he just had another baby so he has two kids like so we we keep in constant communication so growing up i didn't really know him like at all um so my other three brothers so my dad has that child he has another child um d who lives in nashville and i always him and I were connected, but he lived with his mom. And so he was the sibling I could look up to who was doing stuff in line with what I want to do. Like he went, he played basketball, went to college, you know, all that type of stuff. So he was kind of like the golden child of like, you know, D played basketball. He getting a scholarship. Like you gotta, you know, you gotta get a scholarship or whatever, like D, excuse me, whatever, whatever. And so those were my dad's two kids and my mom's two kids, Terrence and William. I was around them more growing up. And so, William is the oldest and he's probably like, I'm so bad with ages. Maybe, I don't think he's hit 40 yet. If he, he might be like 39, something like that. Um, and him and I aren't like, we aren't as close. Like we don't talk on a daily basis or anything. Like when I go home, like we talk yeah. definitely. Hey, and my, doing? yeah, and my mom wants us to have like a closer relationship, but it's hard because my brother Terrence, who, he was killed when I was a freshman in college, like wow. heavy information all of a sudden. Well, your um, brother was killed. Yeah. So my brother, again, ghetto shit. So my brother um, was in a gang mm. and he's always, my brother is like the smartest gangster you would have ever known. Like mm. he was in a gang, but then also in college with like a 3.5, like just, just shit where you're like, huh? Mm. And so he was the one who went to jail, who used to always draw. Oh, and wow. so him and I always had a connection. So out of all my siblings, him and I were always the ones that connected. Wow. And my freshman year, year which was 2007 he was um it was like a whole it was a whole situation he was long story short he was dating this girl who was a year older than me so her and I went to middle school together and I knew because I think she got like uh put back a grade or something so we were in the same class so he was dating a girl who was a year older than me so I always thought she was sketchy because I'm like she's a year older than me so when I was a freshman in college he was murdered and he was 29 so when i turned 29 this year i was like well because i was 17 and i was like and being 17 and him dying at 29 felt like i feel like he was older than what he was so when i turned 29 this year i was like first thing i thought about actually i was like my mom has to be fucked up right now because it's so many things that can trigger a parent when they lost a child it's like it's like a whole i would i wouldn't wish that shit on nobody because just the things that i see my mom go through from like holidays or like you know um 
when he was murdered, the reason why I brought up the girl was because this is like so messy. This is like first 48 shit. So it is, it is. So one of the theories that is like, I think happened is that, um, she had, she was messing around with like some other dudes that were like deep in the shit and they wanted to rob my brother and she set him up and just how it all went down. It like, it's clear. And they went missing for like, it was like a couple of weeks. I didn't know until they were missing for like a week. Cause my mom, tried, I was off at college. I went to college like two hours away from my hometown. And when I left the college, you would have thought that I was in Alaska. Like I never went home. Like I, I was fucking gone. When I was gone, I was gone. I only came back holidays. Like I was in mm-hmm. another state. And so they kept it from me for probably like, maybe like a week and a half or something like that. And they ended up finding, I forgot how long he was missing, maybe like two weeks, but it was like right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And they found him and her like in the trunk of a car. Mm-hmm. Like he had been executed. Oh my and yeah, God. and they had been there for a minute. And so when, like when all the kind of like dust settled and like investigations happened, they realized that like she was alive longer than he was. Mm-hmm. And then my mom had picked up on little shit. Like she had called the girl's mom and was like, have you seen Terrence? Her name was Shalana. Have you seen Terrence and Shalana? And she was like, no, I haven't seen them. And then when like records and shit came back, she had talked to her daughter like past that time. So she knew the mom knew. I feel like the girl had maybe called and was like, well, they do know that she called and was like, here's my daughter's social security number in case anything happens. So the girl definitely played a part to this day. We still don't know how. And it's just fucking crazy how kind of segue how triggers happen because my friend who I mentioned is the band director at the high school we used to go to. He just got that job. He used to be a band director at the middle school. He called me one day and he was like, guess who in my class? And I was like, who? He was like, Shalana's daughter. So the, so the mom, so the lady who framed my brother, her daughter was like in his class. And that's when I discovered I wasn't over that shit. Cause my first thought was like, fuck that child. And I was like, wow, Lacey. That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's deep. Like, yeah. can't say fuck a child. Like, girl. Yeah. <laughs> but I was so mad. I was like, fuck you and your mama. But like, you right, can't, right. I can't help it, you Absolutely. know? Um, which if I was to see that child, I would never be that rude. So listeners, don't think I'm like heartless, but it was when he said that I was, it was just, it was no, like no I mean, sympathy. It was sure. just like, fuck that. So going back to the original question, like that, that's the brother who I was closest with and mm. maybe was age, even though we were pretty far along, it was, yeah. You know, he he was kind of like in the streets, like messing with girls, and so he was always very protective of like, you see me messing with these hoes, but you don't, oh, don't don't be doing this or whatever. Or like, you know, I remember clearly before I went to college, I went to his spot. We were like kicking it. He had his little homeboys over there playing the game, like whatever. And he was like, you know, here's like a stack of money for school. Here goes here goes stack of money, and I know you want a game system. Here's a stack of money for that. Like he always made sure I was taken care of, whether mm. it's you know my bodyguard or you know teaching me how to fight he gave me my first niece who's like named after me like it was such a mm. a staple in my life so after he was killed it kind of just felt like i didn't have no siblings it was like mm. you wow. know i have y'all which yeah. everybody is a half in which i never identified with like i never knew that half siblings weren't whole siblings if that makes any sense For i sure. didn't know that until someone else was like oh like that's your half sibling and i'm like what that mean we got the same mom or like the same daddy or whatever yeah. so mm. um I think that's what kind of when I even kind of like that's where things kind of broken of like the person who I was closest to was taken away from me. And like now I'm just like kind of not even trying to get connected to anybody on that type of level. So for me and I go back to my brother Cameron, who was the brother I didn't know about. It kind of feels like 
not like a redo but it's like okay we we haven't known each other as long like we're close in age like we we're into the same shit like we got mutual friends which is like crazy because like when we interact on social media it's people who comment like i didn't know y'all was related because it's just yeah it's people who like knew him and knew me we went to the same high school or something like weird um so yeah so my my relationship with my brothers have always been very i don't want to say it's been always distant because there was that that overlap like when terrence was here and like he had his daughter like i was always you know taking care of her and terrence was like a rolling stone he was a hoe i ain't gonna lie like he has at least six kids by himself which adds up to the 14 (laughs) so i think he has like six my brother d has four cameron has two and then my other brother has three so whatever that number is but um yeah it's it's always been like a a weird type of of relationship because even with me being close to Terrence like if I tell him something he would kind of keep my other brother William updated of like okay this is what Lacey doing but since he's not there no more it's kind of like mm, my wow. mom's like you need to like call your brother when right. you come home and I'm like it's not that I don't want to it just feels like forced relationship for sure so I don't know and, it's, and you weren't so you were in college at the time or just getting into college yeah well I so I started August like fall 2007 2000 yeah 2007 mm. and he was killed that that Christmas break yeah <laughs> so it was literally like I, I remember going off to college and him being like I'm about to lace you with this like because I grew up of course like on Jordan's like that's where I got like my style from like Jordan's hip-hop go change like that's that was the life that i got from my brothers from witnessing whether it was like gang culture or like whatever yeah that's where i got a lot of my identity from Mm. especially in those areas and so it's so many moments where i can think about where i'm like oh i know how i how i got here and it's it's funny because my mom always says this and i kind of believe in like reincarnation and like like existing in different periods of life my mom was like I feel like you're living the life. Basically, basically you picked up where your brother left off and mm. you're doing it. And it's always, it's interesting. Someone's going to hear this and be like, that bitch is crazy. But I feel like with every death, it equals a new life. And mm. with my brother dying, I don't, I didn't realize it then, but I feel like he gave me a new life because mm. again, when I started school, I wasn't thinking shit about being a creative. And when I think about his life, he was a rapper. He wanted to move to L.A. I had no desire to ever live in L.A. It never even ran across my mind. Like, it was so many things that he wanted to do that are, like, directly in line, like, working in the industry, entertainment. Again, I was going to be a lawyer. I was going to go to the FBI and be, like, a computer science agent. It's so many things that were directly in line with, like, his dream that Mm. have, like, now become my dream. I didn't even ask for it. So my mom is... he was always your guardian angel. Yeah. And, And to this day, like, it's... I've never even gotten a speeding ticket. And I get chill bumps when I think about it because I'm like, somebody got to be watching me because my speedometer don't work. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't worked for a minute. <laughs> I'm like, my black ass out here blessed. <laughs> and so, yeah, he he's always, I just, and, then, and it's it's interesting because I've, I've always been connected, and it's going to sound hella like hippie LA, but I've always been connected to the idea of spirits. Like even... Before he died, I remember in like an old house. I used to tell my mom all the time. I was like, I think this house is haunted. Like, there's some shit going on. And she was like, no, you're tripping. And my bed, so if this was my room, like, the door was right here. And you know how, like, you just kind of feel somebody walking by and you'll just turn? I used to do that shit all the time. Like, I'll turn and I'm like, it's nothing there. Like, I was just so sick of myself. Like, why do I think it's people walking by? And it was one 
situation and, and I remember it was because um my mom was deep in church and she was like an armor bearer. She was always serving somebody. We was always doing the most at church. And that morning she wanted to get like like pantyhose and peppermints. That was like her thing. She needed her I goddamn feel that shout out to mama. Yeah, she needed her goddamn peppermints and stuff. So we go to Walmart. We had like two bags. I had a bag to have my stuff. She had her bag. So I get home, put the bag on her bed. Remember it clear as day. Take my bag to my room. And she comes out yelling like, where's my bag? I'm like, it's on the bed. It's not on the bed. I'm like, it's on the bed. We had two bags. I have a bag and you have a bag. It's on the bed. And she's like, it's not on the bed. And so we're like looking around the house. I'm like, mama, we literally went to Walmart. I got in the car and I got here. So the bag has to be somewhere. And so I remember we were arguing for like 15 minutes and she just got irritated and like went to do her makeup. Maybe like... I don't know, seven to 10 minutes later, she walks in her room and was like, oh, the bag's here. And I was like, I I didn't just come put this bag here. Mm. I'm telling you it's something in this house. That's and that was the wild. first time she believed me of like, how did this bag get here? And I'm like, you you didn't hear me walk in here. You would have heard the bag. And so it's, it's interesting. She was like, you've always just been in tune with like, whether it's spirituality or whatever on a different level and not like a creepy one where I can be like calling spirits and shit because that creeps me out but like I've just I feel like I've always just been in tune with something and so now especially with having my brother as a guardian angel it's like I feel like he has to be here because it's some shit that I've done where I'm like Mm. I would have never guessed it like how even coming to LA I'm like how this was never a dream of mine do you think that his life being cut so short and also his life being cut short before he was able to fulfill you know, the dreams and the aspirations that he had led to you really seizing the moments more. Yeah. And I don't even mm-hmm. think I knew that I was doing it as I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I ever made that connection. Subconscious. Be- yeah. Cause even going back to childhood and like how I was raised, I mentioned like my mom, my mom and my dad are very tough people. Like I mentioned my mom is the oldest. She said, always take care of everybody. My dad, like I mentioned, he, he never really had that mama figure to like raise him. So, sure. He's yep. all, he's been like, I've seen my dad one time. My dad, um, like ripped open his hand somehow and we went to the emergency room and the wait was too long. He was like, I'm not, we're not going to stay here. And I was like, but your hand is open. Like, <laughs> what you mean? We're not going to stay here. We went to CVS and he bought a sewing kit and he sewed up his own oh hand my God. and I helped him thread the needle. And I, oh. that was some of the craziest shit I've ever seen. And I was just like, you were strong on a whole different level. And that's oh. when I knew that line up. <laughs> That's oh. when I knew I can like take you to the place where he did it. I knew then that like my genes were on a whole other level. I was like, y'all are so, which is pros and cons to being that level of strong. Um, and I think that as I've grown up, it's been me trying to like shed that strongness. Like I, I, I love having the strength that I have, but it also hurts because you don't, you're not that vulnerable and nor do you let people in. And so that's why I mentioned earlier of like having those conversations with my friends where I'm like, okay, like let's, mm. let's take the veil You tend to away. just plow through. Yeah. Because if not like my, my family and like just how everybody, I mean, my dad was raising himself for a long time. And I remember when I moved here he was the only person who, I don't want to say he wasn't supportive, but I mean, that's just, that's the truth. He wasn't supportive, but he wasn't, he didn't say like, oh, you know, I'm not going to talk to you if you go or something like that. He was just like, you know, you need this amount of money to make it in LA. You know, you don't know nobody. It's not safe. Mm-hmm. Like all these different situations. And so 
but I realized it was just him being scared because sure. like I'm his baby girl course, and then yeah. when he went you know he went to go gossip to my grandma like I can't believe she moving blah blah he was she was like you did the same shit she was like you know when you got this age you left and like went to the military you did all this traveling like she's literally walking in your footsteps and it just scares you so I mean that goes back to like tying generational things but when when did you move to LA uh, 2013. So it's been five years. It'll be six in January. So you went to college. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go to school? University of Alabama. Uni- roll Tide. Ooh, if y'all roll watch tie. football. Roll Tide. Yeah, <laughs> yes. SEC. Hands down. Um, through, I want to, I want to kind of touch in, in this interesting time of college because is it we we always look at college like it's a time especially as a kid where you're free for the first time mm-hmm. right just no parents nothing you get to even reinvent yourself sometimes you know like you can grow up in the same neighborhood same friends right. go to school not know anybody and be the person that you actually want to be and shed that old person yeah. um through going now you you're in college and you have this traumatic event happen with your brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're far away enough from being, you know, you're away from home. You're not right. like in it, in the throes of that and, and dealing with the, all, the family dynamics day to day. Yeah. You're, you're far enough away throughout your, like your experience in college, where was kind of your path going? Were you, um, thinking about career? Were you thinking mm-hmm. about, um, just kind of this new experience and enjoying it yeah. or were you just like, I need to get away from, from home life and become my own person. Where was kind of your mind at? I think it was a combination of everything. Honestly, Mm. like I, I wanted to get away so bad because by the time I went to college, so many things have happened, like family dynamics. Um, like I mentioned, like I was mostly raised with my mom and then there was a shift. Like my mom had like, like I mentioned, she had a rough, childhood like dealt with drugs all types of stuff and mm-hmm. that that came back as i got older and it came at a pivotal time where i didn't need that shit to happen like maybe into high school like like pivotal years where like you need you know you need your mom and so there were a lot of like just crazy family dynamics and just like drama and shit and just stuff so i remember it's funny one of one of my sister-in-laws who um was actually dating my brother around mm-hmm. the time where he passed. Um, she, I, I said it to her and she, it's funny cause she came to visit me early this year and she was like, Lacey, you said that shit when you were young, you said that you were going to get the fuck up out of here because it, everybody was crazy. And like, you just wanted to like get away and experience something different. And so I think that was, that was the biggest piece was like mm. just getting away from everybody and kind of just, you know, creating my own life and in whatever that that meant and sometimes you just need to get away to figure out what that is yeah to just so you, you can really be like do. all right let me just figure out what this blank canvas looks like exactly so I can do something because it's super messy right now exactly yeah. but then at the same time i carried over habits that i had you know when i was in my hometown which i mentioned i was always busy i was always in some extracurricular activity mm. And now that I'm grown, I've realized something, which is I have a habit of being super busy 
and I mentioned it before of being like in that hamster wheel. And when you're in that wheel, you're just like getting shit done. You're not yeah. actually necessarily thinking about what you're doing. You're or just processing. getting, yeah, you're yeah. just moving. And so that element of myself, I carried over into college. So it was funny because when I got to college, I was like, oh, you know, I purposely didn't take any band scholarships. I didn't take any track scholarships because I didn't want to be tied to anything where I would like, you know, I have, I have to be here. I have to go to practice. I, I've, I've been in extracurricular activities and been on like a monitor schedule my whole life that I was like, I just want to go and just do whatever the fuck I want to or maybe not do shit. Independence. Yeah. But I go to college and I get involved in like everything. I pledge a sorority. Like I just, <laughs> I do, I do all, I, I always kept myself busy. And mm. so, um, to an extent, it was like one, independence and freedom and two, wanting to like explore. Cause I mentioned my mom being strict, which being dramatic as a child, I thought she was way more strict than she actually was like now that I'm an adult, but. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be free. You know, it's yeah. always those jokes about when you're young and you want to go to McDonald's and your mom is like, do you got some McDonald's money? Like I was ready to have the McDonald's money. I was ready to just do my own shit and not have to like answer to anybody. No one watching me, like none of it. So it was, it was for sure about independence. Like mm. I just wanted to go create my own thing and kind of just like act like life wasn't even existing in my family life looking back at it do you feel like that pushed you to really take independence on on your own like your mom egging you on that way and also letting you know like look if you want something you got to go get it yeah if you want something it's not i'm not going to be here for you all the times to to get it for you you have to get it on your own do you think that was a a factor in enabling you to be the hustler oh hell yeah and especially like now like past college like now i can directly correlate like my mom's level of like actually was really just her hustling and watching her get stuff done and i mentioned like her having all these different business ventures and different things like different shops that she would open or like i remember she did t-shirt design and it was like like kind of like Christian design because every all this all the churches wanted like personalized shirts and all this shit, <laughs> and it was like a thrift store that is kind of like the Rose Bowl flea market but like much smaller. I remember her setting up booths there, like she'll be selling everything, so she'll sell her shirts. But at the same time, she's like, "Oh, we're gonna get some like ice cream wholesale from Costco's, and you're gonna sit at this cart and you're gonna sell it." And I used to, I hate selling things. <laughs> like talking to people and getting them to sell stuff was not my. I used to just, I just felt like it was like children's slavery and i was dramatic as a child of like i don't want to do this but that level of like hustle Mm. and the amount of different skills that she has at once is like my direct life and the only difference is my mom didn't have the tools and the people to help her like foster and bring together all Mm. the skills into one which resulted in her like doing different quitting it like starting quitting things starting and quitting things or like not even quitting but kind of just phasing out Mm -hmm. versus like okay you know how to like cook like very well to where people want to buy your cakes and you know how to like design these shirts you know how to cultivate a community you know how to like create like a demographic and niche and like know who to go to she just didn't know that terminology or like how to cultivate that so when I finally realized I was creative and like moved out here and I'm doing all these different things, I was confused because I'm like, okay, I love design. But then I started working at Disney 
I learned about illustration and I was like, huh, I'm not like Pixar, you know, level, but I like doing this like vector shit. This is cool. But then I also like photography, but then I also like motion. And so I was getting in like different situations over time where one people were telling me you got to pick one thing mm. and be good at it, which I had this like asshole of a man at Disney, like get into my ass about that. And, and I've had multiple people tell me you should focus on one thing, but I realized that it's not that I have to focus on one thing. I just have to realize how all these skills play together and how do I move forward with these set of skills? Mm. And that was very different than my mom. She has all the set of skills. She don't know how to package it. So for right. me, it was like, Oh, I recognize that I have this same like issue, but it's not an issue. But in my situation, I have to figure out how to like package this to where I'm not being sporadic and I'm starting and stopping things. But like I can be a designer and an illustrator and no photography because knowing photography helps my other work or knowing how to like direct things helps me like work in teams better or like figure out how to package all this into one. And so that's something that like, I totally give my mom and my dad, my dad has been a hustler too. It's just, it's his hustle is, um, it's more technical. It's like, you know, the, ele- the electrical stuff It's different things. He's, he's definitely like a country boy. Like I said, he sold up his own goddamn hand. That's like insane, he does stuff yeah. like that all the time. Like he's, Wild. he's had like, I don't know, a stroke, a heart attack, all these things. He just stays alive. Like, and not just like alive at the house. I mean, alive and working like yeah. where I'm like, they told you you supposed wow. to be dead like so many like severe gout he's never crippled like just weird shit where i'm like Crazy. y'all are strong wow. on a whole different level yeah. um so it's been me observing all of that and again i gotta give give credit to my mom because as i've grown up i'm like oh wow this is where i've developed the same type of these extraordinary things, yeah. like sure. the skills but it's just up to me to figure out how to better like package them to where i'm not you know sporadic or i'm you know not utilizing my skills in a way that i should so it's a lot. I want to take it back. And I want to take it back to your college days, right? Uh-oh. Because, so wait, in high school, you were doing track and band? Yeah. And you had scholarship opportunities for both of those? Yep. Didn't and you chose nothing. not to take them? Mm-mm. Okay. So you obviously wanted your freedom and freedom of choice and selection and these things. Right. You went to college. Where did you go? To, you went to Alabama. Alabama, which I would tell you that another reason why I didn't take anything was because one, my friends gonna kill me. <laughs> one, a lot of my scholarships were to HBCUs, which I was interested in the HBCU, but I already knew from like so Alabama A and M is in my hometown, and I I grew up there, so I didn't want to stay there. That was number mm. one. Number two. I knew how they handle like financial aid and all that shit. The office is trash. Anybody who ever attended, they can agree that like it's trash. Um, like how they handle your money, and your scholarships in every other school. One, the first issue was I didn't want to be in band or in track, especially band, because I knew what that meant. I gotcha. knew that like being in a black band for sure, all your time, you're going to have to go through like a year and a half of ha- your adult hazing. experience is band. Yes. Yeah. And you got to go through hella hazing. I went through like so much hazing in high school for like just different things. And I'm like, I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> um, and to be, to be clear about it, it's like, I grew up in a family where they're like, you need to go to school for something that's like going to pay the bills. As I said before. And when I looked at it all, I'm like, University of Alabama is a white ass school. I've only been around black people my whole life, mm. which is like very rare. Like when I meet people out here, they're like, girl, I'm looking for the black people. I'm like, I've been around black people my whole life. And I knew one thing, which was being around black people 
was my comfort zone For but sure. I knew that shit wasn't real life like I knew I wasn't gonna go out into a yeah. corporate area and like be It'd around be people all, that look yeah. like me it was mm-hmm. a fucking lie like I love the idea of it but like my high school probably my senior class then we had like one white guy maybe like one white guy one Asian guy I don't know but like it was hella black which like when I talk to friends I love that I grew up in the experience but I'm like I need to go somewhere where it's a total culture shock. That's very courageous mm. of you to even like think that and want to actively put yourself I love in risk. I, I love, I'm a very like, a highly like calculated risk taker. For sure. Like even with quitting my job, it sounds, I was like, why did I do this? But I just knew it was like, it's perfect. It's time to do it. And so that's why I went to Alabama. And I don't even know what you're asking me, but. Don't worry, I'm going to take it there. Right. <laughs> But I had to throw that in there. It's like, no, for yeah, sure. that, no, that's totally, why for sure. I chose to go that route was just because it you was, wanted the freedom to go to school, also be put in an environment that you hadn't experienced before yeah. and be able to grow into comfort yeah. from uncomfortability. Yeah. And right. I knew that even if I got the same education as my peers, that that school on my resume and and it also came from being in Alabama and also being around like people who view like people who view like classism in a different way where they're like oh this black girl went to this school went to alabama the same school that like probably if i ran into a white guy in alabama his his children and like grand everybody went to that damn school so i knew because again i wasn't thinking about being outside like in california anything i was thinking like okay i'm probably going to be in the south so that name the name no matter what the fuck i do at the school when I say it's I was, like the USC, to yeah, 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 like USC. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even when I came out here, people still respect the school name, and I'm like, oh For wow, sure. interesting. Yeah. So I knew that like it would just it just would have been Carries the best choice. Yeah. yeah, it would have been the best choice. And again, from childhood, I saw that convertible, and yep. I was like, I gotta get it. Like I, I have to make some money, and I know by me going to play in the band at ASU as lit as that shit would have been yeah. I would have been miserable at the level of responsibility and right. having to like do all this shit <laughs> for years and two I know I can get a better better education like I didn't even I didn't even realize people were using Max until I got to Alabama and I looked in, wow. in the room and I was like what is all this it's shit crazy how with you an chose, apple on it <laughs> yeah you chose education over free college tuition yeah I mean that shit it sucks right now <laughs> I feel that yeah, I feel yeah. that Fuck Sally Mae, but uh-uh. Sally Mae. <laughs> one of the things I want to touch on, especially in your college experience, is you went to college and you majored in criminal justice. Yep, with a minor in computer and political science. Okay, why? I don't know. <laughs> so, what was it about that? Like, the, you literally had a major and two minors. I was one overachiever. That that was one, and I didn't know. I wasn't the overachiever who knew she was being an overachiever. I was just like, oh, I'm interested in this shit, and let's figure out a way to do it. So criminal justice came from wanting to be a lawyer. Okay. Um, one thing that I still stick to to this day is that I love to solve problems. And that mm. rolls into, like, my creative. I, I'm, I'm a strategic, sure, sure. creative thinker. Like, yep. I feel like there is a way to get anybody out of any situation. Like, mm. I, I, it may not be legal. <laughs> <laughs> but you can get some shit. But there's a way. <laughs> there's a way. If my friend coming with an issue, Olivia Pope over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when I saw that show, I was like, that's me. That's me. Anytime my friend's coming with an issue, like, like I mentioned, my friend earlier is going through like hard financial times. Soon as she sit down, me, I'm like, okay, boom, let's do A, B, and C. Let's 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 figure it out. Yeah. We can figure this shit out. For so sure. it was that level of. Um, kind of like be, be, that's what being observant in my childhood and in investigation where I'm like, I think I can like strategically figure out 
you know, just issues. And so that was a criminal justice. And honestly, anytime you take criminal justice as a major, they recommend taking political science. And for me, I wanted to understand like, not necessarily politics when it comes to like America and like government, Mm. but like, Politics, like now, now that I'm in LA, I know what politics really means. For sure, and right, it was funny because right. I was drawn to that in college, but I just didn't know what it meant. And so I kind of mean politics and like the way you think, the way you think, and like power, and like how to make moves, and like how to make the best choices for yourself, and like being able to like gauge someone's feelings, or like being able to look and tell how you move by your body language, like I, all that. I was very intrigued by because mm. I was observant, and so, um. The computer science part came from always being interested in technology. And that was a weird thing. That creativity always festered in my life. I just always try to keep it like a minor. It was never a major. It was okay. You stay down here where you're not like as intimidating. And like, I could kind of like put you as an afterthought. Yeah. And so I could taste you a little by little. Yeah. But but we're still getting in it. Yeah. Yeah, We're still going to dig it. Put my like big toe in it. Yeah. And throughout my, (laughs) throughout my college courses. Shout out to the big toe. Yeah. Yes, you gotta you gotta just test <laughs> yeah, it out a little bit. It's like hot or cold, like what's going on? Um, through my college courses, I realized that I love the computer science part of it. Now, when it came down to like the HTML and like see when stuff started getting mathematical, I was like, oh shit, I don't know. Let's reel it back in. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of numbers and shit that's happening. Um, but I really loved it. And and again, it goes back to that internship where I already had an idea what design was from my roommates. And the internship introduced me to Adobe and I, it was just, which internship? So I interned the with FBI, FBI yeah, which was like, I really only interned there because they gave us a list of places. You had to do Ooh, an internship. What was that like? Well, I was a good clean girl then. So it was easy. <laughs> so they gave us a list of places and was like, you know, here's your internship options. And I, I honestly think that like in my heart, that's when I realized that criminal justice might not have been for me, but I wasn't ready to accept that, nor did that sound like something I could like accept. Mm. I can't just be like, oh, I'm already, I'm almost done with this shit. And now I'm like, so yeah, you, you, you've already gone this far. So when I looked at the internship options, I'm like, I'm not going to be a probation officer. Like I'm not going to go, you know, um, shadow a firefighter. Like none of it seemed interesting, but I saw the FBI and I was like, not only does that sound lit, but that'll look really good on my resume. Cause again, optics, like I was always thinking about like what's, what is going to look good on my resume so that I would never get turned down for a job? Cause wow. that was also like that level going yeah. to Alabama, like yeah. different things. Like Success. I, like those optics. little strategic moves. Yeah. yeah. Like I was very, like, I just, I wanted to be successful. And so I was like, you know, I'm an intern with the FBI. And I remember the head of the department being like, okay, girl, we've had so many students try to do this shit and they can't pass the polygraph because everybody's smoking weed. And I'm like, oh, no, good. At that point, I had never done anything. I had never smoked wow. or anything. Like I was, it was, it was funny because I've, I've always had this personality where, I appear rough around the edges because again, growing around boys, I'm a tomboy. I'm, I got the Jordans on. For some reason, people equate Jordans and streetwear with weed. So people, <laughs> <laughs> so people just thought I was probably doing, and when I tell people now, like, oh, I didn't smoke until I moved to California. They're like, your whole life? I'm like, my whole life never smoked. Um, but I also grew around gang shit and just other shit where sure. I was like, I just feel like it's not for me. Yeah. Um, 
So I was like, oh, girl, I'll get, th- I'll pass the poly- polygraph with like flying colors. So I, we had to go through the whole process if you're going to intern as if you were being an agent. So you how was that process? Extensive background check. Like those motherfuckers were showing up on, on campus in suits. Like I remember, kid you not, I was eating with one of my friends, like in the dining place on campus and a man walks in in a suit. And he like asked for her, and, and while we're eating, I'm looking like, who is this man? Mm-hmm. And she goes off with the man, and then like later on, she comes back home, and she was like, "Bitch, that was your fault." Like they were interviewing me because of you, because wow. like we lived together. So I mean, they went to my home, they interviewed people. Yeah, I went through that whole process. I obtained like a top secret security clearance, Crazy. one of the highest ones you can get. And to me, like I, to me, it wasn't a big deal because, like I said, I was pretty clean. Straight I had never now, done yeah. anything like. It was it was easy. And so from that internship, um, I ran across Adobe Suite, like randomly, like working with with someone on the team. And I did everything at the internship from like reception to surveillance where like I sat in the car with a woman literally all day and we just staring like this person needs to come out this building at this time. And we're going to follow him to this place like real like life. Shit. Wild. Um, and when I went back to school, I found out I was graduating early, which again I was not trying to do that shit I was scared to death they were like oh, okay you graduating early because I had took a lot of AP classes in college oh. which I'm just doing the shit because I was qualified to do it and I was right. like oh, okay I can take this not AP realizing class. those credits like, count damn yeah. yes I was graduating a year early and I was like a year early oh wow. goddamn year and I was like this is some my parents were happy I'm like this is some bullshit because I don't know what I want to do with my life and I gotta buy <laughs> some ready. time I gotta buy some time and so a combination of buying time being introduced to Adobe Suite in that uh, internship. How crazy is that you were introduced to that in the FBI? I know. Crazy. Wow. Like, that's the seed that, 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 that planted that like Yes, blossom. in criminal justice. Weird. Wow. And so when I found out I was graduating early, they were like, you know, you got to take these amount of classes. It wasn't a lot. And I knew I needed to take like, um, I think it was like an elective. It could be in anything. So I chose like clothing textile design just because it was random and since i got introduced to being creative and that was the first time i thought i had been introduced to it yeah i was like oh well let's do this like i researched the class it was some um it was some website i used to go on maybe it helped somebody what is it called oh right my professor.com it was oh, like yeah. like oh, a I myspace yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would just figure out like what's easiest for yep. that you don't have to really yep. think in yep. and so it was that class <laughs> And when I took it, I was like, wow, this is easy as shit, number one. But number two, I love the freedom of creating. Mm. And so I think that's when it really hit of like, okay, I have my two roommates who uh, majored in advertisement and minored in design. So mm. I so I already kind of knew about it, yeah. but I was just never invested in that side of their careers like that. Because I mean, we were just kicking it in college. Mm-hmm. So it's that mixed with the internship, mixed with me signing up for this class that made me realize of like, okay, you ain't got shit to lose. You about to graduate early anyway. So you might as well figure out like what this is. And so I investigate the program. I talked to like the main teacher who did all the graphic design classes because mm-hmm. it wasn't as popular. I don't know if she, I don't know what it's like now, but it was one teacher that taught the main design courses and they were like, yeah, you know, if you wanted to do this, you could graduate within a year. It's going to be really hard because you have to like pile up on your studio classes, but essentially you can graduate in a year. And so I was like, well, I'm interested in this. I'm graduating a year early. If I could do this shit in a year, that's four years, two degrees. Can't nobody be mad. I'm already in debt. So <laughs> wow. I just decided to do it. Um, so I graduated in August 2010. 
and literally re-enrolled in school like that next week and then i was doing design and i just like maxed out basically whatever the max hours i could take i just took all that shit to basically get my studio classes in and then i was done that's crazy that's incredible it was crazy i didn't know what the fuck i was doing It, 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 it honestly feels like i feel like this is the first time i said this it feels like someone was like i was a puppet and not like in a negative really? way, yeah. but like I didn't. I, there was a guide behind you. Yeah, because yeah, I feel you like really didn't know. No, and yeah. even and it's so crazy. We don't know though. We don't. And that's make okay. Decisions. That's okay. It's it's so crazy because even now, like when I make when I made a decision to quit my job, it was a decision that I feel like my body and my soul came together and was like, "We doing this, girl." Yeah. But with the design thing, it was literally like. I'm interested in this and I don't have no time no more. Like I'm getting ready to graduate and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So let's come up with a plan and just do this. So it, it almost kind of felt like an escape goal at the yeah. same time. But behind the scenes, it was like the puppeteer of being like, girl, you think this. And like, who knows if you would have done that had you not interned with the FBI? Yeah. And it's just, and even explaining that to my dad and I, my mom was super chill. Like, oh, okay, you know, that sounds cool. My dad was like, you graduating a year early and you want to go back for this. And he still calls it like computer science to this day. Like, I don't know what he thinks. About you, but like, it, it made no sense. Like it, it, and I remember explaining it to people like, and the more and more I explained it, it was really me practicing to like, make it make sense of like, Oh, I'm doing this. And this ties in this way. And I'm but like, like no, then I'll go home. Like my line ass. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking <laughs> about. Well, after, 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 I don't know. after finishing that, and finishing college and you have kind of like these different you know experiences that are that are so vast like a multitude of wild like creative design (laughs) over here like fbi interrogation over here like computer science back here like all these all these things but after after you 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 did the creative in, in design now you're stepping out into the real world yeah still lost super lost with tons of tools though yeah, yeah. hella tools <laughs> <laughs> like what was that 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 kind of first step but like where was uh where were you going from there in terms in the sauce kid you not like I were you just like I just need to get a job I just need to get a job to figure this out let me let me just this is how this is this is the start of how I even got to California so I did the did the design thing which again was like me buying time the design thing is getting ready to be over. I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing in my as life. Much, you know, it's beautiful that you say that. As much time as we want to buy, like, it's well, still you, to an end, and we still don't Procrastination know. is a motherfucker. I'm still <laughs> yeah. procrastinating. All right, now that, I, now that I got time, I'm going to yeah. go chill. Yeah, I'm going to go chill. Exactly. I'm going to kick it with my friends for another year because y'all are still here. So we're going to kick it. That's the thing. Like, I was full of shit. So it's, and procrastination still kills me to this day, but. I got to that year when design was almost over and I still was like, okay, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Because again, a lot of my life I feel like was spent going through the motions, but not being mindful in what I'm doing. I literally, I feel like I just became mindful in my movements, like in the last year or so versus like constantly just going. And so I was like, you know what? I'm almost done. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And literally I walked into the student center one day. And there were two recruiters and I saw, all I saw was Disney and I was like, what y'all doing? <laughs> and they were like, oh, we're from the Disney college program. Like you can either go to like California, Florida, essentially you work in the park, but you can take all of these different classes and essentially, you know, Disney's on your resume, you're a part of it. They sold it. Yeah. And I was like, 
boom because i knew i can go home and say i'm going to intern with disney sure. disney is it this disney everybody knows disney it's a yeah, household sure. name uh, yeah, exactly. and so what i didn't know was the college program is great for people who are like freshman sophomore but i was a, i this is my second degree <laughs> <laughs> technically yeah. like second so when i get to orlando like my family comes and like you know they're gonna we're gonna do summer internship or whatever and the first thing that happens was before i left i got my hair colored it was like a dark maroon color it was one of those things you could barely even see unless i was like in the light like oh i got my hair like i'm ready first thing i get there there's like oh no you gotta dye your hair black because you're gonna work in the park and like we don't want anyone with like that basically they don't want you to look different mm. and so before i could even move in i was like i'm mm. over this shit because i had to have some random lady like dye my hair but it was just bad <laughs> it was bad from the jump mm. and so when you sign up for the internship which Disney's hiring practices are like, it's like a maze. So much so that there are like Facebook support groups for people who are applying for jobs. Because really? Hell yeah. Like More Disney- so than the FBI? Yes. That's why. Yes. Oh, you feel me? Yes. I mean, like. From someone that's gone through the FBI process to Disney being crazy? <laughs> crazy. At, le- at least with the FBI, they tell you exactly what's going on. Like, okay, you're going to do this, then you're going to do this, and yeah. this might take a month. Like, they tell you. Disney is like. I found out about the hiring process off Facebook groups. So it's like they Disney support groups. Really yes. The they call it like DCP, which is like Disney college program, like stuff on Facebook. If you look up DCP, like college program, Orlando or like college program, Anaheim, you'll find forums out mm. this world because when you apply for a job at Disney, it's definitely different steps. And it's certain wording that they use that can tell you you know, whether like your application has been like dismissed or certain things. So yeah. people have applied so many times that they have all the tea. So Unreal. I would like, I'll go on a group and this person be like, Oh, I just did my interview. So I'm like, okay, I know they're doing interviews, like just all types of shit. So I get there. Um, situation with the hair happens. I'm already over it. You sign up for the jobs that you want before you get there. So you can work in the park. You could be like a character performer. You can work attraction. You can work food and beverage merchandise. I said I wanted to do anything else in this world but food and beverage. That was like, I couldn't do it. Like, even, I've, I've had a job since I was 14, and it has never been food and beverage. It's all, my first job was a lifeguard, and I did retail. That was my yeah. shit. Like, it would, that's, I love swimming, yeah. save some lives, whatever. I can work retail, I can buy some clothes, whatever. Like, food and beverage is not my shit. Yeah. I pick everything but food and beverage. What do I get? Food and beverage. So wow. the hair shit pissed me off because <laughs> I had to color oh, my hair. Man. Then I'm you working in food and beverage. It's not even your last choice. Your non choice. Non choice. And I was like, what the fuck happened? Like, how did y'all read my application? I picked literally anything. I would have been Princess Tiana. That's the only black princess they have. I would have been anything than like, I would have been Simba than that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it was fucked up. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm in Orlando. I'm in a different state, like, you know, beaches here, whatever. It was like a whole roommate situation that I also didn't like, but they were cool. So I was doing this college program and I was also taking like Disney marketing classes. But for me, it wasn't, it didn't do anything for me because it was teaching you stuff like this is how you build a resume. This is how you build business cards. But since I had did criminal justice and design, between that time, I had already had a resume. Yeah. Like, You're like, which, I'm already gone from college. Yeah. Like, this is preparatory yes, shit. Yes, which is why I recommend that program for, like, freshman, sophomore. Because junior, senior, like, when you graduate, like, hopefully you already got this shit together. And so 
the class was like kind of bullshit. People were super nice. Um, I was working in a resort and it was one of the super affordable resorts. So literally everybody named mama was there. It was like the dirtiest ones, like, like the bathroom. Like it was just, it was trash. <laughs> it was the one where all the cheerleading groups come in the summer. So it's like a group of 300 girls and you're like, what eating serving fries? It was just a lot. And I'm like dropping fries and burgers for <laughs> oh, two degrees. Oh, and I'm man. calling home like, what? what, what the fuck am I doing? Oh, um, <laughs> but then oh. I was like, well, I'm away from home. And so, um, and by the way, I just want to make a comment right here. You've been so strategic in everything looking great yes. too. Like optics, 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 FBI, building the resume, like bah, bah, bah. just like yep. getting it to. So like, here I am. <laughs> and here you are. You're like, like buy yourself time. Yeah. Take that extra, the, the course. Shout out to the sirens. What do and now they okay wherever they going. And now you 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 come here. That's got to be it, just the 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 irony in that. It was it's, humbling. Yeah, it was humbling. It was. Um, I was already used to customer service from you know being in retail jobs, mm. which I was surprised. I was surprised that I even could exist in those spaces because of being so isolated and so spoiled. You know, mm. growing up of being able to serve in that way, and I think that job. Cause I was, like I said, I already did retail, but that job really heightened my, my thought level of like being able to serve and then also learning, learning like different demographics and different people. Cause everybody comes to Disney. I don't care if you, the brokers family, you probably know if they got kids, they're going to find a way to get to <laughs> Disney. Like it don't matter. So I was like, I was learning Spanish cause I had to talk to different people. Mm-hmm. And it's in Florida. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, it was so much shit that I learned. I was actually really, really good at it, which was funny. Mm. So then I ended up becoming a trainer. So when you become a trainer, you don't really do wow. shit. But, like, train people. Yeah. <laughs> I okay, a okay, so, in, like, so a you month. really went there, got the gig that you least wanted, yeah. and ended up becoming a trainer. I, my mom and my dad have always taught me how to be a hard worker. Even some shit that I don't want to do, I'll, especially if I have no choice. Like, if, mm. I, if I haven't figured out a way to get myself out of it, then I'm going to do it. Like, and I'm going to do it to the best to the of my best, ability. Because yeah. I also i like i like a check and i gotta get my check (laughs) like i gotta get my check that's also a testament though to anything that we experience we gain something from Mm -hmm. or we learn from especially in this society today where with the youth like i like i want to press this message of everybody's trying to figure out the perfect situation to get them to their perfect situation. Yes. That doesn't exist like that. Right. Like so many people are so scared of taking a step yes. because what they're doing doesn't line up with a linear path to the trajectory yes. that they want. Where in reality, anything that we do, we can gain things from. Exactly. Mm. And it's not always going to make sense. It's very rare that a person takes like, a straight direct path like yeah. one two three four step of where they need to be like unless it's a career where the steps you can't go past the steps like if you're a doctor it's just certain shit you got to do like absolutely. you really can't get past it absolutely but for most situations like the mm. path like my path is super weird like i was dropping like you fries. had the law criminal justice yeah. path ended up at disney yeah dropping dropping fries, fries. making dropping burgers, fries burgers scooping ice cream making milk i remember my arms used to be so tired from scooping like ice cream like literally like <laughs> red like like wrist fucked up like it was just it was just a lie but then i, I knew the things that i identify with was like 
as much as introverted as I am, I'm good with people. Like mm-hmm. if once I get into my mood where I know I got to like put on or whatever, like I'm, I'm good with working with people. Um, and I love, I love seeing people like just have a good time. Like, like y'all, even though I'm here doing a sucky ass job, like y'all at Disney World living your best life. Like it was, it was a part of it that was good. And so when I became a trainer, like I said, I wasn't doing shit. I was training people. I was, you know, working with managers and stuff. So I'm like, okay, you know, I can kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, network. Cause that was the thing they taught you in class is like, you know, well, if you do a good job, then you do this and you know, you impress this boss or whatever like that. And you have Disney on your resume. So I did it. I think it was like five or six months. Okay, cool. I moved back home. Um, I'm at home and I'm like, what am I going to do? Because mm. as I mentioned, Huntsville is more like mechanical. What are you mechanical engineering? Like engineering in general, uh, like NASA's there. It's a big military base. Wow. So it's very like militant structure, which yeah. also goes into like my personality of being like a structured type person. Sure. Um, so I get there and I'm like looking for jobs, looking for jobs, looking for jobs. And I end up finding a job at my old middle school, like exact middle school I went to, same teacher still there and shit. Um, and I was an IT analyst, which <laughs> touched into the computer science, science part. No. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't I know what the fuck I was Pulling doing. At the strings of just like opportunities. I feel you. But I, but technically it helped <laughs> me because technically I was a, um, like an IT analyst in college because my I had a job all through college. <laughs> I worked at the police department, y'all. It was the most versatility one hundred and one yes, over here. They let me drive police cars around campus, and I used to be like blooping on my friends, like bloop bloop, like riding. <laughs> <laughs> I was the most ratchet worker, but like I always yeah. did my job. <laughs> yeah. And my friends be walking up like, it's me. And they're like, bitch. Yeah. That was literally my job. My job in college was I was working in the police department. Yep. See? They know. Yep. Blue, blue. <laughs> they said what's up to us. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like terrified of police, which is crazy that I used to work in the police department. But like my job was to like take the cars to a download station basically where they plug in their cars and you download the video yeah so i would like do that and it will they have pcs in most police cars so it will always be some type of issue with like <laughs> with um whether it's you know something needs to be updated or like the camera not properly downloading and so they had an it guy that was distressed out like the sweetest guy he's always stressed out so he just needed help like he didn't have time to like drive the police car to the download station and i'm literally sitting in my car like what's sitting in their car like downloading tape and like on my phone so it was it was an easy job so from that that job mixed with computer science on my resume led to it analysts or whatever for this middle school so they gave all the kids laptops which is the dumbest decision it sounds mm-hmm. real good but i've literally had kids tell me like i'm not gonna do shit on this computer if you give me a book i got you yeah. but this computer i'm gonna figure out kids hella smart they figured out a way to like put uh nba whatever year it was <laughs> on a flash drive and sell it and i couldn't even be mad because i'm like that's the hustle like you yeah. got something exactly. you should be doing it y'all was exactly. burning cds and slanging them oh, left me and right. yeah. Yeah. i'll, I'll sell you a playlist in a minute i know some people <laughs> In high school that got like that that southern playlist but <laughs> it was lit like i sold candy in school i did a lot of like hustler type shit in school but um yeah so they gave the kids laptops they really weren't fucking with them and they always messed them up so they needed somebody in the school to like be hands-on and you know update adobe or you know install microsoft or like whatever it was very like minimal stuff sure, um sure. 
So I was doing that. I was working in the school. I had this, I worked in the library. That was like where my office was. So I was like hands on with the librarian. Her name is uh, Miss Maxwell. She plays like a key part. So Shout out to Miss Maxwell. Miss Maxwell, Maxwell is like, I love her. Like, I used to always say it's like my white mom. <laughs> my mom was like, you got another mom? I'm like, yeah, my black mom and my white mom. Like, she, <laughs> she looked out for me so much. And so the whole time I was working at this school, I was applying for jobs, mostly at Disney, because I was like, if I don't know shit else, I know I got the shit on my resume. Back in Orlando. Try, yeah. Try like yeah. Mostly there, back. Yeah. yeah. And it was all design jobs. Like, Every area, if they had a design job open Boom. or anything that was close to it, I was applying for it. So they probably had to see my resume like three times a day. So eventually, um, somebody calls. And again, going back to those forums, I had been in the run in for so many jobs that I just kind of knew the Disney game. Yeah. And so I was like, this is some bullshit. I ain't never gonna get hired. <laughs> so somebody called me one day and was like, you know, we've been seeing your resume <laughs> for all these jobs, but we really think you'll be good for this internship that's in California. I was not applying for jobs in California. Oh, wow. Actually, I was applying for jobs everywhere else but California, which I don't know why. Um, I mean, it's far. Yeah, I was, but that's the thing. I was applying for jobs in New York, Houston. Oh. Like, I was using other people's addresses. Like, if somebody moved, I was using their address. Wow. Like, and so applying for jobs everywhere. And this, this lady was like, you know, we had this internship in California. And I was like, okay, whatever. And she's like, you know, the hiring, uh, the manager is going to call you and have an interview. And again, I've interviewed for plenty of Disney jobs. I know the game is not going to go nowhere. So I'm actually on the road to Alabama for homecoming. So I'm like ready to turn up, whatever. Had this interview. And the lady is basically on the phone. She's like, I'm pretty sure I want you for this job. And the job was to design for this African-American exhibit. And it was funny because initially on the phone she didn't even know i was black and i could hear her clicking through my resume or through my portfolio which is trash it was real bad and now that i (laughs) it was god because now that i know her i know her she's a producer so she's not a designer her offer design is it isn't bad but it it isn't necessarily the best it's different yeah Yeah. so she really had no business hiring me i'm glad she did yeah yeah she shouldn't hire me because my portfolio was trash (laughs) it was not disney level portfolio that's why i was shook like she lying so we on the phone and i can hear her clicking through my portfolio she's telling me about this project and on my line i'm thinking like oh my god i'm gonna get to go to la and do some black ass shit like this is crazy and so she clicking and she goes to my about and she sees my photo and she's like, I could just hear her like trying to get herself together. And she's like, this is like absolutely perfect. She was like, I, I just told you that I already wanted to hire you. And now I know, I forgot how she said it, but basically she was like, you black. And this is a black ass project. <laughs> she didn't say it like that. It was definitely in some way that was like politically correct. Yes. And she was like. But her I, producer hat was on. She was like, we've just, she was like, we, we boy, did it. It was, it was we the light bulb went out. Yeah. Yes. It was a full yeah. circle moment for her. And yeah. I was in my car like, this bitch lying. <laughs> and so she was like, you know, we want to hire you, blah, blah. And she's like, HR, I'll call you on Monday. So again, I had just got to Tuscaloosa. I'm ready to kick it. So I got the phone with her and I'm like, y'all, this lady talking about she gonna hire me for this internship. She lying. So I go kick it and get drunk. And then Monday morning, HR really called me and I'm like, oh shit. Like, they're like, you know, here's the offer. It was like $20 an hour. They were given like a $800 stipend and relocation, which ain't shit. But for me, I'm like, oh shit, like I'm going to LA. And so my dad had to have, they wanted me to come like right before, it was either right before Thanksgiving or right after, but I know it was like around that holiday. And my dad was supposed to have a surgery like 
it was either in November or beginning of December. So mm-hmm. basically I was like, I ain't leaving the state until the surgery goes through. And at that point I emailed them to decline the offer basically. Cause I was like, they're not going to extend the offer you know, for me to start this date more than like, cause I, I didn't understand like, you know, corporate like negotiation or anything at that, at that point, that was number one. And number two, I was just like, I don't have no money. Like yeah. I was getting paid like 11 or $12 an hour at this place. Like I really just, I mean, I wasn't paying for bills. Like I was really just paying for my phone bill and like gas and kick it, like yeah. shit like that. And I was thinking like, let me just, you know, just decline this pipe dream. Like it sound cool, whatever. And they came back and they were like, well, could you start in January? And I was like, hmm. oh shit, I gotta go. Cause the fact, the fact when I basically declined it wow. and they came back and were like, can you come in January? Yep. I was like, okay, no, this is next level shit. Wow. And so I was telling, goes back to Miss Maxwell, I was telling Miss, she was there this whole time, like as I'm having an interview, like all the stuff. And I was, and all of her kids go to Alabama. Like her son had graduated maybe a year after I did and all her kids are there and she was just, she was fascinated by my path and she was just like, you gotta go. And it was this other lady. Who your path is super no. unconventional. But I didn't know that. Yeah. At that point, I just, I honestly thought I was a failure. Cause I'm like, I did, I got two goddamn degrees. I was dropping fries and now I'm like at home doing this, like. For an internship. Yeah. And I'm like, now I'm like this IT analyst and it just, it just, it didn't seem like it was right. So I was kind of like always in a shuffle of like figuring out what I want to yeah. do. Mm. So between Miss Maxwell and this counselor who used to come in once a week and like counsel the kids on stuff, both of them, I remember they set me down because Miss Maxwell had told the counselor lady and she was like, they're both like, you got to figure out how to go. Like no matter what it is. And they're like, figure out how much money you need it. And as a person who it was definitely pride, like I, I didn't like asking people for stuff. But when they told me I could come in January, something told me that like I need to figure out how to get there. So I literally reached out to every network possible, like Alabama Alumni Network. I knew they had chapters. So I was emailing all the chapters in the area. Like I'm a Delta, I'm in a sorority. I was emailing Deltas, basically like spilling. I still have emails that are like deep in my Gmail when I was spilling my story out. Like, hey, my name is Lacey. Like I have these two degrees. Like I have this opportunity. I don't have the money. Like basically telling people like if you, if you sow a seed into my life, I'll make this shit grow a hundred times. Like you just got somebody needs somebody to believe in me because I ain't got no goddamn money. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> but I just knew if I could get here, I didn't even know how it was gonna happen. But I was like, if somebody just believe in me a little bit, mm. if I could just get there. What got you to that point that allowed you to formulate that and send it? Desperation. <laughs> Desperation. Desperation. And yeah. it, that was literally that was the only uh, thing I, that right. was the only way Sometimes out. Sometimes our pride like is never like too good for yeah. desperation. Oh, desperation, yeah. And I knew that there was no I, I went to that college. Remember, I went to that college for a reason. Yeah. Because of the name. Yes. And because of the community around it. And I knew, like, rich white people in Alabama love University of Alabama. They, they that's, they bleed roll tide. <laughs> that's their <laughs> shit. And I was like, I was like, it's, besides race like is it roll tide will go over race a lot yeah. of times yes. they don't care how black i am they're like you went there okay cool <laughs> um and i also i pledge a sorority i ain't pledge a sorority to meet friends i already have friends like i wanted the scholarship and the service part of it and i also wanted to build a community of women that no matter where i go in the world i, I can know somebody and it mm. helped me when i came to la because one of the people i stayed with was like Someone in a sorority who I didn't fucking know, who was right. just like, I got this townhouse and you need help, so come here. Wow. And so, wow, beautiful. I was in Huntsville and I was emailing people, and this one guy, I think his name is like Steve Hall. I don't know. We still like talk every now and then. He hit me up and he was like, My wife and I want to give you, 
I think it was maybe like $900, something like that. And so him and I built a relationship like random man. And he, at first I was like, this is kind of creepy. Yeah. Like he wants something. And he was, <laughs> and he would like email me and he would ask me questions like, well, what have you done to get yourself there? Like, what have you sacrificed basically? And he was like, you know, I was telling him my budget and different things. And he was like, well, you know, well, what have you, um, got rid of your cell phone? And I was like, well, that's just something I can't do. And I'm gonna tell you why I can't do it. So I talked about like my dad's health issues and different things. And so him and I basically went through all the like cracks wow. of where I could save money. Yeah. And he realized that I was honestly doing everything yeah, that I yeah, could at that yeah. time. No stone was left yeah. Left. That was reasonable. And I was like, you know, at the least I would, if I can just get a one-way ticket out of like Nashville, which is like an hour and 30 minutes, it's cheaper than flying out of Huntsville. Huntsville's a smaller airport. If I can get a one-way ticket and at least have enough money to like, cause Disney gave me the stipend, $800 stipend. And they also gave me like two weeks of free housing and like mm-hmm. an extended stay right down the street, like from my apartment now, but like right down the street from Disney. So essentially you could like walk to work, but I also wasn't trying to do that. <laughs> you could walk to work. Um, and so we basically like went through every, it, we figured out the, the least amount of money that it would take for me to get here. And we were like, okay, if you could get that, you can go. Mm. And so I, I thought they were sketchy, but he definitely wired me that money. He was like, you know, this is from my wife and I, like we, That's he, wild. Yeah, he had like a similar story <laughs> to me and like skill set. He was like, you know, I used to do like a lot of computer science stuff, but I'm also like creative. And like, it was just something about the email. Cause it was, it was raw. It was pure. I was literally like, help. I'm help, desperate. Yes. Help. I'm broke. My family ain't got no I money. Yeah. My dad was like, you need like $5,000 to get there and like all this shit. And I think I left with more like a around 1200 with like two suitcases one i'm pretty sure was tied around with a belt like this shit was busting out the seams (laughs) it was raggedy as fuck like and i remember i just remember my mom and my dad because like they they still have their beef from time to time because like now i just i realize how much hurt and pain throughout the years they've had but then they always come together like when it's time like they they're they're best friends but they're always at odds about something for sure but like if, if say if my dad my dad his anger is crazy if he go out and curse out somebody and somehow end up in jail tonight and i find out and i call my mom and i'm like mom can you go handle it she's she's the real olivia pope she's handled sure. situations for me out here that are like she renewed uh uh a past warranty on a car battery I had sometimes just by calling autos on like how the fuck do you do this <laughs> but she'll be the one that'll go you know bail my sure. daddy out of jail just cause I want her to and For cause sure. she knows or whatever yeah. and so I remember them they have you yeah and that's it like which I don't know it's crazy but um I remember being at the airport that day and like my dad was just like in tears. Like both of them were just like sick of like mm. what the fuck is getting ready. Cause I, again, I didn't know anybody. I yeah. was just for something. How'd you feel? I the funny thing was I had, it's going to sound so heartless, but I was in that hamster wheel. I didn't have no feelings. I just knew you were just ready. to. I was go. just, go, I was just, just going. going. Cause in my thing is like, okay, I go to this unknown place. The worst that could happen is I come home, which to me, that was the worst thing that could happen. And that fueled me so much that I was like, by any means possible, like well, I would make this happen. I'm well, going to stay here. What's so crazy, though, is like it's L.A. It's a huge city. For yeah. Sure. Like totally different. Culture. I don't think I grasped. I don't I don't think I knew the severity of what I was doing. Just the culture shock as like, I was alone doing alone and the size and the magnitude of this entire city. Yeah. For sure. It's, you know, that's why it's like that it's so interesting that you're so in this in this mode of like I just gotta go camp the wheel work go go yeah. make it happen make it happen that 
I think anyone else in that position or most people would be getting on that plane like, what did I just do? Yeah. The, like as you're like ascending into the yeah, air. Yeah, why? What the shout fuck? Shout out to Anoush like eating the, 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 the Nutella pizza you right gotta now. You got to get a snack. Just letting the listeners know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get a snack. I feel I, it I feel though. I mid-podcast back. Uh, <laughs> Wait, bring the Coke with you. I think it's time for another one. Um, <laughs> yeah, bring it. <laughs> it's a snack break. <laughs> snack break. Um, yes. Most, I, I, I just think most people would be, you know, as the plane begins to ascend, yes. you're I feel like, like most people have like good sense, and I definitely didn't. In that what, what did I just do? But it's just a testament again to like. Not not a testament, just like a, an insight to really where your mind and your drive That's good. And, and and also that desperation was. It's like you didn't even have time or mental Mm-mm. capacity to have those emotions. No. You know? I didn't I didn't grasp the severity of what I was doing until I literally until I landed in LA and the first thing the first time where I got scared was um when I got to LA I mentioned I had two bags. And I had did like I did as much research as I could. And I knew that there was another girl that was interning with me because mm-hmm. we even talked about like living together. And like Disney had this whole like MySpace kind of like thing for employees and future employees where you could like match like roommates. It was like it was some I had talked to people there. So I felt like I kind of like knew someone. So I knew as long as I got to like Glendale that I'll be able to connect with someone. And yeah. so I knew that the super shuttle existed. And that I could get to LA, I can get a shuttle for like twenty dollars to my extended stay, whatever. So I get here, everything starts off so nice. Like the guy is like, "I'll take your bags. You go ahead and get in the van." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Nice LA people. Yeah, you yeah, know, nice, so nice, goddamn LA people. <laughs> so you know, the super shuttle, you can make a couple rounds around the airport before you actually leave. And so as soon as we pull off, maybe like ten minutes later, I get a phone call. Niggas, this Lacey Jordan. I'm like, yeah. They were like, your bag. And this is like right when we pulled up, they was like, your bag is at the airport. And I was like, like houseway. <laughs> like, and I'm like, sir, <laughs> did you put the two bags? And he was like, I just, he was like, I think I did. I just put one. So long story short, the guy left, which I don't know how he missed the, it was a big ass bag. So he missed a whole big ass bag. That's probably bag. why he's like, I'm not taking this one. This, this, yeah. uh, this is too heavy. I'm it was, this it was too much. Here. And so, let's just pretend we didn't see that. <laughs> right. He was lazy as fuck. So he didn't want to turn around and go get the bag. Oh, and so no. basically on the phone, they were like, we can arrange for it to be dropped off because y'all still got to drop off people throughout the night. So that leaves my first night of basically me arguing with the super shuttle people. They don't want to drop the bag. They, they're like, okay, we're not going to drop off the bag. And so it's first night. I already have one bag gone and (laughs) done. (laughs) And I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like, I ain't calling home and telling them this shit because it'll be the beginning of the end. And so. I forgot what day I landed here, but I know like the next day was like I had to get a rental car. And again, I had $1,200. The rental car itself was like 900 for like I know. two and a half, three weeks, some shit like that. Wow. And so my first full day in LA. So that happened. At, I got here that night. You know, all that stuff was happening that night. I woke up that morning. I realized they weren't going to bring the bag throughout that day. So they were like, you got to come get the bag. The bag is in Compton. I'm new to LA. So all I know about content is what I see on TV, which is like <laughs> gang gang, shoot them up, you know. It, it, I didn't know shit. And I, and then my rental car 
because the only one they had was like this like little SUV, like a soccer mom car. And I, I drive a Mustang. And it's funny because one of my one of my they home- gave her like the PT Cruiser. Yes. You know I mean? One of my homegirls corrected me the other day because I always say like, oh, you know, I'm always in a little car. And she's like, your car isn't that goddamn little. It's just the fact that like, because yeah. a Mustang isn't actually like, it's a big body type of car, honestly. Yeah, but it's, in the inside. Yeah, and it, it seemed little. And she's like, bitch, no, you got a, you got a regular size car. And I'm like, but it's little. But the point is, I'm used to like small inside, like zippy cars. Yeah. Like I'm not uh, an SUV and like trucks and shit. It's not necessarily yeah. my style yet it's some cars that i like but if you if you give me a choice i'm gonna drive a smaller sports car so i'm in this goddamn soccer mom car <laughs> my bag stuck in compton i don't want to call home because i just goddamn left <laughs> so i go get the bag it's like the sketchiest of the sketchiest places like it was just a whole experience and i'm like but that's when it hit where i was like damn like i didn't even realize I didn't realize how big the city was until I made that first trip. And just, yeah. just imagine driving on the 110 downtown oh through the city your second day yeah. in, a, in like a mom car. You literally got your up. introduction to the wild yeah, wild And West. I was just in there like, all oh, these so, cars. Like, I know. I remember pulling up my first stop. Like after I got my rental car, like I remember that night, I think after I got the bag, I went to In-N-Out because that's all I, I heard about In-N-Out. <laughs> and it was just so, it's so funny how foreign it was looking at, like, even when I go to it now, I was like, damn, I remember coming in the first time and just being like, how, what's, what's the entrance? And like, how was it set up? And like, why is it a person that's like taking an order outside the car? And like, what does wow. that mean? And what does he mean? Am I taking it home? Like, I'm in the drive through. Fuck you thought. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> like it's just, it was just weird. So. I honestly didn't think shit about it until that situation happened wow. where I'm like, this is real. Like I'm going to Compton and I probably look like a tourist because that's what it feels like. And so I didn't have any money. Like I said, the car was $900. The crazy thing is, and the reason why I know I'm meant to be here is because my mom had gotten into a car accident like months before I moved mm. and she was fine. But it was one of those situations where my mom was like, she's Olivia Pope. She going to sue your ass. She could sue you. So she sued this like person or whatever, this car accident thing. And I had the free housing for two weeks and like probably within after the first week I was like, okay let me start looking for housing because even how their payment system was set up I wasn't gonna have the check I needed in the two weeks to like because you know when you first start it's yes. like prorate or whatever yeah. and so I was trying to figure it out so I hit up like the delta groups and was like hey like I'm here I'm basically lost in the world like somebody help me and it was a lady in Altadena who's a lawyer who had like a three-story townhouse and she was like I can rent my room to you for like like a hundred dollars a week or some shit it was like mm. cheap so the day before the last day of my two weeks the craziest shit so my mom calls me and so she's in settlement in her car accident settlement not it's not supposed to settle for like another four to six months mm. she calls me and she was like don't ask how would i just settled i'm gonna put i'm gonna put like three thousand dollars in your account wow and i was like Clutch. Wow. Game. Like, it was like the end of game shot. Like, oh. Michael, like, game six. Like, wow. it's, it's go time. And it was, and that's how I knew I was like, oh shit. I'm supposed to, because it was like the last minute of like, all right, this is my last day of free housing. I got this woman who gonna let me stay with her, but I'm, I'm like, I could probably only buy myself like a week or two and yeah. I don't fucking know. And she was like, I'm about to put the money in your account. So that week that I was staying with the woman was like also me looking for an apartment. And I was just driving around like Glendale, basically like down the street from work. 
um I was just I saw like a for rent sign like walked up I was like oh this is cute it's a good space like I know it's LA I'm not gonna get a lot or whatever my credit was a little sketchy and they were like we don't even do a credit check Boom! And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what type of shit y'all on, but I'm with it. Yeah. And like the apartment wasn't, it wasn't bad. I mean, it's not like super, super like renovated, sure. but like it wasn't bad at all. And I was like, well, shit, let's, it was like 1025 for a one bedroom awesome. apartment. Like awesome. great. Perfect. And so I was able to like put the, um, like the down payment, pay the rent. And then I had enough money left over between like the money my mom had gave me. And then, matter of fact, she, she may have gave me like 5000 I think I used 3000 for like the housing or something. Cause I had enough room to like, enough money to like buy, you know, bed. And she, I went to Ikea and I yeah. just remember I built my bed. I built both of my beds. It's so sad. Independent life is terrible. <laughs> I built my bed before my power was even on in my apartment. I was just so thirsty to get in there. I had like a, I had two <laughs> big ass flashlights it. and I'm like looking at the directions like, okay, you screw this in here. <laughs> and so yeah, that's, that's how it happened. Welcome and to LA. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew when my mom got that money, I was like, this ain't number guy. Cause it, it I literally had no other option. Like, sure. I, I bought myself like a week's worth of time, but I'm like, I'm about to be in this soccer mom car, living in this car. And I had a friend that moved to the Bay Area maybe like a year, year and a half before I did. And she she's somebody who's super adventurous. Like her her spirit is just like crazy. Um, she moved to the Bay Area because like her homeboy who was like a track coach or something was in the Bay Area. And she was like, I'm just gonna come live with you. So she, she drove from like Tennessee and did like a cross country trip. And like she has seen, you know, she was super broke at some point. She had all these different jobs. She was like delivering stuff for YouTube, like all types of random shit. And so when I saw her doing it, I was like, if you can do this shit, yeah. you in the Bay where it's way more expensive. Like, and she was someone who I could kind of like talk to through it of like not just feeling like a psychopath from like just moving out of nowhere. So for sure. and, it's, and it's like a blessing also to, to not have that fear. Mm-hmm. Coming to a city like this and just diving in and then getting here and be like, okay, at least you're here. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not, you know, paralyzed that you couldn't even go. Yeah. You know, at least you're here and now dealing with the, the, the throes and the craziness of it, but at least you can survive it and be like, I live to see another day. Like, yeah. at, at least persevere through it. After those two weeks at Disney, um, well, how long did you actually was the internship at Disney from that point? So it was for a year, and basically how Disney—I right. work for Imagineering, so it's like the oh. theme park side, super dope place, like some yeah, of the most uh, creative people on earth. Because Imagineers—they do the uh, roller coasters, right? Yeah, so they create—they design all the theme parks. Wow. It's they're, fucking crazy. They're amazing. I actually have a friend who's an Imagineer. It's one of the hardest places. Yeah. To, it's one of those places where, which led to the forums. It's one of those places that. Um, People have dreamed to work there their whole entire lives. Like a lot of people who work in Imagineering, they had the exact same exhausting story, which is <laughs> I went to this theme park when I was like, I don't know, seven or some shit. And I was amazed and I was like, dang, who creates this? And I want to create it. And they, they created their path to work there. So a lot of people actually started off in the Disney college program in order to be an Imagineer. But when I was doing it, I had no, wow, I didn't know idea. what the fucking Imagineer was. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what y'all doing? Y'all creating what? Like it's a whole group of people that do this shit. And it's such a prestigious group, which, oh, shit, I just tied it together. Okay. So dang, that's crazy. Okay. There we go. Yeah. So you know, okay. So cause you, we just, you just mentioned it, how, a lot of my life was making decisions based off like what's going to look good, like Alabama, like different things. And so when I brought myself to that level of like humbleness, 
when working in the food and beverage thing, I think it, it, that, that situation took me out the mind frame of doing, of doing things just because of optics of optics. And so when I got the job at Disney, I think that's why, I think that's why I was receptive to going there because I was in such a humble state that I didn't realize what I was walking into. Yeah. I, I, I did not know how prestigious that job was until I stepped foot in that door. And I was like, wait, like people, I mean, when I, re- I remember I put it on like Facebook or LinkedIn and to this day, I get people who are like, can you help me get into this? It's such a prestigious place because it's, I don't know. It's so magical. It sounds cliche because it's Disney. No, I, I'm, I know. I'm yeah. Sure. It's like so many different skill sets. And like on a project, you could work with like a producer, an art director, um, environmentalist, a futurist. I'm like, what the fuck is a futurist? I didn't even know what that was. Um, environmental design, space design, 3D printing. It's, it's wow. technology. When I started at CAA, which was 2015, I remember sitting in a meeting and they were showing us new technology, quote unquote. And it was shit that I had saw at Disney like three years prior. And I was like, wow, y'all are behind. Like yeah. they on a whole different level of like create like shit that I've seen there. Yeah. Like digital mapping and like AR and like things where you're like, wow, like y'all are, this is next level. But I, I'm glad that I went into that space so humble because like, I didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't know that like, you know, people literally are like crying over those jobs. Like they, What's- that's insane. Well, what's crazy is like thinking how prior to this, going back to that point, you were making calculated moves. Like yeah. you were actually making decisions based on that perception, based on this is going to look good. This is going to look good. This is strategically the best because this is going to get my career. I'm going to make money. I'm going to be successful. Yeah. But it's the choices that are polar opposite of that that are actually leading you to be successful yep. and leading you to things that it's like, it's kind of surrendering to that and just going in and out of really like the core human uh, elements like desperation mm-hmm. and humble yeah. and realizing like, yeah, I, but even as, as calculated as, as she was like, nothing was too low on the total. No, no, no. <laughs> it's so it's, it's, you know a, but, you, and that, but it's just, that's, that's what I'm saying. It just like shows, the level of like whatever path you have in your mind of this is how I get to become successful is almost all the time not the path. Yeah. It's going back to those core things about you that you I You know need. what that path is actually? That path is what you think other people think it actually should be. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's it's literally true. what it is. It's yep. true. The it's path it. that yeah. we all see is literally, okay, oh. if people are judging me and looking at me and how I want to look at it, this is what I need to do. Yes. And when I steered off that path, that was like the, when I moved, because that was me steering off that path was moving to LA. Cause again, I was on the path. Like, you know, I moved back home. I was doing this job where it was very, like it was local. I knew everybody. Everyone's like, Oh, she worked down at the school. You know, that's a good job. But you know, it's crazy to yeah. me. You steering off that path was taking the food and beverage scenario and just running with it. Yeah. You steering off that path was knowing that like everything that you had planned, like, You'd been building up for, but you just rolled with the punches. Yeah. Accepting an IT gig at a school that, that was in the community that you went to, like all of these decisions, you never looked at it. And even the internship that brought you to, to, to California, falling into a scenario where it was like such a prestigious environment that yeah. you were in, but 
if anybody was to look at it in terms of optics that way, yeah, all of those choices would have been like begrudgingly made. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck. Yes. But you were rolling with it. And it's so crazy. I didn't even like, I didn't think about that until you put it together. It was, even when I think about how I literally fell into that position, sometimes I think about it now and I'm like, I say it all the time. I'm like, God, like, what, what did I do like to deserve this? Or the better question is like, what, like, what is the end goal? Because for me to have been like protected in so many situations and to also like fall into or like, you know, move my way into certain doors, it's like, all right, like some shit, some shit gotta be popping. Like when I got the job at CA, again, I didn't know what CA was. Like when I, when they, when I first got hit up to interview, I was like, I don't know what this is. I feel like I've heard about it. And mm-hmm. when I, when I like mention it to people living in LA, they're like, oh shit. And I'm like, this is another prestigious thing. So I went from Imagineering and then I went to ABC and I was there for like a few months. And I was supposed to be there as someone was on uh maternity leave. Yeah. But I didn't even stay there that long because the CA thing came. So when that happened, people were like, oh, like CA is a big fucking deal. Again, I'm not from here. I don't know shit about like talent agencies or whatever. I go interview and I'm like, this marble is like sickening. Like, it, I don't. The it's white cold. marble. Yeah, it's cold. It's, it's literally, it's literally yeah, cold as fucking into, here. Into, into the death star. Yeah, and I didn't even know it was called that until like I accepted the job. Yeah, I accepted the job and somebody sent me an article because they had did something fucked up in the news. Like literally right after I agreed to go on. And I had a coworker that sent me like, oh, this is the job you're going to. And it was like the death star. I did something and I was like what the fuck did I sign up for it's some weird ass shit but I didn't I didn't realize the like severity of the situation I was like oh and then when I got there I was like oh this is a big fucking deal like Legendary. at least at least to entertainment like yes. to y'all like y'all people that work here this In is like, entertainment that CAA gig regardless is the gold standard yeah your resume. and it just honestly like I and I think well I know that's what keeps me humble because it's no fucking way I was supposed to be in any of these places. Like, so, like I should not have been hired for the internship at Imaginary. My portfolio was trash. I kid you not. And so to go from that into like, which my Disney career is like, could be a whole separate podcast. But one thing that it taught me was, or one thing that I learned when I got here was that I couldn't be introverted. And my mom was an extrovert to the core. Like my mom, like when my brother situation happened, my mom all on the news, like all on the news. She know all the police officers. She's sitting down with the DA. She's sitting down with the investigators. She know, but she basically, you could walk into her room and she got like the cars and, and like the string connected. She figuring the shit out. She's always been, always been that person, always been a hustler, always been extroverted, can always solve a problem. I've been a direct opposite. Yeah. So when I got here, I realized that, you know, one, Someone in Huntsville told me it was a guy that ran a magazine. He ain't running that magazine no more, which is kind of shade to him. But I told him that I wanted to move out of Huntsville to a big city. And he was like, well, you'll probably just be like a small fish in a big pond. Mm. And that stuck with me for a while. And I, it kind of like fucked, it kind of fucked me up because I was thinking like, oh, shit, he probably right. And so when I got here, I always thought about it. I was like, I can't like, I, if, I got to at least give this 100% mm-hmm. because if I have to go back to Huntsville, at least I'll go back knowing that I gave this shit 100%. And Absolutely. so I quickly learned that Imagineering is project based. So you're only as good as your last project and you're only 
good if you're connected to a team that has like a, a long project whether that's you know building Disney Shanghai so mm-hmm. if you on that damn team you on that bitch forever because that shit took forever to open or you know like Avatar different things where you know you can create longevity and so I knew my internship could only be extended for a year and they would extend you every three months so like every three months you'll like you know, you know yeah you'll do an evaluation like okay we're gonna extend you we need you the overhead like all that good corporate stuff and so I was like, well, um, like I'm, I'm not from here. I have a disadvantage because I don't know the brand as well. And I remember the same guy that was an asshole about me having to stick to one thing. He took me into his office one day and he was like, what are your, like, what are your pros and cons? And I forgot what the pros were, but my cons about my internship were in regards of me was, I was like, you know, I don't think I know the brand as well as my colleagues because my colleagues either grew up here and they went to Disneyland a lot or they came from a wealthy family where they went to all the parks and shit. Me, I went to, you know, the parks in Florida, but it's like many different parks versus Disneyland where it's all one space. Yeah. Yeah. So I have not been, I maybe been to like magic kingdom and like Epcot or something like that. Um, and so he turned around and like asked me some trivia question, like how many space mountains do they have? Mm. And I was like, I don't know. I just told you I don't know the goddamn park. (laughs) And so that had always been something that, I knew that was like my downfall, basically. And so I also kind of peep game that I didn't want to design theme parks. I thought it was the coolest shit on earth. Like I'm around the smartest people, some some shit that I'll probably never see again in my life. But I have no interest in creating a theme park. It's just not. It was some projects that I really loved because it was the ideation of it. Mm-hmm. And the department that I was in was all about ideation. Like they coming up with the latest and greatest. Um, but after a while, I was like, okay, I got to hustle. So Disney has this thing called roster and you can type in like art director and it'll show you every art director in every entity of Disney. And I didn't realize Disney was that big. I was like, Oh, y'all got ESPN. Y'all got consumer products. Y'all got tea, like kids, Disney, whatever the fuck else. So I spent a lot of my time like, art director, creative director, and like write on them down cold emails. And I, towards the end of my time at Disney, kid you not. And my boss knew this because she like granted me the opportunity to like just do you and make sure you get your work done. I was in coffee meetings like two or three times a day. Whether And I was meeting with people in all types of disciplines like industrial designers, head of departments, mm. creative directors. I'm going down to the ESPN office. I'm going down to ABC and checking out their offices. I'm talking to the people who do motion graphics. I'm talking to the news people who got the shit that fly up on the screen. I'm talking to everybody. Everybody who I could talk to as a mentor any, in any room because my boss, as I mentioned, was a producer but she's not a designer so she always lacked that like um creative kind of like enhancement like she couldn't tell me how to like sit down and use tools yeah but she could put me in rooms that i had no fucking business being in and being like you should talk to my intern because she's amazing so between her and another mentor i was putting it's actually also incredible that like the boss that you had was a producer as opposed to more technically yes and one of my mentors was like uh vp i don't know it was something with diversity but she's I've literally sat in her office as she's called Oprah. She's that level of a person where I'm like, is this Oprah voice through this phone? Like I'm just freaking out. And she just, both of them just believed in me. And I worked on so many different projects from like producing projects and mm-hmm. different things to where like I'm in rooms with Elon Musk and I'm like, and at that point I don't even know who the fuck he is, which is crazy. <laughs> Wild. Like, yeah. like Quincy Jones met him, hung out with him before. And there's so many people in the industry now where I'm like, 
I didn't even know yeah. the severity of the it's rooms that I was in. It's almost more beautiful that you didn't. Yeah. It is. Could, could Absolutely. Like it is. Soak it in. Absolutely. Yes, and it was that honest, natural energy when yes. I was around. I was never talking to people of like, oh my God, like I want, like I was just like, oh hey, you know, yeah. like whatever. And so, um, yeah, that job, that job changed my life, but it's, it's from that point on, like mm. when I think I kind of going back to that Disney food and beverage thing, like when I shed that, that profitness and that ego and all that stuff. And I was just like, whatever, it, whatever I need to do, whatever it takes, yeah. you gotta do it. That's when the doors open. And so from my, I mean like hustling, like I have, I have an Excel sheet of like, this is the person's name. This is their email. This is where I met them. Like so many contacts from like every, cause I was like, I'm going to abuse this Disney system Incredible. while I'm here. And yeah. so the department that I was in dissolved essentially. And my boss was going to head up another department and it was either I could go try to be a full-time producer, which I wasn't, it just felt like something I was going to try to do to stay in the company or I can work on like a different project team, which again, I never found my like box. And I, and I realized like I had a, a person take me to the side and he was like, he's a creative director of Animal Kingdom. And he was just like, you're not meant for a box. Like you trying to put yourself in this box. It is not going to work. And this is crazy because it's like same thing with college, right? Yeah. Like you, you, you're, you haven't been in a box Mm-mm. and what's wild is like, you're actually searching to be in a box. Yes. I feel like I got to be in one. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, like, like when you're, when you're telling me, I was going to mention this just a little earlier, like you're going there pulling every single art director and anything that has to do with art or mm-hmm. creative or anything you're meeting with where I think most people like I thought about myself. I was like, well, I, I would know what I want. I don't want to do like the industrial stuff. I yeah. want to do. So you would just like most people would just filter, filter, filter. I'm going to get in touch with these people and go for that position. Right. It's not you're not going to see me with the spreadsheet of like thousand Everybody. different things yeah. and me to figure it out but that's just a different personality yeah but it's a testament again to your personality and like you're still at this point not accepting that you don't belong in the box so when yeah. you said this guy's like you don't belong in a box like exactly right you've been searching to find your box and it's not a, the box don't exist yeah. and i and i literally just realized that like i just walked into that Probably within like the last three years because, yeah, and I didn't realize that a piece of why I was searching. Because in my mind, I'm like, I'm talking to all these people because I want to stay at Disney Optics and I need to figure out a home. Whether it's, you know, I'm good at producing because I help my boss produce like a bunch of events. Like, I, I understand it. I understand the ideation part of it. I can coordinate. I can do all that. I'm also a, a good designer, but I knew I didn't like the graphics department at Disney because they only focus on environmental design. So mm-hmm. it's much more architectural than design. You're trying mm-hmm. to figure out like mm-hmm. what's the distance, distance between this restroom sign where the person can see it from like all these different angles. It's shit that I really didn't care about, honestly. Yeah. And so, but I knew with so many elements, like I love the set design department. And since I was given flexibility i can go work in these different areas and i'm like oh i like all this shit so i was meeting with all different types of people and so again trying to put myself in this box and so the department dissolved and my my boss was like listen i want you to quit or like i don't even know how we framed it but she was like i'm gonna hire you as a contractor because you can get paid twice as much so she essentially like set my salary out the gate which was way more than i deserved to be getting paid (laughs) and my skill level i think 
after a year working for Disney, which I was getting paid like $20 an hour, it went from like 20 to like 35, 38, something like that. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing to be getting paid this much. <laughs> and so I was a contractor for maybe like another year working on various projects and stuff. And then I was like, okay, I think it's time to like completely go. I was working on Avatar, like the park is getting ready to open, like whatever, whatever. Um, and then I leave and I end up going to ABC because I had tie, I had all that networking. I had yeah. ties. Like yeah, I, had, yeah. I knew every recruiter in the game. Like if you was a recruiter at Disney, you probably heard of me before. Yeah. And so, um, got the job at ABC and then I was there for like a few months. It was like communication design. It's not, not even fun. The best part was like, going to Starbucks and walking through the sets and like seeing Tracy Ellis Ross. Like that was, that was a highlight of my day. Like, Oh shit, I know you. Um, and then that's when, that's when CA happened. And that was like a whole other level of shit. Let's get into that. Let's just dive right in. (laughs) Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. Let's get in. Uh, so what, what was the position at CA? Crazy. Um, so I was a graphic designer on the uh, creative services team. So it's their in-house design team. Essentially, they focus on projects that are mostly internal facing. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing, well, not so funny thing about that department is that every day essentially is the same but then anything can be thrown at you at the same time. So for the most part, like even I saw a few of my colleagues today, I can tell you everything they're going to work on in a year span. Now, there'll be a bunch of stuff that I'll miss because it'll just be like random initiatives and things that pop up. But I can tell you like, okay, you know, March, April is going to be the company retreat. So from January into then, you're going to work on that. Um, I can tell you that we're going to rebrand the full staff meeting deck more than likely this month. We're going to work on this initiative. It's very like cut and dry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the fact that it's mostly internal makes it hard because you're working with like a lot of agents. And yeah. as y'all know, from being in the industry, agents have agent personality types. For sure. Um, and a lot of the work that you are doing can be like, for instance, I'm a designer, but somehow I end up taking passport photos, passport photos. And I used to be so over it because I'm like, y'all make this much goddamn money and you can't go to Kinko's or like the post office. Like it's just like you, it's, it's being in a position to serve, which I'm not mad about that, but it's serving shit that to me didn't matter. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the reasons essentially why I left. Cause I was like, there's what? a difference between serve and indentured servitude. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. It's people, not just SCA, because I don't want to make it sound like I'm just dissing them, but like, no. it's people who have assistance, which is honestly half of their building, who should not have assistance. You don't get sure. that much shit going on. Like, you can order your own food. Like, it's, it's different things. And so, um, yeah, the job was mostly, it was creative, but it was definitely internal. Yeah. And there were various client projects. And I did the same thing that I did when I got to Disney, because I quickly learned that what I did at Disney worked. Mm-hmm. And so... I was like, okay, when I get here, I need to like figure out what's going on. Like, you know, figure out, figure out the shit. And again, I didn't even know what CA was. So I was like, okay, what is this? What am I doing? Like, and I looked at the roster list, like, oh shit, y'all are kind of lit. And so. Yeah. Wait, how, how'd you first get the job though? So I was at ABC and I had a home girl who worked at, um, 11th hour, the staffing company. Mm. And she wasn't, this wasn't her job, but her colleague had a job and it was the, um, design position at CA. And she just hit me and was like, I think you'd be perfect for this CA job. And she's from LA. So she knows like what CA is. Again, she called me and I was like, okay, girl, whatever. I'm like Googling it. The web, the web, the, right. I also love the common theme of just like, 
not knowing not knowing shit, shit. Yeah. I don't know in, shit until exactly until yeah. you're like in the craziness like LA yeah it's fine I'm here oh shit yeah. Yeah. like Dizzy yeah oh and Imagineering this is why CAA okay cool oh wow like yeah. that's how I am well, entrepreneurship I'm like oh shit I did it now I'm here like what's happening I love <laughs> it my whole life I love it though like so many people will be shook <laughs> they, well, you, I not, should if they, be. If, if, if they didn't know, they'd be like, "I need to do all." First of all, possible. what you're saying is probably pissing off a ton of people too. Like, <laughs> it are you is. Kidding? I'm so sorry. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, I'm so sorry. I've been preparing for this, like, day in. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's the no, thing. No. You shouldn't even give it that much of your energy, especially goddamn CA. Well, I'm gonna say CA, but if you want to be an agent, like anybody that's listening, this is like PSA. If you want to be an agent. I feel like find you a client and just do that shit yourself. Like, of course, you can't do it all yourself. But a lot of the times I've, and this is like total segue. I've met so many like young assistants who are on certain people's desks and they are so in tune with culture that they already know who hot, who popping. They got the connections and they trying to get the connection to their boss. Mm. So their boss could sign them. And I'm like, but if you can figure out oh, how to sign them and, and, and a lot of people think that you have to be like attached to that big name. Like, Oh, I got to bring this to my boss. No, you really don't. Cause a lot of the stuff you can start doing mm. without even having, I have, I have people who I know who wanted to be a stylist. And the main thing about being a stylist is, well, I'm not going to say the main thing, but one of the things about being a stylist is having showrooms to pull from. A lot of people, you have to have those connections to get like, yeah. you know, free pools or whatever. But if you got a credit card, you can go to any of these motherfuckers and like start pulling stuff. So a lot of times you got to just do shit yourself. But to, but to, to that point, I, I completely agree. I agree and disagree with that. Right. Mm. Because in, in the same token, yes, you need to be in the trenches, but also in that world, there's a difference here. Right. And I agree with you because. So many people in that game think that just the value of the name will get them to where they want to yeah. go. But those that actually go into the system and understand how the system works and operates and can gather what they like and don't like about it. Like, if you're working with an agent, regardless of whether they're asshole or not, this, that, and the other, you need to see how somebody operates with their clients. Oh, 100%. I agree. You know what I'm saying? I do agree. I do but agree But there are that. a lot of people in this in this game that literally go just for that gold stamp. Yes. And just think that just because I've worked here and I can put this on my resume, I'm going to be good. Oh, no. I to- I, and to your point, I definitely I agree. And I would say, if you want to be an agent... You work at a CAA, but don't work at a CAA with a goal to be an agent. Work at CAA, be an assistant on a desk for like, I don't know, a year. Or we either the real trick is to work in the mailroom. Because if you work in the mailroom, you got flexibility. You don't be people don't be doing shit in the mailroom. Like they'll actually like run errands and stuff. Yeah. But the mailroom people have the most flexibility because they just they they call floaters. They literally floating through the halls. They see I get all my gossip from the floaters because they see every goddamn thing. They know yeah. they know the moves. They know that, you know, the president leaves for this time and go to lunch here. And that same <laughs> person could go post up at that lunch spot and know where to be. And so to your point, I totally agree. It's knowing the business and knowing where you fit in. But the 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 whole structure of like 
going to work at like a CA, WME, being in the mail room for a year, then getting on the desk, then going back to the mail room, then going to the trainee program that you look up in this five years, you've been making like $12 an hour yeah. for the last five years. And you, you may become a junior agent and get like $35,000 a year when you are in, and on the low every night you out at like the clubs or different things and you got the connections. So you can already basically do your job, but you were waiting on the CA to say like, congratulations, sure. you're an agent. For and sure. then now you feel validated when a lot of times you could just do that shit. And especially in today's society where it, somebody going to hear this and like hate me, but the idea of an agent, especially a music, music agent is slowly phasing out. Mm-hmm. It's slowly, if, if a manager or if someone else on the team can figure out how to execute touring in a different way, and have like accessibility to that, which you probably know more not to. Well, the thing is, like, you, you actually can't. It's a conflict. Like, you have to. Technically, you can do the job, but like, yeah. managers can't be agents. Yeah. There are different contracts. That's so a conflict. So that's why they, you still need agents For sure. yeah. to do it. But I, I hear to your point yeah. of like the the necessity of it. But roles oh, are yeah. always, roles are always shifting. But here's the right? thing, and this is this is. My opinion, I could be wrong, but I see it. And this is from working at Imagineering and being in like futurist groups and shit. When Netflix came, it disrupted the whole culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Apple Music will figure out a way to tour. They will figure out the fucking metrics. And that's literally the only degree of separation between like a WMECA agent and Apple Music. And I've had music agents sit down with me and say like, I ain't gonna lie. The only thing we bring is like, Touring for in sure. relationships, but the AGs and the Live Nations are also in that and game, and they, they coming for their next. They yeah. coming for Rock Nation coming for their next, mm-hmm. and so and and I think and this is like a whole, all off topic, but I think if like the Live Nation and like Rock Nation, uh, if they all come together and say like partner with like the Apple Music and Spotify, if they learn how to tour or whatever, yeah. that's like that's gonna be a monster. For sure. And a lot of people's jobs aren't, I don't think they're going to be completely obsolete, but it's not going to be as needed. Because one thing that I learned is when I got to CAA, I took the same approach as I did with Disney. It's like, I need to meet people. And since I had already did it at Disney in a slower capacity, mm-hmm. as soon as I got there, I was like, okay, now I know what this place is. They had just signed Beyonce. And I was like, I want to work with Beyonce. I was just looking at different people who I wanted to work with. And I realized that one, a lot of agents don't have relationships with their clients, especially if they're big. Like there's probably, I could probably count on one hand with like three fingers, how many people can actually pick up the phone and call Beyonce in that building? Yeah. Who's on her team? And there's some big people on her team. Yeah. But even the biggest one can't pick up the phone and call her. So I'm like, okay, boom. So the real T is to get, get connect with the manager because that's the person who's really going to like, who's really going to like stir it up. But I also realized that, now it's more important than ever, but artist development isn't a thing in agencies. They, especially an agency like CAA, that's the agency that signs you once you're on and popping. But in this day and age, you can't wait until the person is like, you can't wait until Cardi B is Cardi B. For sure. You gotta wait till soon she started, soon she got off Love and Hip Hop and she started popping, you gotta sign her right then. Cause she sure. gonna get real, real, real fast for you. And so every- but See, there's a big difference between like, the CAA, the Death Star monster, they take acts that are ready, mm-hmm. right? The beauty is there's so many different agencies. Yeah. You feel me? And so, like, a lot of the breaking talent is broken on the, not the big three, but the big ten. Yeah. You feel me? Even the big five. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Like the paradigms yeah. and so-and-so's or whatnot. 
Like CAA has the the Goliath artist, the yeah. Goliath artist. For how long you think though? To be honest, like not long at all. Like we're, I, I we're, think we're, it's I think we're, it's ending. We are in a day and age where things are happening extremely quick, right? Yeah. But again, it's all relevant. Yeah. And it's all relative. Yeah. Right. In that, in these in these types of industries, and especially in the service industries, an agent is a servant to the artist. Right. They're servicing the artist. Right. right? And. Regardless, anybody that wants to transcend and, and break the boundaries will put themselves on the line for things they believe in. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest difference here. There's the comfortable motherfuckers that are sitting there that like have their gig, have their teams, and, and go there. And there are those that want to make a name. Right. Those that want to make a name may fall and yeah. stuff their knees up and come back again. But... If you believe in something fully, you have to be able to stick your neck out for that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is something like, and I'll segue this too, because I think right now uh, the the old institutions of the entertainment business are definitely fading. Like mm-hmm. that, that That's a real thing. But I think we have to look at the other side of why really I think entrepreneurship and is on the rise. Yeah. I think it's we have way more independence, uh, accessibility, way less barriers to entry. Uh, you could create w- so many more things. Just think about distribution of content. Yeah, think about like f- where you can even get your independent funds to do like without even e- something as opportunity simple as opportunity. Way more than independence. Way yeah, more. way way more. I mean, there's there's just so much more that that's why you're seeing like collectives like Brockhampton pop up yeah. that are doing things from art to, to music to just everything just as a brand you're seeing oh like look at Odd Future mm-hmm. and from Camp Flogna all the way to like every artist on there and what they're doing and to their clothing and brand it's like I think you're see, gonna see more and more and more of these things really develop oh for sure um, across the board which brings me kind of to like why I want to hear more about your perspective of why you quit CAA. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think a lot of people would be like, "Man, you're you've, you're at the, the creme de la creme mm-hmm. place." Um, not only to to quit that, but to to quit that and go into your own creative entrepreneur driven journey. Yeah, and what that really is. Yeah. Um. Well, going back to like the creme de la creme, I, I had that way of thinking when I was at Disney. And I think that's Disney set the standard for me because when I, when I compare Disney to CA, it's Disney because Disney is like transcends all types of shit. For sure. And when I was there again, people like somebody would hear this and be like, I've been dying to work there. So when I left there, I kind of had the feeling of like, what do I do from here? And then I went to ABC, which is another form of Disney. And then I went to CA. And so I was like, okay, I've already, I'll I've already started I'll at fix. the top. It's like, I can't, mm. it's, I learned from starting at the top that my fear about what I'm going to do next is, uh, non-existent, basically. Well, your, your standard is, yeah. is, is, the bar is already set at yeah. a certain place. And, yeah. and at that point, it's like, you know, I know from leaving there and going into good opportunities that there will always be something else, like behind, like behind the door once I close it. Mm. And so, I never looked at CAA as a place that I couldn't live without. Mm. Like it would, it never crossed my mind of like, Oh, I can't never leave this place or like, that's it. 
um the fact that I had gotten there and that I had gotten there like so easy to be honest which like I wasn't looking for the job right it came across I interviewed for like just any regular job and honestly when I got there like I didn't try I don't even know if my shirt was ironed all the way and I walked in like this shit is weird like it's a lie and like it was it was it was I wasn't planning to be there so I didn't take it as seriously as someone who probably like sure. wanted to work there. Um, but I realized quickly that one, there, one Disney spoiled me because it taught me how to design and also how to think and how to think way bigger than like what's given to me. And it gave me a business sense that I didn't know I had. Mm. So when I got to CAA, the fact that my first thing was like, I really, cause I think we talked about this before. I really want to work in music and I want to work. One of my dream jobs would be to work with an artist, probably starting out and like, I want to work with Rihanna too, but like, I like probably someone who I can like grow with, like a Georgia Smith, who I can like create their aesthetic and like, we just take over the world. And so I knew that was something I was interested in. So I knew that's why I went to CA because I was like, I love fashion, music, and just like pop culture. And I would love to work in that space. I didn't quite know what that looked like yet. Mm. And when I interviewed, my boss kind of like fabricated a little bit. And he was like, yeah, we do some outside client work. I did outside client work because I found outside client work. There was no outside client work for my department, like barely. So when I got there, I was like, fuck this. Like I looked at the music roster I found all the black people because I was like, if I can at least come with some common theme, start off with the people who look like me. (laughs) And so I just started reaching out and, you know, saying like, okay, you know, you work with these different artists. What are they doing? And I noticed that I had a knack for like not only the creative, but the like strategic thinking, like the artist development. Like Tink was one person who I really, really liked. And I was like, she has something. And I realized that she just wasn't being utilized and she wasn't she wasn't out there. Like I listened to the breakfast club every day. I know Charlemagne loves her. And I'm like, why she ain't been on the breakfast club. That was a quick question mm. to ask her manager. Mm. And he was like, what you mean? And I'm like, Charlemagne talks about her like every week. He loves her. He knows she's working with Timberland. Like right now it's like the year of the woman. Like why isn't she working with refinery 29? Like I was able to, and I knew it. I was like, Oh shit. Like not only do I know how to like design things, but I'm able to like connect the dots yeah. to some extent. Yeah. And since I'm younger and I'm more in tune with the culture, her agent isn't, I can like give these ideas. And so it was like a sense of like agenting in me, which goes to my mom. I mentioned in the beginning, my mom would be a great like Chris Jenner. For sure. But, she, but I never knew what she was doing. Right. I just observed it my whole For life. Sure. And then when I unlocked the extrovertness of me and having to be in these different situations, I'm like, oh shit, like I can connect the dots. And so I got there and I was just, I was just hustling. I was meeting all the people that I could. I was working as hard as I could. There were certain things in my department that I knew were like landmarks. Like I knew I needed to like nail our full staff presentation, which is like a whole Grammy production for yeah, the most part. You got to perform and, and yeah. And, still. and so I spent a lot of the time like being better than all my coworkers. I had a meeting um, with a lady who's in communications. Her name is Beth. She's like hardcore fucking lady. Like I've never met anybody like her. And I sat with her in my first month and I was like, you know, I kind of noticed that nobody had really been promoted in the department that I was in. Like it was just, I just kind of, I had a feeling that I just didn't want to be there for long. And so I asked her like, you know, what do I, what, what would you recommend? And she was just like, well, you know, you already got to be better than everybody because you're a black woman. And I was the only person of color like usual. And she was like, but you really got to be better than everybody. So I made it my business Mm -hmm. to like be better. 
mm-hmm. than everybody. And um, I knew from optics and I give CA that and my old boss because I learned what optics mean in regards of like, oh, I went to Alabama and that looks good. And I knew what Hollywood optics mean of like appearing as mm-hmm. you're like whatever, doing whatever. So, and like, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I figured out real politics at CA. <laughs> and I, I thank God for them because I for know real. politics like the that's back the of my head. That's the intricacies of politics. Yes. And that's where the political science of criminal justice came in because I could sit in a room and from I the time a person sit down from body Put language the to how on. they act, I'm like, okay, right. I got this under control. Like I know where this person is located. Um, so yeah, so I, she was like, you gotta be better. That's what I put my focus on. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Long story short on that is I noticed that the department had a very low glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. I noticed that out of all the people in the department, maybe like only one or two people had been promoted. One guy had like one of those jobs that's like a one-on-ones. Like if he leaves, yeah. ain't nobody else doing this job. Right. Yeah. And it took him like six years to get promoted. And yeah. I was like, oh shit, y'all fucking up around here. Yeah. And my boss, God bless him, um, he came from like a fashion branding background. He had no clue about design. He can't even download a font. And exactly. <laughs> and so there were multiple issues from like leadership and it's the, and my coworkers used to complain about it's hard having a boss that isn't a designer, which it is, but it's a difference because my Disney boss was not a designer, but she had enough sense to say like, I can't teach your ass how to like do this shit, but I can put you in different positions yeah, exactly. to enhance your career. My boss yeah. had none of it. He didn't give a fuck about shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I can't teach your ass nothing. You ain't going nowhere. You ain't doing nothing. It's so interesting. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to see like, you know, and how are you just comparing these? And I'm, I'm sure like, I've worked in corporate settings. I've had jobs mm-hmm. like that. And like you see a, a huge difference from company to company. And yeah. I think it's like such a blessing that you from working at Disney and seeing that high standard and seeing like from the protocol to their uh, innovations to their thought to like all those skills that you got from there, from right. the business sense to the just the, the way of thinking big. Yeah. And I think sometimes to even recognize that, you have to have a comparison. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like jumping to, to, to where you were at CAA, which, look, let's be real. It could be a great place for a lot of people, and it probably is for a lot oh, of people. Oh, yeah, especially if you want to be an agent. It's yeah. a different world. Yeah, for, for sure. And I think every place has that. Like, every place has positions that are, like, amazing and they kill it. And yeah. some that is just not cracking, I think. But what, what I'm what I'm hearing like is that this was important for you to at least experience that because one it it kind of tested you against yourself right right you you got these skills everything you you saw at Disney you know you're gonna apply that same work ethic here but you're seeing is it is it really one for one yeah is this creme de la creme to this is it like does it actually make sense and will this propel you to that next place? Right. Um, and I've been in that situation too where like I've been at two two kind of big companies and I'm like, oh, these function very differently. Yes. This, this one I have a future at or I can think really big. This one looks really big, but that ceiling is very low. Yeah. Very low. Yeah. When you started to really recognize that um, – because it's crazy. It doesn't affect necessarily your work ethic, but it affects your ability to dream. Right. Mm. And 
I think we wake up in the morning to do that, right? I right. think we, we try to wake up in the morning to have something to um, – you have to kind of see in the future, right? You have to have something that you're going for, like this hope, this like thing that's kind of bigger, this right. longing that we have, especially in entrepreneur, you know, being that you have this thing that like you're trying to attain. Even in the business world, whether it's that promotion, whether you see yourself as this top C – level executive right we wake up in the morning to attain that as soon as you recognize that that's not there and it's not going to be there when when did that really happen for you when did that sink in mm. did it it I'm, did I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> oh it did <laughs> oh, gotta go. and, and and um how was it to make that decision to step out on your own versus mm. let me go try to find another job. Yeah. I exhausted. I did the same exact thing I did at Disney, which was before I decided to be, or before I had the opportunity to be a contractor, excuse me, I exhausted every possibility. And even with the contracting job at Disney, it was because I did do my due diligence and I figured out like, okay, is there a project I can be a part of? Mm. And I found one and that's how I was able to like extend my contract. So at CAA, when things became to a point where I felt like I was hitting the wall, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, their, their structure is very different. It's also very different if you're not an agent. So agent has like a very, you know, sure. linear path. Yeah. yeah a certain sure. track. Everybody else, you kind of just out in a wild, sure. wild west, which is like an issue that they'll have to figure out. And each department is different. Like I'm sure IT has their own like ladder yeah, or whatever. Sure, sure. But with creative services, it was hard because there was no ladder. Like, and technically there were no titles, but then there were titles at the same time. So like if you're hired in and you're literally locked in, they're just internal. Yeah. So if you're hired in, they're like, okay, we're hiring you at like a mid level designer. But then when you look on like the internal, whatever website, it just says designer. But then in, in the group, you know, that like, okay, this person is like a junior designer. They get this type of work. I'm a mid level designer. Then you have the senior designer who like approves work, blah, blah, blah. And so I came in as a mid level and I'm like, okay, I guess the goal is senior designer, but there was necessarily, like no promotion track mm-hmm. the promotion was within CAA is that you're executive or you're not an executive mm-hmm. or you're an agent so since I'm not you know in the agent field at all it's like okay either I'm professional or I'm executive so executive was the next step and so I had those conversations with my boss because I had I made like a, I'm super hard on myself like extremely hard on myself when it comes to work so I made a checklist of everything I needed to get done. The last thing on my list was like nailing the full staff meeting. Cause again, it's like the biggest project in our department It's mm. every month. And it's literally a production. It's so many things to remember. It's all scripted. It's, mm. it's like going to the CAA Grammys every month. Mm-hmm. And so I knew how much that was like a big part of it. And I also know that the people you work with are very difficult. Mm. So if I could get past that and nail it the first time, we need to start talking about promotions. Cause that was like the, literally the last day. That was probably after the first, I think I ran my first full staff meeting, like after a year. And I was like, okay, I'm not going first at a year to start talking about getting promoted. Sure. I'm going to like give it yeah, a little yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also recognized that in the group that I was in, that I was a leader, but I wasn't the, I, I wasn't looked at as the leader from mm. my boss. And the reason why I wasn't looked at as the leader is because he don't know what the fuck going on. So he was very like, standoffish he don't he don't really know and the person who was the senior designer and the executive at the time super nice guy but also very passive and i can be 
direct i know how to play the cards like in corporate i can be direct but i also know like i can be shady i know how to play the role and so i knew that i had a light about myself that nobody else had and i was like it's a reason why people want to fuck with me and i also knew that i was very different from my colleagues like when i came in nobody in that department nobody had ever had coffee with our boss nobody i came from disney where i was networking hustling so when i got there i was like i need to do coffee with you i need to meet your boss and this person Mm. and i need to know i need to meet and talk to people one-on-one to figure things out and i remember my office mate oh i used to hate that girl like literally she used to drive me up the wall um when i used to take coffees she'd be like where where were you where were you doing like because nobody had ever like done coffees like it was abnormal to be away from your desk for an hour like talking to somebody but the company is based on having an entrepreneur spirit you see it all in the news the job of an agent is to build relationships like the the one of the models of the company is like something like if we're good together we're great it was some like cheesy shit but basically they want you to have that entrepreneur spirit and like talk to one another and nobody in the department had Mm. done that so I was already weird from the jump yeah. to them. It was yeah. like, where's she going? Who's she talking to? Like, what's going on? Blah, blah. Why aren't you at your desk? What's going on? I'm like, girl, you at your desk watching The Bachelor. You ain't doing shit. Like, literally, because the work was slow. Um, And so I knew, I came in, had the Disney thing, whatever, like, was hustling, all these different things. Um, After, like, the first year and a half, I had, like, literally nailed everything. And that's because I was, like, psychotic at home. Like, before the full staff meeting, I'm up all night. I'm double-checking everything. I'm at work at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm making sure there ain't shit going to fly. Without, like, nothing. Out on my watch. Like, I'm going to do it. Um, And it got to a point where I was like, all right. I had um, one of the partners of the company had taken a liking to me. And, like, I started freelancing for her. And that's when I knew. I was like, I didn't even know she... I knew her and I would interact, but I didn't know she really liked me as much as she did. And so she reached out and was like, I want you to do some freelance work. And then I started just connecting with different levels of people. And everyone was like, you know, we love your spirit. We love your work. And we like the way you think. And so I was brought into um, they were going to sign Will Packer. And I was brought into the meeting before they signed him. And they were like, you know, as a creative, you know, what do you think? Blah, blah, blah. Um, the presentation was like bland and it didn't have any flavor. And I'm like, he's a black man with a lot of flavor. He's also an alpha. He went to an HBCU. I know that because I'm in a sorority. Mm-hmm. I understand HBCUs from my background. Sure. Nobody in that room knew what the fuck I was talking about. Yeah. So I was able to design a presentation that I knew if he saw it visually that he would respect him on another level just because it it's attention to detail. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. black and gold and he knows why it's black and gold because he's an alpha. Like it's just simple shit. Yeah. Yeah. Or I knew that he was really into philanthropy. And when I looked at the presentation, there was no philanthropy efforts. And I'm like, he wants to give back to his people. Sure. So this shit ain't going to fly. Like, you have to be in the mind of this black man yes. in order to sign him as a client. And literally nobody's in that field. And so that was the first time I had worked on a project. And I worked on a presentation. They signed him. And he made some comments about the presentation. Basically, like, I love the attention to detail. So I was like, okay, boom. I know what I'm talking about. So it verified it to me of, like, Lacey, you not tripping. Like, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when it gave me more clout in the building because going back to optics, one thing about CAA is if you participate on the signing, they send out an email and they'll say new client signing, blah, blah, blah. This who signed them. Special thanks. And usually special thanks are people who like behind the scenes, like pull some shit together yeah. to make it happen. And I was on a special thing. So I was like, 
like cherry on top. Like I've yeah. been killing my goddamn job. I've been doing everything the woman that I met the first month of work told me to do in the last year and a half. I've gotten praise from like my boss's boss, boss, the partner. I'm helping sign people mm-hmm. like it's lit. And so I had a conversation with my boss about being promoted and he he was very, um, he just not in tune. And that's when I really, I knew he wasn't in tune, but I really realized of like, oh shit, you don't really know what I do. Like, you don't, as much as your, as much as his colleagues would come to him about me and he would tell me, he was like, no yeah. one has ever talked about anybody in this department. And yeah. it was just, it was almost like every accolade you I could get. You can't have my back if you don't it's, even have yours. Yes. No, it, yeah. It was, it was just a lot. And it was one of the first times or probably like, well, not the only time, but one of the very first times where I knew for 100% sure I was doing a good job. Like I knew that I had put in every single piece of work that I could. Yeah. And you it, applied everything you yes. learned along what's, the way. And what's crazy, and actually, like a lot of those moments, you doubt yourself because you don't get validated. Yeah, you're like, I, like it's natural to have. Sure. It's natural to have those feelings. Like for you to even say. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I did a good job. Of course you did. Like, you don't even, like, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're telling yourself, like, wait, I need a need. It's like you're going crazy. I knew I had a light. That was literally the only thing. I knew I had a light. And the reason why I knew I had a light was because, and I, I missed this when we were talking about Disney. When I moved here, the biggest, um, what's the, what's the word I'm thinking of? And it's such a light. Insecure. I was super insecure because sure. I was very different from my colleagues and I would be in meetings and I'm from the South and I have an accent. So I would be mocked or like, Oh, I would say McDonald's and I'm like, it's McDonald's like just random <laughs> bullshit. And so it was to the point where I literally hit up my friend who's a speech pathologist. And I was like, you got to help me get my Southern accent oh my away. God. Like I called my mom and I was like, I got to stop sounding like a country bumpkin. And my accent isn't even as thick. as like my dad's. And I didn't know that at the time I was just so different. Mm. And I wasn't in tune with the Disney brand. I was, I was very different. I didn't, I didn't know like, you know, all the characters and different things. I came in with a whole new perspective, but it took me until the end of my road at Disney to realize that's what fucking made me the best mm. person because I didn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a Disney child. Damn. I didn't know shit about shit. Yeah. I could come in and be like, that shit whack because of this. And like, <laughs> yeah. and like not even, yeah. or I didn't realize that when I'm in a meeting, when I speak that everybody remembers me because of my accent, For not sure. always mocking me. Shit. And yes. so, I, yeah, I was, I, when I tell you insecure, like insecure, I was just like, I'm just this country bumpkin who by luck and chance got in this goddamn job that I don't even know. And I felt, I felt like LA was just full of people who were more cultured than me. And I realized that lots of motherfuckers in LA be going out the country, but nobody knows what's going on in the US. Half the people ain't never even been to the South. So I'm like, oh shit, like I'm not as country as I think. Like I actually know some shit. So I went even being that country makes you way more culture. Yes. So I went through two and a half years of like pure insecurity. Oh man. And then when I started like, again, being extroverted and like taking those meetings, I realized that if I got into a room, people loved me and I didn't, and I, and that's where my mom came because she's such a light and that's just what she has anyway, that that's just her vibe. I've been quiet and observing my whole life. So I never knew I had it in me, but I knew one thing, which was I got to change some shit about myself. If I'm going to stay in LA, yeah. which means I'm going to have to be extroverted, which surprising enough, a lot of people in corporate aren't, and they don't take meetings and they don't do coffees and they don't expand their circle. Mm-hmm. So it took me, and even in those meetings, like introverted as fuck, or even at CAA, like, 
I tell my friends all the time is that I usually have to turn myself on for like coffees and literally like it's, it's yes it's been meetings where I will go down those marble steps and I'm counting down until I see the person in the lobby and I'm like five four three two one hey. and it's just like hey how are you going what's up you know and it's just it's just like you it's, it's right, come on it's, come on come on hey hey and then when I get done I'm like god damn I'm tired I'm ready to go but I I went through all that insecurity and I realized that everything that makes me different and it's so cliche I sound like a Pinterest quote but everything that made me different is essentially what made me stand out me being the only black person was gonna be the person they remember me having a southern accent I'm the only one they remember me having this different way of thinking of not being in the Disney brand was actually good because I can give them a perspective that like because everybody else are just like everybody's just yes men yeah. It's a grin, like, oh yeah, we should do this. And I'm like, oh, sure, sure. this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about this. And so SCA, same thing. Cause like you said, people have been dying to work that they've been drinking that Kool-Aid. They've been like, you know, this is weird. So I was a, I was very, I stood out from all of my mm-hmm. peers from my way of thinking to, um, being more extroverted throughout the building. And essentially that's what saved me mm-hmm. when I left CAA is that, and this is the recommendation I give everybody is you go to a job, you que- you create equity by your goddamn self. I created a Lacey Jordan business outside of creative services. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, I realized like, okay, people in the music department, like there, there isn't anything like artist development. There are no creatives in the music department. Yeah, There is the internal CAA design team and there is the, um, branding and licensing team that team that team is super dope but they only deal with clients who have something that makes money everything is about making money but simple things like cardi b don't have a website right now she don't have a website um to me that's an issue because to them it don't make money but to me it does because you put merch on that website you you make that a hub you you bring people there that's that's how beyonce sells out every goddamn 30 minutes um and that way of thinking i realized was very it it was non-existent in my department so i knew if i can get out and talk to people and tell them like oh i'm creative and i can like do this was the way to go um but yeah so when i talked to my boss about the the promotion it just i could just tell that he was telling me what i wanted to hear like i was like yeah i love connecting the dots and i love design and he's like do you want to go to the trainee program and i'm like i didn't say i want to be an agent mm-hmm. i said that i like doing these so it, with him since he's not in the world he's just taking bits and pieces of what i say and sure, trying to figure yeah, out like sure. how can i make this person happy versus like let me take your skills and figure out where you can yeah, go let, let me nurture this let, let's develop something let's yeah. let's figure this out yeah yeah so i i turned all the stones you know i had meetings with the the top top to the i knew everybody i know everybody sure. i knew i figured it out and i was like okay this this building is great for what it knows how to do that is fucking it mm-hmm. that like this isn't a place that fosters creativity and that's not a negative thing that's just not what the fuck they're meant to do they are here to do their job which is to like break deals connect deals and it's very financial it should not be that way right now and it will fail if it continues to be that way because you need some type of creative thinking especially like in the land of like influencers and just different marketing, you can't have that like numerical thinking all the time. But I realized that, okay, in my department, glass ceiling is low. Um, outside of here, I see all these needs, but they aren't respected because they don't necessarily equal to money all the way, even though people agree that it's needed. So essentially it led me to 
what do I do? Like, do I stay here? Do I suffer? You know, do I keep trying to get promoted? And my boss and I had multiple conversations about that. It was supposed to happen. It didn't happen. It was just like weird shit. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm just going to look for another job. I started looking for jobs. I don't see shit. It's, mm. it's, it's, again, I'm trying to put myself into a box. Sure. I type in graphic designer and Indeed is awesome shit I don't want to do. I type in illustrator is awesome shit I don't want to do because I have those multiple skill sets. Mm-hmm. And what I have is I had, to, I had to realize what I have is special and it needs to be it's like some weird shit. It's not anything that I'm necessarily going to find off Indeed. Yeah. Um, and that's what led me to being like, well, <laughs> shit is not on the internet. <laughs> like, if it's not a job, then I think I'm just going to have to do my own thing. And so last year, it had, it had been a thought all last year. But again, I was going through a lot of shit, breakups and all that. And in December, I was like, I got to figure it out. It's no job. Like, the only job I've seen in L.A. that I could want, even outside of L.A., was like a job with Vice, and I heard they ain't pay well. So I was like, no. yeah. I was like, fuck this. You, you'd go up into the same system, but like get like, pay, yeah. like get compensated even worse, right? And Emotionally was, and monetarily, right? And I was like, I can't do this shit. And so, um, December, no, actually, uh, November, I was like, I'm gonna do a fast because my mom, again, she's always been in church and like. Now that she's older, she's removed from being like hardcore Christian. Now she just does whatever the fuck she wants to. And I love it. Um, but she was like, you know, you've never really done like a fast from anything. Like maybe you need to like fast and like clear your mind and like slow down for a minute. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. So I thought about fasting and I'm like, wine, alcohol, that's easy. But my vice is weed. So I was like, I need to give up weed for like 30. Like I literally need to clear my mind from mm-hmm. being high. So I just got to a point where I realized I was like depressed. And I was like, okay, I need to figure it out. Um, let me do a 30 day fast from weed. Um, and even backing up, uh, around October, I wanted to explore illustrating more. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna give myself a self challenge. I'm gonna design one illustration a day. Mm. And I got today, and I mean, I was doing that illustration. I didn't give a fuck what was happening. I did it in the car, like I did it on a plane, like I don't care. Um, and by day 21, which 21 has like a lot of significance. Like one is my favorite number. It's my birthday. Like my mom gave me all these like different things that are like in the Bible that has to do with the number 21. And by 21, my inbox was booming with freelance requests for illustrations. And I was like, I've been, I've been illustrating off and on ever since I moved here. Cause when I got to Disney, I was like, y'all got some real fucking talent. Like y'all, yeah. y'all drawing yeah. shit. Like I can't do that. Yeah. But like, I Your love portfolio this. is about to be a lot better. Yeah. I was like, I love this idea of like vector. And I'm like, look, I keep looking at that print that's over there. And I'm like, it's just, I just love that style. And so I started thin and I didn't even realize what I was doing, but I did a bunch of illustration jobs like at Disney and I've been doing it throughout the years. Like a lot of the things I do now, I've noticed that I did it like either starting in high school Mm -hmm. or like when I moved here, like blogging, journaling, like all this shit, like fashion photography. I did it in college and didn't even realize what I was doing. Um, I thought I was just taking photos for friends, but it was really fashion photography. Um, And so, yeah, started doing illustrations. And then I was like, you know what? I've kind of got away from illustrations because I've been working on all this CAA stuff. I've been doing more websites or whatever. I'm going to challenge myself to do it. For 30 days by mm. 21 it was like i got too much freelance requests and i can't do it and then from that point on i was like okay i think i need to do a fast so like in november um i fasted for like 30 days and it was probably like me i think i started mid-november and ended mid-december and within that 30 30 days 
I didn't realize how much weed affects your dreaming that you don't dream yeah. as much when you when you that high all the time. And so I started having like these clear ass dreams yeah, yeah. and I dreamed a lot about birds, which was weird. Really? Like birds, birds flying out of a nest, falling out of a nest, like flipping out of a nest. Like it didn't matter. So it was the birds in the nest dreams. And I was like, this is fucking weird. Then, um, TD Jakes is a CAA client. He came out with a book called Soar. And at the same time, he was doing like sermons on this idea of soaring. My mom had heard the sermon. She sent it to me. First thing, first metaphor, flying out of a goddamn nest. And I was like, so then he ends up coming to CA and has like a book sign and I get the book. The book is about flying. It, everything is about flying and mm. leaving and like things. And my mom is like sending me these like prayers that are like right in line. It's just, it's so many signs that were like, okay. The only answer is just to quit because what's the worst that can happen? I yeah. can, I can, at this point, I have Disney, ABC, and CA. I can get a job anywhere. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. It might be some bullshit. That's but your like, big three. Yeah. I can get a job. Yeah. So I'm like, I should just, I should just quit. And it didn't seem real. But when I came out those 30 days, I was like, I'm quitting. Yeah. And like I mentioned before about always having like a landmark of like when you should quit or do something. I knew that I, it was going to be too late to quit in December because if we have a company retreat like in April. And so basically when you come back in January, you getting ready for that retreat. And I was going to quit like end of February because I feel like that's enough time. And I was like, no, excuse me. Um, even though my boss, he have no like pool, but I was like, I just don't want to burn any bridges. I want to leave on like, the greatest term. So I want to kill this retreat. Like I want to. Yeah. Cause I already knew like from the first time I did a retreat that I set a standard. Cause I was really, really good at like production. So yeah. like full staff meetings, best person. Like yeah. I knew I could kill it. So I was, I'm going to kill this retreat and then I'm going to put in my notice and nobody's going to see it coming. And the whole time it was me and another colleague too, that was planning on quitting at the same time. He, we both quit. It was lit. <laughs> um, I, I had no fear again. I had no fear. I didn't think about shit. I was just like, there is no other option. Yeah. Like I look for the jobs. They're not there. Um, I know it's not time for me to move out of LA yet. Cause I don't know if it's time for me to move to a different city. Yeah. I wasn't feeling that. I wasn't getting that vibe at all. And so, um, yeah, I was like, you know, once we get done with retreat the next week, when my boss comes in the office, I'm putting in that notice and I put in the notice he, it was time for you to soar. Yeah, it literally was. I put in a notice. He was shook. And he was like, you know, what do you want? Like, what is it that you want? And that's when I noticed what power was. <laughs> and like, oh, shit, I have been doing a good, like, the validation that you want. Yeah. That's what it was. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. shit. Like, I've been doing everything I thought I was doing. And, like, he, they were just not doing what the fuck they were supposed to be doing. You also have to be willing to leave to know what you want. Though. Yes. Because you won't be able to boss. leave unless you finally. Like, there's one thing about, like, dreaming about what you want and believing in yeah. what you want. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And I believe this so much. Yeah. And it was just so funny because my boss was so out of touch. And everybody else, I kept up a good front, like, in regards of, like, because everybody was unhappy. Everybody still is unhappy For in the sure. group. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, Lacey's going to quit. And so it, it took everybody off guard. And he was like, you know, what do you want? And I was like, okay, give me time to think about it. 
And I thought about it, and it was nothing. It 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 wasn't anything that you, you wanted could give more for me. You. Yeah, I was ready to bet on myself, yeah. and it was nothing that that company could give me that was better than me betting on myself. Like I don't care in what situation. And then I also noticed another thing, which goes into power and politics, which is. There was a way where there's plenty of ways I can see myself existing in CA. Most of those don't exist. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not the right time. It may not ever happen for those type of positions. For sure. Um, but I knew if I did want something that it wasn't in that department. That was one yeah. thing I knew for sure was that I did not want to work in that department. I did not want to work under that leadership. Um, and it just wasn't for me. And so I declined. I was like, you know, I took time to think about it. I think I went to Coachella. <laughs> like I was chilling and I was like, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing that I want, but going back to networking, I was cool with one of the partners of the company and I knew good and goddamn well that when she found out I was leaving, cause diversity matters. And I was like, when she found out I'm leaving, it's going to be a wrap. And so I talked to her and she was like, you know, what do you want? Like, what, what, what do you want? And I was like, well, I'm ready to bet on myself. I want flexibility. I want to be able to work on my own projects. I had just gotten in trouble it worked for um, being in a publication and I was like, I'm not here for that shit because nobody ever paid me any attention in this building until like I was on Forbes. And now yeah. all of a sudden I'm in trouble for whatever dumb shit, which I make y'all look good for being a black woman in Forbes yeah. like on my own. Not even yeah. tired with y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like it's weird. And so I was just like, you know, I'm realizing that I'm. I, you want freedom. Yes. From the 21 day challenge. Sure. I noticed that all the type of jobs that I wanted, like working with refinery 29 or like with vice or like different people, they were all coming to my inbox right. from a 21 day shit. And yeah. I was like, well, if I really got time to like hone my skills and actually create stuff that I'm really, really into, then it's going to be unstoppable. And so, and then especially beginning of this year, like I, I, I believe in speaking things into existence. It all goes into like yep. spirituality. And I made a list and like one of the things was like, I want to work with Jordan. And that happened in February. Like I said it at the beginning of January and it happened in February. So it was so I many things. And I also prayed and I was like, man, if I just get like $10,000 to like just put in the bank, I'll quit my Jordan job. $10,000. Wow. Like, <laughs> and I was like, and like when I was plotting it out to figure out how much I want to be paid, that, that price made sense for the work I was doing. And I was like, chill bumps i was like that's the exact amount and i told my mom and i was like i said if i got that amount i was gonna quit and she was like yeah so you gotta quit like you fucking said it so you you gotta quit and so um tell my boss i didn't want shit i talked to the partner and i was like you know i'm ready to bet on myself here's what i've done by myself from january to april and it was everything from like jordan forbes espn all this shit that i had just been doing on the side yeah they didn't even know about like people in the building knew yeah but they didn't know yeah and a lot of people in the building be like why do you still work here you doing this shit and i'm like i don't know um and so i told her i was like i'm doing all this stuff by myself and honestly if i could do it by myself why would i not go do that and i need flexibility like I don't have time to be getting in trouble for it for something that's good. For sure. Um, I, w- I want to do these different projects or whatever. And she was like, you know, well, what if you worked, you know, under me and, you know, you want freedom. So what if you work remotely and, you know, you still reap all the benefits? So I was like, so basically, can I work like part time? and still get like full time <laughs> and then like did it. and I negotiated and I got it I, 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 I created exactly what I wanted in my head which I was just telling wifey that and I was like girl like whatever you want 
like what, whatever crazy job you want when it comes to negotiations, like whatever be the best for you, pitch that shit. Cause that's, yeah. a, that's, I had a friend tell me, she was like, don't think about the limitations of the corporate job of mm. like money, better benefits or whatever. Think about if it was a dream world and you could just whip up your own job, which for me was like, Oh, I would love to get a corporate check at my house and do half of the work and also have like a computer and like Adobe suite and benefits. And that's what I pitched, and that's what that's what happened. <laughs> it, and it's crazy. It's like I think people would think like, well, it's it's it can't be that easy. It can't just be like you just say what you want and you get it. But I think we have to look at things like you you betting on yourself. You yeah, know, you you say that a few times, and I think look that that's a phrase that's out there a lot like bet on yourself bet yeah. on yourself but then you got to look at like what does that really mean right and i think when you did that 21 day challenge and you saw like what you could like it was the curtain going let's just see what's out there and then you close it right yeah but all right we, we this is a possibility i'm not i'm never a fan of telling people like if you're unhappy quit your job right i'm a, a bigger fan of saying if you're unhappy look inside and start to figure out what's going to make you happy yes. and then figure out a way to get there. Right. Um, entrepreneurship should never blossom out of strictly like uh, frustration. Right? right. I think it's, I think those things are catalysts. Like, but I also believe unhappiness or happiness are both kind of roadmaps to what you should be doing. Right. And it's, but start the application process. Right. Start start taking those action steps. That's the other half of it. And when you start doing that, you start to realize things make sense more. Things start to feel way more natural. Right. And way more validating. Those insecurities that you once had start to go away. Right. And you you like, wait a minute, you start to see yourself differently. You start to believe in yourself. The confidence is there, and all those things start to build over time. I mean, this is what from November to now, yeah, uh, May, yeah, it was like October is when I did the challenge, yeah. So, yeah. this is like over six months, yeah, which is a long time where you where you do where you're going through this kind of like almost a self discovery, self challenge application process of getting stuff popping on your own, right spawning out of like your frustrations and yeah. and things um and then you get to a place where you've built in now you can get what you want yes but it's not just like i'm unhappy give me what i want it's i'm unhappy let me figure out where i stand yes. with myself and stand in this whole thing i'm very clear on that now you know, you're very clear on it. Like, right. You have to know what you, you want. To, exactly. You just get that, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? or at least I knew, I knew enough, which was the type of work that I was doing at CA. And not even just at CA. CA and ABC, like the communication style work. Like, I just knew, I knew that wasn't what I wanted. And I yeah. knew that, like, two things that I like to do, which was, one, illustrations, and two, like, designing things that are around music are things that excite me. So I was like, okay, well, let's just... I believe in challenges. Like I have a Skillshare account is where you can take all these classes. And usually the classes are like a challenge of like create this like still life or whatever. So I'm like, okay, I've seen so many success stories of people who've done 
Like this one girl, her name is uh, Jessica Hish. She's like a very well-known letter designer. Mm-hmm. And she got her start by doing it's a, like a well-known project, uh, like a drop cap book a day or whatever. So basically she did like a letter that was very stylized a day. They would like live on a book cover. Mm-hmm. And now she's like one of the most famous mm-hmm. book cover designers in the world. Like probably like loaded. Like she is lit. No. And she did it by like doing that challenge. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh shit. And so from me just investigating design in a different way, it's led me to all these different people who have done something to challenge themselves. And I've always been into that because I believe that if you're not given the type of job that you want to do, you don't have to wait on that shit. Like I never liked to wait on stuff. I can always create something that can prove I can do whatever I want to do. Because one thing I always say is like, if I want to design for Rihanna back in the day, I could say that all day. And if she came to me, I was like, Oh, what can you show me? I would not have shit to show her. So in my mind was like, stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. Mm -hmm. So if she come to me, I need to be like, I'm doing a, B and C, but I can show you. And so I wasn't being challenged at work and I was like, okay, I really need to challenge myself. And the whole time I was at CA, which I probably don't even need to say this, but I was always working on my own stuff. I noticed that the work was slow. It wasn't that advanced necessarily. Like it was very quick. I noticed that we had all the tools and weren't using them. We got a, a video and photo studio. We got like a red cam. I get, we got people who know how to do music videos and motion graphics and shit. And I'm like, I'm about to be on this, like in this bitch doing photo shoots on the weekend. Like <laughs> we using it to do fire safety videos. Like I literally used every single thing in that building for my advantage. So when I sat with one of the partners, it definitely, it felt easy. It, I know it's probably coming across as like, oh, she just sat down and asked something, but it, it came no, no, no. easy because I had like, I grinded that whole time yeah. from, you know, working on stuff to like you building relationships. in the trenches. Yeah. That's the biggest difference. Yeah. You can't know what you want until you experience it. Yeah. Right? And the beauty about even experiencing it is that sometimes our dreams when we actually experience them, that reality is far different than the dream itself. Oh, for sure. You know what I'm saying? And those 10,000 hours that people talk about are fucking real. Yes. Like, I think about the last five years, and I tell people, it doesn't even seem like I've been in L.A. for five years because most of those years were me not having much of a social life. Like, mm. I would go out, especially when I worked at Disney, like I said, go out in Burbank a couple times with people. But it was very, like, minimal. Like, Shout after work, Burbank. yeah, Shout after to work, Burbank. go to drinks or some shit. But I didn't really get into, like, I think maybe after my first year here, I met, which is one of my best friends now. She's from the same hometown as me, but we didn't know each other in our hometowns. But we met, like, out yeah. here. Um, and she was the one that introduced me to like, I feel like the West side and everything else. And that was like after a year. And even still, I was declining most things. Like I remember the same friend the other day. She was like, Oh yeah, Thanksgiving in Vegas last year was so lit. Yeah. And I was like, we're out there. She was like, no, you couldn't go because I had did the illustration of day challenge and my inbox was booming. So in November I had to fucking work. It was no social life. And you. that had been me the whole time I was here of like, friends that probably were irritated by me because every time they invite me to go somewhere, I'm like, no, I got to work. Or no, I, like, I just... And I also love being in the house. So it's like, no, I got to do stuff. And so now that things are popping off, it's funny because I always think of... um I like Big Sean a lot. And I think about this line that he said... I don't even know what song it was. But he was like, I guess it took 10 years for me to be an overnight success. Yeah. And yeah. 
it's funny because I have friends who've known me since I've been here and they're like, oh, you got all this shit popping. And I'm like, but you remember the last five years, yeah. all them Friday nights you asked me to come out with you. And I said, no, I can count on one hand how many times I've been to the club in L.A. It's a huge part of it. Yeah. And that's and, and it was just sacrifice, like sacrifice of working on literally everything from like websites and logos and illustrations and just saying no. And I still say no to a lot of events just because I'm like. Could I be at home smoking, doing some work yeah. <laughs> or like at this event looking like what the fuck going on for like yeah. two hours and then having an Uber and spend money? It's just for like, sure. yeah, and, I just always waited like that. And, and what's crazy, what I want to ask you about, too, is like, you know, it's kind of we're getting to this this culmination of, of like all the stuff, all the work that you've put in, yeah. the grinding you've done. And now like you're seeing success and, and, and you know, the fruits of your labor really coming that's why i'm so happy like we actually got you on here during this time yes it's a perfect time <laughs> and but i think we have to I, what, what i want to say is like entrepreneur being an entrepreneur it comes with tons and tons of challenges mm-hmm. right? for sure but from your perspective but and, and just putting in all the work that and all nobody sees the challenges and nobody sees the work you put in people just see kind of like the yes. constant that's final, a, final that's they don't see all the brokenness that's, and the negative that's one of the account. biggest <laughs> misconceptions about yeah. entrepreneurship yeah so what is like th- through that what has kept you going mm. and what what's keeping you now in in driving your entrepreneur mm. side in in where it's not becoming like just a side hustle. Mm-hmm. It's really just becoming your job now, your career. Mm, that's a good question. It's hard. <laughs> so it goes back to, oh, sorry. It goes back to what I discovered in that 21 day challenge. And I keep talking about bending on your magic, but I didn't know, I didn't know that people would want my work in the way that they did until mm. I did that challenge and I started seeing everything come in. And I thought about the different risks that I've taken. And for like, when I realized that I was like, okay, I looked for jobs. I didn't see jobs out there and I wanted to quit. I had the same calmness and the same stillness that I had when I decided to move to LA. Mm. And it was the exact same feeling where I should have been scared as shit. But for some reason it was just like, Oh, that's what I need to be doing. Like that. Mm. Like, don't think about beyond, Ooh. don't think about nothing else beyond that. Cause that's when shit gets scary. But like, yes. huh, I should quit. Um, and again, like in November, I didn't have any money. Cause like, just to put things in perspective, like I'm not, I'm not the best with money. Like that's not some shit. Like my dad told me to keep my credit right. I barely listen. Like I, it just, I just didn't have money. So I, I ended up getting the savings from the Jordan project. But in that moment, it was, this is, it just felt like the only option. And so from then it went to the same thing that I thought when I moved to LA, which was, I mentioned before, if you would have told me that I can do everything I could do now when I was in Alabama, I wouldn't have believed you. And at that point I realized how powerful I was just Mm. with me. I just, and, that, and that was it. Like I, that's and, a crazy. I know, like, and my heart kind of flutters when I think about it because yeah. that is a feeling that I wish I could give everybody in the world. Mm. Like I, like I have some. I have one friend it takes in particular. Time, though. I know I have one friend in particular where I can literally cry because I can tell that she doesn't know her passion, and 
I don't, I feel like I would have just died inside because if you don't have no passion, like if I was in that situation at CAA, even as a designer, but I had no passion to like progress past what I was doing, I would still be there. And that sense of like entrapment, I guess, to be dramatic or like, you feel like you like I have friends that want to quit their job and have nowhere to go because they have no passion. It's just like I'm going this job and I'm doing exactly what they tell me to do. And like, sure. that's it. And so for me, it was. I have this skill, the skill equates to money also, like I know I can make a living off doing this. And so. It just, it honestly seemed like the only choice. And now that I'm in, now that I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, it's interesting because like I mentioned before, when I quit, I was planning on quitting. Like I, I went in with like, I'm quitting. I'm done. Like I don't, don't offer me nothing. And then I was able to like finesse the situation where I was to work part time. And that was like one of the biggest blessings because one, I learned, I learned so many skills about negotiating and I, I understood a lot about power and where power lies in corporate situations. I could have easily went back and forth with my boss. And I think about Lil Duval is like, I'm living my best life. I ain't going back and forth with y'all. Like that's how I felt with my, my boss. Best life. Like, like, I'm not going back and forth with you. Like I'm not doing it. <laughs> um, but I was able to like put myself in the best situation. The bad part about my agreement with CAA, like after I left and I was working like remotely part time, I mean, I, I was sitting at home like, how in the hell did I sit in some partner? I was, I was in her office with like Jordan's on. I always dress like how I'm dressed right now. I probably wouldn't wear a crop top, but like I've always been yeah. me in the workplace. Um, and I was like, how did I get myself in this situation where like I quit and I switched departments? And then I'm working, you know, remotely, part-time, with a full-time salary. And, like, been, it was just weird. And from there, it kind of, it was great, but it came a crutch. Because, again, when I was quitting, I was like, I'm quitting. Like, cold turkey. It ain't, yeah. I wasn't thinking about no if ands. I wasn't trying to negotiate. I wasn't there to, like, do a power play. I was there to quit. <laughs> and so when I was able to stay, it kind of became a, a crutch, like a really good crutch, but a crutch because now I'm at home, I'm freelancing like full time, but then I also have this CAA work that I'm doing. I'm still like getting paid. Um, and then it became a point where a lot of the work that I was doing was building up to a conference that they had at the end of June. And after the conference was over, I was like, well, I don't really have anything substantial that I should still be here doing. And so I kept working with them and thank God, like, I built a great rapport with the people I was working with. So they didn't want me to leave, and I still wanted to leave, but I still wanted to check. So we kind of danced around for, right. like, a month. And then August 2nd, I was like, okay, y'all, like, this is going to be a date. I got to go. Um, And that's when I, like, completely cut the cord, sure. like, had to exit interview. And that's when shit got really real. It was like, okay, girl, you've been at the house, you know, working since, like, May. I quit in the April. My last day was, like, beginning of May because I strategically pick like the beginning of the month yeah. because you can like keep your insurance <laughs> and that's my recommendation for anybody in corporate if you quit quit the beginning of the goddamn month so you can <laughs> keep your insurance for 30 days so smart that's why i'm like like get my wisdom teeth taken out fast next week <laughs> before september 2nd <laughs> i ain't got time um but it became a crutch and then when i realized like okay the whole reason why i quit was to do things that i want to do for myself and not constantly be working for someone else which mm. i have a hard time saying no and that's why over the last few years i've been like a workaholic and even 
especially over the last like six months or so or probably like more than six months especially since like last October if you asked me to do something there was no way I was saying no I mean I wasn't sleeping it was a point where I broke out in hives I had to go to the doctor and he was like what do you do like what was your day-to-day and I'm like you know I'm an artist I'm staring at the and I had hives and my eye kept twitching for like two weeks wow and he was like what the fuck (laughs) and I was like well you know I'm looking at the screen it's like you stressed yes Mm -hmm. um Different, different things. Like I was running off caffeine. I love iced coffee from Starbucks. Like I was, I was essentially putting like my health in a bad spot. Yeah. And, and I knew that like there was no way I can keep going at that speed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to have to give up something. Yeah. And I rather give up this job versus giving up these freelance jobs because these freelance jobs are going to give me the opportunity that I've always wanted that I didn't even know I wanted, which Mm. was to stop looking for a box and then create all my boxes. Mm. Like I can do all the boxes and something I realized recently, cause I had a friend tell me, which was like a eye opener. He was like, um, it was my friend's boyfriend. I was chilling with them and he was like, your work is so interesting because you can live in so many places at once. And I was like, that's what I've been searching for my whole life is that I want to live in so many different places at once. And I've been told my whole life that I can't Mm -hmm. because I have to pick boxes and things. And entrepreneurship is the only way. Well, not the only way, but the way where I can, because I got control problems, the way where I can control that I can live in these different boxes. Now, I have realized since leaving CAA, um, it's been a couple of different agencies and companies who have approached me, uh, like one, one, who by the time this come out, this whole situation will be over, so it won't matter. But uh, Wyden and Kennedy, they really, they really want me to come to Portland, like in work. And a company of that stature, I would have never thought Lacey Jordan and Wyden and Kennedy exist in the same, like right now, exist yeah. in the same goddamn sentence. And so when they hit me up, which when they hit me up, it was right after I had like quit, but I was still working with CA, but they thought I was like employed. And it's so funny because, like, again, I had already quit. I wasn't scared to quit. And then I, I kind of got this crutch. So I'm living in this crutch gray area. And then they hit me up and I'm like, oh, shit. I don't know why I needed them to validate me. I still don't know. But I'm like, fuck, I'm in the right lane. Like, I'm doing something right because right, they are like creme de la creme. Like, they creating all the dope shit, like, in a whole different area. And so that was something that told me of, like, Everything that I've wanted to do, every area that I've wanted to work in, like I love streetwear. I was working with Jordan. I'm black as fuck and I love empowering black people and I love like activism and standing up for shit that I believe in. I started working with like March for Our Lives and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I love entertainment. I was still working with CA. I was starting to work with like music. I basically every area that I wanted to work in. All your boxes. All the boxes was coming together. I was mm. able to like do ideation. And that's the thing about, and I didn't like about my department at CA is that I'm not just a person that sits behind a desk and like pushes out work. Like I don't, I don't want like being a part of a project where it's a bunch of people in the meeting and they come give me a brief versus me being in the meeting so I can hear what y'all are thinking about. Right. So I can tell y'all like, okay, this, this makes sense. Or like, yes, we should go this way or like different things. And so now that I'm in this position, it's giving me the ability to like play all the cards. I'm, I can be everywhere that I want to be. And so that's the fire that's lit under me under entrepreneurship is that again, if you would have told me I can do all this shit, I would never believe it. And this stuff now that it's dreams that I have. Like yesterday I was on a treadmill <laughs> and I've, I've been talking about a jet 
since 2007 when I went to college. Because again, brother, that's a baller. He got all types of shit, rims, cars, everything. Yeah. I grew up on that. Like my Mustang has rims. I got two twelves. Like I've grown up on that lifestyle. It's just shit that I like. And so I'll joke around like in college, like, y'all, we're going to get on the jet. <laughs> like don't have no clue. I'm like in criminal justice. How are we going to get the jet? Like just joking about shit. And it's so crazy because similar, like things that I've joked about in that same vein have like come to life. And I truly believe, and it might be like some hippy dippy shit, but like, I believe that if a thought goes into my head, that means it can happen. And when I went to CAA, I had never been around that level of wealth in my life. I never seen a black car. I never seen a McLaren. I was like, that's a real fucking McLaren. Like just shit that I like sports cars, things I had never seen. Right. And I told my mom, I was like, I'm in a whole different lane right now. It's a whole different position of like power and understanding wealth and money and like, you know, raising money for things. Or, you know, you around people who are like, I just raised $30 million for a medium no, fund. It, it, I'm like, how the yeah. fuck? Like, what? I've never seen $30 million. I've never seen like an M. Like, <laughs> what, what do you, what do you mean? And now I'm, I'm, I'm engulfed in all of this stuff. And I'm like, there, it has to be a reason why I've been, introduce to this life whether it's and not even just about wealth but just being around this type of environment i feel like everything is setting me up for something so those full staff meetings that kill me i mean i've never been so stressed about a keynote presentation in my life i used to be depressed about them and i'm like mom like why am i doing this work and she was like didn't you say you want to work for beyonce i was like yeah she's like is it beyonce production yeah she was like all that stress you doing knowing how to like laptops connect and working with the production knowing how to cue videos knowing how to like do motion do all that shit she was like you're gonna need to know how to do that it's all the tools you it's know, all the tools to, to create all your boxes yes. and i think like in and it's so interesting for, to, for me to hear that side like finally because your your journey has been all about trying to fit into a box and yeah. now it's come to a point where you're creating all those boxes yeah I want to touch on something um, that, like, because actually before uh, this podcast, Kalia showed me this quote that you said um, about awkwardness mm-hmm. and that the awkwardness is like your magic. Mm-hmm. I forgot the exact quote. I think I think you got it right. I think that's what I said. Some, it's something, something like, like that. <laughs> but um, you, you said, uh, you use the word magic again, and you said, um, you know, bet on your magic. Mm-hmm. So much of your story has been about finding your magic. Right. You know, this kind of like that it can, it's undefined, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you're on this journey to, to find it. Once mm. you do bet on it, right? Right. For you, bet on your magic and going forward with all these tools in your bag, with all these experiences that you have. And now all your boxes are create, are created. What is that next? kind of thing that you're looking f- for that dream that magic that you're gonna bet on oh i haven't gotten there yet that's the all my boxes aren't made i like oh. i'm literally scratching the surface of what i want to do like i haven't Amazing. done in my mind i haven't done shit and it's funny i had a a guy friend say a guy friend told me that one of his friends was like Lacey has done this stuff. What else she wants to do? What else does she want to do? And I was like, what the fuck you mean? You haven't done shit. We're just getting started. Yeah, I was. And and that's the thing. In my mind, it goes back to, it goes back to that humbleness. And I have friends that tell me all the time, they're like, you way too humble. They were like, do you ever like celebrate your wins? And I usually tell when I just had drinks, I tell people things real casually. I'm like, oh yeah, like I need to go to New York because 
I'm doing this project with the UN. And my friend was like, bitch, the United Nations? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but I'm talking about it like this. I'm like, yeah, you know, and blah, blah. And she was like, no, 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 wait, stop. Go back to the beginning. And I'm like, I, I just, I, I do, I, I put in the work and I do the work and I move on to the next thing. And even when I find out about an exciting opportunity, I never get attached to it because I always think things are going to be taken away from me. Mm-hmm. And that goes back from childhood or like, you know, my dad sure. not being around how he, how he should have been. So I'm like, I don't believe shit until it happens. And like, it's there. So for me, I look at my career, um, this sound real crazy, but like, I, I try to figure out like what Oprah was thinking, <laughs> like when she was starting off and I keep saying that there are things that I can do that I've never thought of. And mm. every day there's something that shows me a route that I can go down or different things that I can do that I never thought about. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, I think this is when y'all were getting, uh, the Hennessy, thank God. But I mentioned how people in entertainment think entertainment is everything. But what about the people getting oil money? I want to get oil money. I don't even know what the fuck that means, but I know I want to get it. Like I want to work in healthcare. And people are like, how? Nonprofit and healthcare design is trash. What if I could rebrand Blue Cross Blue Shield? What does that look like? How does that impact people? Sure. And so with design, I'm thinking of it very much so bigger picture. Like we live, we live in a world where uh influencer is a word that I like struggle with, but mm-hmm. you you can be an influencer on any on any like grand level in so many different areas, if sure. that makes sense. Sure. So for design, everything in the world needs design. This was designed, that teddy bear, this mic, that mug, that painting, literally everything. There's no job in the world where you do not need a designer mm-hmm. or someone who can creative, who could think creatively in some way. So for me, that's super exciting because the options are limitless. I can literally do anything. So for me, it's like, I love design. I love illustration. I want to take my illustration of fine arts. I want to be in museums. I look at Beyonce and Jay-Z in the Louvre and everybody's like, oh, it's lit. I looked at that shit and I was like, if they can record in the Louvre, I can have work in the Louvre. So now that's a goal. Mm. Get in the goddamn Louvre. Don't know how it's going to happen. But then a week later, I meet somebody who works at the Bro and I'm like, great start. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the Bro or LACMA or anybody sure. else, you know? And so... I, I identified that as a lane. I want to go more into fine art. I want to see what that's like. Diddy out here buying like fucking million dollar paintings. I'm like, I got some million dollar artwork. I think like, you know, and so it's, it's just dreaming big. It's yes. like, it's, it's truly, I love that you're saying that because even my mind is like design has a very narrow lane. No. Just, just from like the conversation we've had. I know it doesn't, but I think it's just conventional yeah. to naturally think like that. So to open it up to yeah like and that's the thing this these everything. days it's so many things so like that's that's one thing like illustrations um taking it the fine art route another thing is um when i look at design and this is something you and i talked about in our initial conversation was there there's a lack of black designers supposedly like we're here people just don't find them especially black designers that have reached like a certain level. Like when you think about like agents, like those like Ari, like people who you're like, they lit. 
I'm pretty sure nobody can name like a super iconic black graphic designer because there's just something you just don't know about. And even being in, in the design industry, like I go to the conferences, I see it. It's nobody who looks like me. So one of my goals is to like, I need to be that person. So mm-hmm. then when it's a little For lacy, sure. that's like, oh, I want to be a designer. I'm like, oh, that's that black girl who doing all this dope shit. And so that means I have to be an expert in design and be at a whole different level. So I mean, being on like board, board members and shit. Like I'm trying to be, I'm trying to keep one foot in the corner corporate area too because like it's such a lane in that but I think about how I talk about design and my voice because again I go back to Disney I didn't think I had a voice my mom has always had a loud voice I remember being in criminal justice classes in Alabama being quiet about black issues I didn't want to be the only one in the room like saying shit and now I just I'm comfortable in my voice and I know I have one and when I spoke on my first panel earlier this year that's when me being put in uncomfortable situations shows me where I shine the most because I asked, I was like, okay, beginning of this year, like I want to work for Jordan. I want to do a panel, like all the shit I said I wanted to do. I do the panel and I'm scared to death. Like I'm up there like, it's a lady who started a goddamn ice cream shop and like all these people who are very established. And I'm up here like, oh, like I'm an illustrator. I was the most popular person on that panel. And it's not about popularity, but it's about what people connected to, which is how sure. I got here. Sure, Everybody sure. came up and was like, the way you speak is super authentic. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm just telling y'all what the fuck going on in my life from straight from my mouth. Like I'm sure. cursing. I'm up there with like Air Max on the jumpsuit, like my nails. I'm just doing a lot. I'm talking with my hands. Uh, people, it, we're in that age right now. It's, it's being authentic. I think yes. it's just in, in, stripping away more and more i think that's what we're trying to even do with this whole podcast is like right expose and and show and showcase that that voice right and that authenticity yeah it, it's just gonna it's gonna connect and um it's gonna reach further and touch more people yeah you know it, it, it's so cool to he- hear you say all this stuff yeah too. yeah you know and, and come from this perspective um especially from like a design but just not even as a as design just as a creative an innovative thinker, you yeah. know, as a human being, and as a human it's a being, lot. I, I, like I said, I think about Oprah, and I'm like, okay, I have a voice, a voice that's very like brash and different from my colleagues in the design industry. So then, if I start a podcast about being black in design, I interview black creatives that don't exist. That is one podcast I could think of, but it's very like professional. So then I'm thinking like, okay, if I do that, then that's like a whole media lane that takes off. And I know for a fact that it's a lane and I know for a fact that like, okay, I've worked with Squarespace, Squarespace sponsors podcast. Yeah. That's something they're going to be interested in because everybody's after the black dollar. Like I still have that business mind of like, I can take this shit off and I can be, well, I don't have a desire to do live podcast tours, but you don't know where that stuff can take you. Or I, I think about you know, wanting to work with a music artist yeah. and you know where that lane could take you. Or I think about designing products. Like I love streetwear. I love fashion. There are very few labels that are designed by black women It's in streetwear. So I'm like, okay, well, whenever I put these ideas on like a shirt or whatever, I could be a fashion designer. Like it's literally yeah, so it's, many they, different ways. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And that's, not only thinking like design or creative, that's just thinking like an entrepreneur. Yeah. And going yeah. back to your question is that's what keeps me going. Like when I think about <laughs> entrepreneurship and where I can go, it's the, <laughs> I don't even know how to like quote this. I feel like it'd be a good quote if I knew exactly what to say, but everything I can think of, everything I can think of is a simple goal. What I'm trying to get to is the stuff I haven't thought of yet. For sure. Because I never thought I would be here and this is lit. 
So it's some shit that I don't even like. I'm not even in touch with yet. Yeah, it's like some like Pluto shit. That's yeah. like I'm not even like. Oh, I don't even think I could do that yet. That's out there. And so whenever I come up with an idea, I'm like, oh, that got to be doable. So like a jet, which I don't know what form that comes in. But I'm, I tell my friends like that has to be doable because I thought about it in 2007, mm. and it's stuff that I thought about in November that I did in February. And so I know that like if I could think it. And it sounds such like a Space Jam quote or something. Like, if I could think it, I can do it. For sure. And the real trick is to get to the stuff that I'm not thinking about. Absolutely. That, that's, that's like the key. And I know maybe like two years ago, a year and a half ago, it's this photographer. Her name is uh, Tasha Blue. She does like a lot of streetwear shit. She had like a full billboard in like Madison Square. Like just, just like, no, um, what's the, I can't even think of where it was. I think she had something in Madison Square Garden and she had something like in, it was somewhere in New York, but this shit was crazy. I had never seen a creative like just on, yeah, like just her. It wasn't even like her, you know, with Jordan brand or anything. It was just her. And I was like, this is crazy. Like you're being celebrated for your work on a whole. That means you've yeah. done this caliber yeah. of work yeah. to be on a whole different level. Like it's, it's, it's nuts. So for me, it's, um, I have a bunch of just ideas and things that I want to do that range from, you know, creative direction, working with an artist to, you know, product design, fashion design, um, media. And I think as we progress with like the internet and like the, the whole like behind the scenes thing, or I keep bringing up like Joe Budden cause that whole situation, they're calling him like the new, um, like Howard Stern is crazy just watching his growth. But I'm like, what is that? What does that mean? What is that for the design world? Because again, people love the behind the scenes. Like when Insecure comes out, uh, they get a lot of ratings off their behind the scenes part of it when they talk about the episode. People want to know who's directing it, who who's writing the stories. Like that's as important as an actress or for actor sure. these days. So for me, it's figuring out um how to how to play a part in that and then especially being a black woman like how can i always be feeding into culture and creating culture and opportunity for people so i don't know if like this shit can go when i look at beyonce career i'm just like or even when you were talking about earlier if you were to um have a podcast with somebody and like track their life and you know they finally made it i always think about that with beyonce because i look at what she's done like for coachella and I'm like, that's a whole, you shed a whole new layer of skin. That was, a, that was, and people probably thought she had like maxed up, like she'll always be great, but what story is she going to tell? And she was just like, oh no, I got a whole new, and she's just now reaching that level of like confidence and like telling the stories sure. that she wants to tell. And so I look at that, I look at people like her and I look at people like Oprah. I'm like, you're constantly reinventing things and you're constantly like pushing forward and you can tell with like a Beyonce or Oprah Oprah don't even she didn't even know she was like one of the first black billionaires she like said she googled herself the other day and I was like how do you not know um but both of them they don't they don't challenge they don't they don't compare themselves to people. They keep challenging themselves. Like Beyonce, sure. I was like, how can I beat Beyonce? Yeah, Which is like sure. one of the most iconic things to think of. So for me, it's like, okay, you know, like what, like what can I do to like beat myself? Like what's an idea that is so far fetched that I don't even think it happened? Cause more than likely it can. So Absolutely. that's what keeps me going. It's weird, like weird. Like I'm thinking like, 
we're going to go to Mars, like, and, like, actually exist there. So what the fuck can I design? It could be there, like, when we I get love there. It. Like, no, we got roadmaps up there. Like, I love it. I don't know. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot. And you actually don't know what you can do until you start putting yourself out there. And Absolutely. through artwork and even, like, just photos that I'll do with friends. Like, I have friends that want to be stylists and models, so we'll all, like, create content. I want to get better with photography. So, in return, when I work with a photographer, I can, like, direct them on what I want. And so we'll be producing content. And then, like, the other day, somebody hit me up, which I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. And I am... I take a lot of L's with work too. So this might not even go nowhere, but they're like, Oh, you know, we want you to like be a part of this, like Calvin Klein campaign. I'm not a fucking model. Ain't nothing model about this. It's nothing like I'm awkward in front of the camera. Like, no. And it just told me like, wow, from me producing all this like streetwear shit, brands like Calvin Klein, who wants to be in streetwear and also wants to like look cool. I can collaborate with these brands and something like, I hate saying modeling because again, I'm not a model, but being someone who could, you know, advertise or be working with brands in that fashion was something yeah. that never ran across my mind. Yeah, Absolutely. The possibilities are yeah. truly endless. I thought I had sure. to be like super skinny <laughs> like yeah. to do anything like that. So I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, but it's, almost anything. Incredible. It's a be- you know what the beauty about your story is, is like, Finding your magic, mm. believing your magic. Yeah. Right. And ultimately down the road, outperforming your magic. Yeah, honing Boom. it in. A lot of the times, yeah. like, people are scared of, which myself included, like, it took a we long all are. time. Yeah. We all are. It took a long That's time. Okay. You know what the question is? That's okay. Yes. It's not a bad thing to be scared of potential, scared mm. of opportunities, scared of who we are, scared of our insecurities. Right. Right. All of those things exist. That's okay. Yes. Imagine that. That's okay. So what are we scared about? Right. And it was to your point earlier about the imperfections, like realizing that that's, excuse me, what makes us great. And it took me so long to realize it and I mean and a lot of people feel like and I know a lot of people look at Rihanna too for this as like having the utmost confidence and a lot of people think that about me like I did that weird like Instagram question thing and a lot of people were like how are you so confident and it was funny because when they were asking me that which was a few maybe like a month ago I was probably at the lowest of confidence when they asked me that so I was reading them questions like what the fuck are y'all where are y'all getting this information from like why why do I seem so confident even if that's not like how I feel and I realized that most people don't don't tap into like even like a five percentage of of that level of feeling confident yeah. about yourself. So the little piece of confidence that I do have outweighs the like average confidence. And for me, it was I learned so much. I keep going back to Disney, but from being so different when I moved here and learning how to like adjust or even like at CAA of feeling like again, like I'm just like this girl who don't know shit about shit i'm not in entertainment i don't have no money like y'all we eating quinoa and shit like i don't know what's going on like, <laughs> I, it, was, it was a bunch of foods where i was like what are we eating like sushi burrito i know sushi but a sushi burrito that's a lot uh, it was just so much it was so much stuff and it was so many situations where i just felt sure. like i was at a disadvantage and and it's something i have to keep reminding myself of to this day of like yeah the the awkwardness the quirkiness like all of that is what makes me me and one thing it's your strength yeah 
And one thing that I realized is that I'm not, I'm honestly not that confident. I'm just fearless. I just don't, I, I rarely have fear. And it's because I've done so many things that were supposed to scare me and nothing happened mm-hmm. for the most part. Like nothing, nothing killed me. I'm still here. So now it's just like, why not quit my job? What's the worst that could happen? Like what, what rethinking what failure is what is failure like is failure i quit my job and i try entrepreneurship and it doesn't work no that mean i just i tried it and you know i figured out like different ways it could work with different ways that didn't work and i get another job at the end of the day it's still for me that doesn't equate failure and so for when i put myself in that mind frame of like okay if you quit the job like what's failing and when i didn't have an answer i'm like oh shit well i'm good because if I, you know, if I go out into the world and something like bad happens, I can easily, it's so many, even if I didn't have those companies on my resume, it's so many design jobs in LA that no, it's like sure. sickening. Yeah. No, I, and I think that's such a, a good way to say it is like you, and it's resonated throughout your whole story is that fearlessness. And I like, I think we've understood it as just like not really thinking and just going and just not mm-hmm. really being like, like. I think about when you move to LA where I'm, I'm just on that hamster wheel. I'm just going, but it really is a fearlessness. You know, it's, it's kind of, you know, being focused, not necessarily being confident, but being fearless. And what's cool about everything like that it's culminated to now, I can't wait to have you back on here like a year from now. Oh God. Because <laughs> for real, cause this is just like, we always say people come on here like this is their first album, right? Mm-hmm. I can't like you literally are just getting started. Yeah. yeah. And also just from everything that you're saying, I feel you are the most aware of these things and being able to talk about it and say these things so vulnerable and mindful too to come on this platform and say like, yeah, these are the things I'm going through. These are the things I'm feeling. I'm, and to end it like this into this new journey of like, I'm not that com- confident. I'm just fearless. Yeah. Like still have humility, but still have the amount, uh, enough uh, awareness with you to keep going. Even like coming off the backs of talking about all these huge ideas and big dreams and like endless possibilities, you're still not scared to say like, yeah, but I'm I'm still I still am not there yet. Yeah. But you know what you know what the beauty in this scenario and correct me if I'm wrong, but the in my mind having listened and 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 been fortunate to embrace this conversation is through your journey what I get from it is you've understood your magic. Yeah. And you've also understood that there is magic Yes. You've gotten to a point where you believe that your magic exists. Yes. Now, the bounds of your magic in your mind have no limit. Right. Right? But we're at a point where the foundation is set. Yeah. And you're completely comfortable and willing and open to seeing where it goes yes that is you hit the nail on the head like that is that is absolutely it i feel like i've done a lot 
since I've been here. And you have. But then it's also like, oh shit, like we, we really just about, we just now getting started. Cause those five years were me discovering and yeah. like figuring out how to handle the magic. Now it's like, okay, you know, you have it. And like, again, it's still times where like I second guess. Yes. Like I'm not, sure, that's, that's I definitely do. don't want people to think like, that's oh, it's like smooth. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. That's the whole point. I just had to take like a self retreat where I had to like, put myself in a different mind frame because it's very different. It's the difference between freelancing and, and entrepreneurship. For sure. Like I, I had my, cause I've always been a freelancer. Like sure. I freelanced no, no, for years, course, like these yeah, different yeah. jobs, but like the CAA crutch didn't like put the battery in my back that I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. And like when I really quit, like got the exit letter, like all that shit, I was like, okay, like, okay, you, you have to like change your mind frame. You're no longer just like, oh, you got a job and you freelance on the side. Like, you're a business and whatever the fuck that means, you got to figure it out and like, you know, think about all types of stuff that I've never had to think about, like, uh, accountants and, you know, lawyers, look at contracts, yeah, sure, like just, just all, all types of shit. So it's, it's a new lane that I'm comfortable and scared in at the same time. For I'm comfortable sure. because the I've been I've always I'm comfortable with hustling yeah. like that that is where I thrive like I I say it all the time and like for instance when I got the Forbes thing I like I seriously like I cried because I was just like ain't no way I'm supposed to be doing shit like this like it ain't no way and I because I look at I look at so many designers and artists and I'm like these people are so dope like they're so much better than me like comparison I have to sure. struggle with that and I'm like they, they're so much better than me but I had to keep telling myself of like it's not just a talent and a lot of people ask and maybe even people listening to this are like what's the keys to success but they're very like a lot of times they're very fucking simple and a lot of the time it's doing the work and as people hate that but it's like doing the work and being consistent and for me, I know I'm consistent. So it's so many other artists that have similar styles that are better than me, but I'm way more consistent than they are. Yeah. And I know I'm willing to like do shit that I probably don't need to do, which is like staying up all night. And like those five years I sacrificed of barely having a social life or, you know, like saying yes to everything, yeah. and, you know, not being able to sleep. Like my work schedule used to be get to work at CA around 9, 30, 10 stay there to 6:37 get home it's probably like 8:45 cook and eat probably be done around like 10 I'm working from like 10 to 2 10 to 3 then I'm right, like right, I'm right. doing it over Just and over whole, and over yeah, and I'm yeah. also working at my stuff working on my own stuff SDA so it it took a lot so it's more about having the the skill and the work ethic to be honest like in my mind the biggest key to success is believing that you could be successful. Yes. Right? And there's a humongous difference in actually believing that you can be and thinking that you believe yep. that you can. Right? The difference with, with, with your journey and what we've went through is that through all of the trials and tribulations, you've come to a point where you believe full-heartedly mm -hmm. that it's going to happen and you have that ability. Right. 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 That belief is there. There's a difference between somebody convincing somebody else that they believe and somebody knowing within themselves that they believe. Exactly. That's the biggest separator here. Yes. Right. And that's the beauty of your yes. journey. Yes. Yeah. I think that started it's, when I got that computer. Yeah. 
That's sure. like honestly that for I can't real. I always go back to that. But for that sure. day when I knew it, when for I was real. like, Mama don't trip, I'm about to get for it. Real. <laughs> like just for chill. Real. But for you real. actually believe. Yes, I knew it. Like I like, I was if so you didn't sure get about the computer, it. You would have been pissed. Yes. And I was but just it, so it, sure it, about it. Yeah, it's it's and it set the tone. And I think it like it it's so good that you said that. This whole thing is about believing. Yeah. yeah. And I think when you bet actually on, believing. And I think right. your betting on your magic is believing. Yeah. And I think your ability to think big is believing that you can actually do it. Yes. Yeah. You're like, this, is the, the, this isn't a pipe dream. Like, you actually believe in yourself. Right. And you believe in all that can come from this. I think that's crazy, dude. Yeah. And believing can this. only come oh, from yes, yourself. Believe it and do the, do the work. Like, I, t- I told a friend the other day that I was like, I would draw my way into every industry I want to be in. And it's so he, it. he laughed at me and I was like, watch. So maybe it was the last week I drew, um, I, I do a lot of like illustrations based off my mood. And I realized my mood is like a lot more unapologetic than I am in like real life. Like it's very like Rihanna vibes. Like I just don't give a fuck. Um, and so I was like, you know, I've been working on confidence, so many different things and I was feeling myself and I was like, fuck this. I'm drawing all these things that got to do with like where, where I'm at right now. Yeah. And again, people got to pay attention. Like, of course, believing in yourself is a thing and like, um, doing the work, but also understanding marketing and like where your niche, where your bag is. So for me, like I'm black, I'm in the culture, like I know. So I say things like I'm in my bag. So I was like, I want to do like a, I'm in my bag illustration. And I was like, what bag do I draw though? <laughs> and I was like, Ooh, I want to move into high, into high fashion. I'm broke. So, well, not like broke, but I'm not yeah. buying no like yeah. Louis Vuitton purses. Um, so I was like, I'm gonna draw Louis Vuitton. I'm gonna be in my bag. <laughs> so I started like drawing things, which are going like drawing myself into different industries. And like, I drew that. And then a couple of days later, it was like Calvin Klein. And I was like, huh, mm. interesting. Are those two unrelated? I think not. Like, and I, I can see the type of people who were interacting with that post. And I'm like, don't let Virgil like this. It's a wrap. Like I'm done. Like it's, it's yeah. I'm going to get exactly like I, I understand. I understand my marketing. I'm yeah. not going to say I understand marketing in general. Yeah. Cause like that wasn't my like lane, but I understand my marketing and like the people who I'm talking to right. and like what I want to say and how authentic it is to me. And so with that way of thinking, I feel like I can, can go into any inch. That's, that's how I've done everything. Cause like I mentioned before, like streetwear, I want to work for Jordan. I started drawing shoes and I'm like, I'm going to let y'all know yeah. by drawing these shoes and shit that I'm here. Like I'm in tune with the brand. We've been down for a long yeah. time. Right. You've <laughs> gotten yourself to the point where you can draw your dreams into existence. Yeah. Fingers yeah. crossed shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need to start drawing planes. Like, <laughs> like, y'all joking, but if you see me post like, well, I can't wait to have you for on the airlines. A year, a year from now, I want real. you to come with your drawings and see how much of that is, is, Come to fruition. Off top, and we also gonna yeah. take a flight on that jet of yours. I'm telling you, Done. you know, it's coming. It is yeah. coming. You know I don't know if I'm gonna own it because that shit is expensive. I'll be pricing you. it like every every you. like six months just to like gauge the temperature. I feel you. Like how much would it cost me to go home? Like thirty thousand dollars. God damn. Just just have a couple seats for me and new shit. Listen, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen. Yeah. I have a homegirl, a beauty influencer, and she has a deal. She's so smart. She know her brand. <laughs> 
she got to deal with like Southwest because she's in her blog and stuff. She's talking about affordable things. Southwest, one of the most affordable airlines. So her and her homegirls going to like Mexico on a free flight. And I'm like, you smart, you smart. But the thing that I, yeah, but uh, you know what's crazy? We're we're gonna do a, a deal with Jet Suite. Yeah. And get the private shit. Yes, exactly. And the thing that I like about this the most is, like with her, she's definitely an influencer. She has like a gift. Like she she does things. But I noticed with a lot of influencers, it's literally just the idea of influence. And the thing that makes me different is, okay, I can have the following, but I also have like a tangible skill. I'm an artist. So I can work with brands. And that's another thing that I always tell people is like, look at influencer life different. Like, yeah, you can get a cool pair of sneakers and take a picture for like Jordan. But what if you design a campaign? Like that lets them know you can think that you understand that because all they care about is business. So you understand their business and you know what they want. And you also can create like, something that they can use that can live on in the space versus an Instagram picture. So when I think about my personal marketing and how I go about doing things or how I work with businesses, it's so funny because I, again, listen to uh, Devin's thing. That's also my first question of like, how can I help your business? Like what, where, where are the pitfalls? Like where are the gaps? Who are you trying to reach? Where are you trying to go? And so when I think about like these different airlines and different things, I'm like, where y'all trying to go? What y'all want to do? <laughs> we have the power to design right. our lives. Exactly. I got some people who want to be on a flight. Let me know. So, yeah. I don't well, know. This has been incredible. And Absolutely. I just want to say, like, thank you for coming and of making course. this happen. Yes. I'm so glad Clea yes. co- yes. co- connected yes. us. I'm sorry it yes. took me so long to get here. No worries. No, no, no. And I'm glad we stayed this long. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, how long is this? How long have we been going? Four hours? Uh, we're good. Yeah. We're good. Jesus. But um, I, you know, uh, when Kalia, when, when she said, um, you know, she's really inspired by you that day, and I can tell I'm very inspired by you now. Oh, Likewise, thank you. And thank you. I'm so excited for the listeners to the ones, the real writers that are gonna listen to this whole thing. Yeah, I'm listen to it, it's some gems. The, 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 <laughs> real, the real, <laughs> the real, mamas out there. Yeah. Yes. The real mamas. The real mamas yes. out there that are going to ride through this listen, whole thing. Listen, my mama are definitely going to listen to however long it is. Because it, yeah. it's that important and, um, you know, it's these moments of why we do this and I think it, it's so important for people to hear this side of you and yeah. get this story out and hear all the amazing things because, when they come to fruition and people start to see that they'll have a way deeper appreciation and also understand all the work, thought, effort and struggle and improvement that led to it. Right. So thank you for, for, for real, for this whole thing. Mama, we almost made it. Oh, we've been making it. Mama, we been making it. Mama, we getting there. You know what's wild though? Is mama, we've been made it. You know why? (laughs) Is, you know what the crazy thing is for me? The theme of of this episode is find your magic and believe in your magic. Yes, it's literally That's That's it. it. The end. Lacey in a nutshell. The end. Lacey in a nutshell and we done. Yes, that's it. it take away that and just do some work. You feel and me? grind it. Like, kill but it. But make sure you believe in that. Yes. But you believe in that. Because your, your light and your energy trans, transfers to people. And that, again, that sounds very like LA and like hippie, but uh, long story short, because we're wrapping up. One of my mentors, who's now my mentor, I met her before she started working at CA. I just, yeah. she was a dope black woman. I just yeah. saw her and I was like, you lit. 
And so when she got hired, I just wanted to sit with her and soak in information. Yeah. And within the first like seven minutes, she's like, you could just stop. She's like, I get it. Like, I, I see. And she told me, she's like, I see you. Mm. And that was like some of like, that, that gave me a sense of relief of like, because that was the first time someone was like, I get it. Yeah. Like, I understand you want to live in all these places and it's not like, don't let anyone tell you that you can't. Because I had people tell me, like, at Disney, like, hire us. Be like, no, you just need to be a designer and learn how to, like, work keynote, which is easy as fuck. I don't know why they said that. And, like, different things. And if I would have listened to that, I would have never been where I am now. So for her to, like, sit and just feel my energy that quickly and be like, so you can stop. Like, I, yeah. I see it. Like, you, you, you talking correctly. Like, I get it. So just... Believe in your shit. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Yeah. You're not a product. You're a promise. Ooh. You I like me? that. <laughs> yeah. For real. Ooh, Jim. Let's drop For it. Real. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker just dropped a bomb. I know yes. that. <laughs> let, that, let that bomb. Just... We need like a sound effect board. Like a... <laughs> no, but For let real. That, let that simmer. And you know like what the that. beauty of that is? I know you're going to fulfill it. Cause you on that path. Wait, give it to me again. I gotta put it in my phone. I got. I gotta make it an affirmation or some shit. I say you're not a product. You're a promise. Mm. When I put that in a future book, I you can credit. All that, bro. We done. <laughs>